plan worked. Don't deviate. Don't deviate. No, no deviation here, baby. Fez, what a story this week. He got in the ESPN over a humongous loss. <laughs> but somehow, some way, he clawed his way back to almost a break-even weekend, right? Yes. Don't in my own betting. Don't deviate, Fez. Well, how'd your how'd your uh followers do? Uh 12 and 9 in the tournament, uh the big dance and five and five in the So other. that's winning. Yeah. I, he seems sheepish about it. Like when I, I asked, I, I thought he it. was like I, horrible. I, I I started five and I started five and zero. Oh, he always wants better, and I always want better. Don't deviate. All right, this was a real strong pod. Uh, we talked about our brackets, how they're doing quite well. How AJ somehow has a little smidge up on me. AJ cried about bad beats for like ten minutes. Eh, eh. It's pretty extreme, don't it's you pathetic. think? Yeah, it was sad. But don't deviate. <laughs> and. We've got baseball coming up. And I got to tell you something. I don't bet a lot of baseball. I am making multiple bets on baseball off of Scott Seidenberg and Fezzik. Now, Fezzik's, let's be honest, veto stuff doesn't come until late. There's not often like a lot of the future things. What I like about Scott, he's a ground. How much baseball do you watch in a given week? Uh, I mean, I'm every day. So I don't know how many. Six like hours a day? Seven six hours. hours a day of baseball? Well, baseball is a great sport to have on in the background. Now, have you watched these games with the pitching clock and everything? Yeah. How, how much better is it? Uh, I like it, but I, I also don't like it. Why? Because I, there's going to be times, and I'm, I'm, very, I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. Clutch situation, mm-hmm. bottom of the ninth inning, closers who usually take the most time that are on the mound, and now they're going to have to hurry up. And but, but is it hurry up, or is it go at a human normal pace? Sometimes you you're, you got to be on the same page with your catcher, and, or you just throw. This yeah. is going to kill the the cottage industry of predicting whether the next pitch is going to be a ball, a strike, etc. There's not Except enough. You were getting ripped off on that anyway. Exactly, but the latency issue now it's it's gone. So there's no way you can get a bet in in time with the pitch clock. Perfect. But anyway, this kind of insight, this kind of sickness, I'll call it. Of it's not as you, you put it on in the background. You go about your day and you do your stuff, and then nothing can, better than that Cubs game early. And then you can always oh, work in Harry, one Harry, game. Harry, on. See, the thing about a Major League Baseball game is no matter when you tune in. It's boring. (laughs) You will always know what the situation is. You'll always know what's going on in the game. I can't turn on an NBA game and I'll see the score in the third quarter. I have no idea what happened earlier on in the game. So it's only the fact they have the runs and the innings broken down? Yeah, and you know the situation. You know who's on base. You know how many runs have been scored. You know how many hits and errors there have been. Well, there's no one on base in NBA. (laughs) And if you pay attention, they say, if you pay enough attention, you will see something at any, any baseball game. That, you, that you've never seen before. You mean a 20 unique... people asleep versus 10? I, listen, I'm happy that this is potentially changing it because I hated the shift, right, which seemed to be, I mean, it was legal, but it bastardized the game. But I hate the God darn ball t- scratching. And I mean, it just, it was too much. This is perfect. Everyone's got the same rules, man. Let's go. And there's going to be more scoring and it's going to be faster. There's going to be, think about this, the runs per minute. Are going to go up by twenty five percent. Listen, Bill Simmons has been negative on baseball for years. I mean, he still likes the. Rest. He was saying this is say a lot of people, serious people, are saying it's going to save baseball. It is. I, the I, casual I, fan's going to love this. Listen, the World Baseball Classic did incredible numbers globally. I mean, last night's were they game, scratching their balls. At, none of the new fancy Major League Baseball rules, and everyone was pretty fun with it. But was the but the pay? I mean, you would agree that baseball has been trending down. Yes. 
I, and I think the length of the game is a big part of it, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think the the fact that there's it's either strikeout or home run is what is Which, killing now the game. Should, now, now, shouldn't the shift I agree. help that? Okay, yes. or the anti-shift. Yes. And I'll tell you this. Regardless, it takes a sick mind to watch that much baseball, but let's profit from it. When I find someone with a sickness, I say, how can I profit? <laughs> and that's what we're going to do with his baseball. And How can I profit off Scott's illness? Yeah, and then with that money. I can maybe get him help. Yeah. But once maybe. Remember when remember at the end of Casino where De Niro said, but I could still pick winners. Still pick winners. <laughs> as long as you got a utility, <laughs> you're there. And then when that utility's over, like in the Sopranos, remember Christopher? You go see that guy at the retirement party? He killed your father. Remember that? Mm. You don't remember that, do you? Mm. So remember it was Christopher and and Tony was. What, Faz, you looking at AJ? Like, oh my God, this story. I mean, you got 14 minutes before your curfew, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what AJ just texted me. Are you supposed to be home? <laughs> That's not true, by the way. There we yeah. go. There we I go. made that up. <laughs> but anyhow, remember in The Sopranos where Christopher and Tony was trying to get him closer to him? Yes. He said, That's who killed your father. He is Sergeant, whatever. He's retiring today. Yes. His usefulness ends. Mm hmm. So one day when you quit picking baseball winners, that'll be it. Put him, put him out to pasture. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not my decision. All right. We got two coupons. We got four coupons here. Well, you can either save 77. You know, actually, thinking about this, I'm going to do this uh, for three coupons. So let's do with Fez. Let's start with the one that's special. This is a, a year-long offer. Now, this is offered at a discount not that often. And it's one of those things, hey— NCAA tournament's just about ending. It's a demarcator for a lot of people where they don't bet necessarily a ton of NBA or a ton of baseball. But the year is worth it because they, they drop in, they play here, they play there. It's a good time to offer it at a discount. The coupon is FEZ100. F-E-Z-Z, two Zs. Only Cretans say one. FEZ100. <laughs> and you get $100 off his one-year all-access, which is already priced the best per day of any offer. Now, in baseball, you might say, does he know baseball? No, but Vito does. Last year, plus 37 units, Fez was, over 60%. So, yeah. Oh, he laid 180. No, he was up 37 units. So, if you want the baseball and everything else for a year, including the NFL, which he's the best at, I think he did pretty well in the Super Contest, right? Once yes. or twice. Yes, I think yeah. I— Two-time winner. I think I hung in there pretty well, yes. The only— don't brag. The only two-time winner ever. That's my job. You can get his entire early bird football access. You can get his MLB. If you add it up, it comes out to, wow, look at this discount. Huh. Spring football. This is a, WNBA. How's your, how's your XFL doing? Nine and five. I'm sorry, 10 and five. 10 and five. So you lost one. 10 and five, yeah. You were undefeated uh, la the last time around. Nine oh and one last time. Ten and five this year. All right, it's okay. It's okay. Six, it's not bad. See, I mean, it's just six, 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 seven. All right. So Fez, one hundred there. All access now. You can get this and Scott with Fez seventy seven, and Scott seventy seven. That's two T's. S C O T T. No, you know what I'm going to do? Let's go S S seventy seven. Scott Seidenberg, double S, then seven seven. So like S S for seven seven. Ooh, now you just confused me. But yes. So there's four <laughs> characters. There's one S, there's a second S, and then there's a seven and a seven. You get $77 off the all-access for baseball. And with Fez, Fez 7-7, seven, seven, and again, two Zs, 
you get $77 off his baseball. I mean, how real real quick, how do you did you win 37 units in baseball? I actively share information with people. So you're saying all your great NFL stuff, this is where you get paid off effectively. Well, I follow a few teams, you know, Come like on. no, because I'm from I'm from a big red machine, so I'm from Dayton, Ohio. So big I follow red, the sure. Reds, and then I lived in Chicago, so I follow the Cubs, so I follow the National so League. So Marsh Shaw and all that racism, you were just fine with all that. All they did was finish second year after year because that's what the Reds do with Marsh Shaw. Do you guys ever hear? Yeah, I'm, I'm, as long as we, as long as my clients make money, I, I try to like not worry about all the other extraneous stuff going on in the world. I, I think that's exact. Except though, when a player has an uh, gets shooken up on the field. Well, it's when it's life threatening. That's different. <laughs> Racism kills, Fez. Yes. You didn't know that? <laughs> he was trying to resist a little bit. It was a like, and then I kept at it. He's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Uh <laughs> all joking aside though, guys, this pod, excellent, excellent stuff. AJ did a good job. Great conversation. Fez, we came up the first 15 minute or 15 point bat. I text Fred, hey, we got to look into this. Everyone's talking about it. He goes, all right, you can't win it. I bet. Ten minutes later, we're making $1,000 thousand, $1, live on it. We're you, making market on it. Yeah, you, you can bet it, too. Enjoy. It's madness, baby. 64 becomes 16. And we got much more. To my right, A.J. Hoffman, college basketball specialist. Steve Fezzik, who had a, let's just say everything's coming up Fezzik for Steve's weekend, or, or really Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Scott Seidenberg. What are we doing today? We're going to talk about the first two rounds of the tournament. Not just, oh, wasn't that exciting when this, you know, 23-point underdog. Yeah, we'll talk about that, but what are the macro big-picture narratives? What can we learn is happening now that's different than what's happened in the past. And we'll have a preview of all eight Sweet 16 round games, which go Thursday and Friday. We got a best bet coming from me in the NBA for this week. And I'm sure some more bets, right? Yeah, our best bet this week. All right. Fezzik and I are co-signing a best bet. Ooh, is it hockey? No, it's for the college basketball. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Last week was great for best bets. Five and one for the program. Yeah, it was, it was strong. So, um... Let's take a look here. We could just do this real quick. Um, so best bet, uh, AJ had Furman on the show. Nice win. I tell you, though, as much as that was a shocking win, with the, with the minute left, they were down by like seven, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I tell you, Fez, I, that's why I hate playing dogs that are like plus five. Like imagine Furman wins. Everyone's like, oh, my God, Virginia's horrible. Furman's great. One missed shot, like there's usually one shot that will take it up to four or, or you know, let's say the game's two, right? They miss a shot, it's four, and now it's foul, foul, foul. If they make it, it's going to go down to the last shot. Yeah, and in, in many ways, you know, you'd rather just bet your team the first 38 minutes. That last two minutes has so much variance in it. And if you think about it in the NFL, if you take a teaser, like you got to lose, clearly to lose, I mean, it can happen, but in general, if you're getting six points, the other team has no incentive to score. They're just trying to run out the yeah. clock. Yeah, or maybe you can't run out the clock in college basketball. They force you to score. Yeah, well, the old four corners, right? Well, you hack. Yeah, you Dean see Smith. a foul. 
Um, <laughs> it's still foul. I, I, but would you agree in general that emotionally, at minimum, a teaser in the NFL gives you more equity, more value than a teaser in basketball? Oh, God, yes. But teasers in basketball, I don't think I've ever bet a teaser in basketball. What is it, four points? Yeah, you only get four <laughs> instead of six. If, you get, if they give us six, we'd bet teasers. But I'm confused. Is the college basketball lines are less sharp or less accurate than the NFL lines, meaning the variance from the actual game result in the line is higher. Well, wouldn't you get more points if there's higher variance? I don't think. think there's more variance. I think it like like a six and a half point favorite money line is comparable in both sports. But he's saying it lands off the number more often than in the NFL. Like the same I reason. It, I don't think it does. The same reason why it's a bad call to bet Maybe college the football very, teasers. The right? very big tails, yes. So college football teasers. You should get more points in college if you don't. Well, but that one, you can say it's the same sport. You're just dumb if you bet. Now, if they wanted to really get action, they'd do even money. And they'd they, probably yeah, they, and there are shops that give you plus six six points and even money. Now, that, I bet, does good business. It, it feels yeah. like a good deal. Wait, but, but, is, but the that, thing, is it positive EV? No. And and the thing about it is, is that it's kind of like the the people that tease don't pay attention anyways. So it's kind of like you don't even need to give them even money so you're, because— You're saying tease— Teaser people are dumb. College football teaser people are dumb, and they're and they're not price sensitive, so you don't need to give them even money. That's a good point. Price in sensitive. general, in general, the market gives you what the buyers demand. Mm-hmm. So you you know the old saying: you get the president you deserve, you get the what movie stars you deserve because it's being voted on with the dollars effectively. You know, mm-hmm. and people like Star Wars voted on. People like AJ like Star Wars and Fez. I don't love Star Wars that much. I was just surprised that you've never seen it. I there's certain where I grew up, there were if you were nerdy, it was trouble. So I just tried to avoid all nerdy things, or I kept them in private. Okay, but but I never Star Wars. Now I like Star Trek. I was, Star Trek's nerdier than Star Wars. I know. Yeah, completely. But you never but told anybody. Something, no, no, because there was something about the 60s. And, and again, I mean, we were 20 years past that, but there was something about that that was hip. You but know? you didn't go to school with like a Star Trek pin on oh, your jacket. Oh, no. <laughs> at least, at least there was whole, that whole like Kirk Ahura thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. You called her a whore? That's rude, man. There was an episode. She, of, she's liberated. There was an episode of Star Trek um, called Balance of Terror. That is one of the greatest episodes ever. AJ's just saying, that's so nerdy. And Steve's like, let me explain my depth of knowledge. Deep dive. (laughs) I will say this. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Just balance of Terry. It, 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 which, it, which, which, which was that the one with the against the Romulans? Yes, by the, the the neutral zone, and it it, it, it mimicked like a, apparently a famous movie where two submarines are like trying to stay real Maybe quiet. Batter of Pankin or something. I think. Yeah. Okay. Oddly enough, I've never seen Star Trek. Balance of Terror. But somehow go, you're go judging it. it. I'm not judging it. I mean, I don't, I don't care if people watch nerdy Star, shit. I've watched plenty it, of nerdy shit. In my opinion, Star Wars is like, here's the difference. Star Wars is like, what's a bad mom movie that like just has a bunch of shoot? All right. Uh, it was called, not Sugar Hill. What was the name of it? Uh, New Jack City. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. You see New Jack City? Yeah. All right. New Jack City equals Star Wars. Godfather equals Star Trek. But you can't say that because you've never seen. I've seen enough. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert, Luke, I am your, you know, come on. Never says that. I actually, he doesn't say I am your father? He says something comparable. Yeah. Oh. Just everyone Somehow you know that. Of course I know. I mean, I, I didn't claim to not see it. I've seen all of them. You know what's funny? This is the God's truth. I saw that scene once somehow at my grandfather's house 
just on like I was sitting mm-hmm. with him and he he hated that kind. So I don't know how it was on, but I saw it was on like a tightrope or something. Like a bridge maybe they yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only scene I think I've ever seen. Oh. But I know I knew the ending. You least. never saw Princess Leia chained to a Jabba wearing the bikini? So he's saying whore, you're saying lay what? Leia. That was her oh, name. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no. Okay. Is that the one oh, that just that's, died? Oh, that's prime yeah, Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Fisher. She was hot back then. Her, wasn't her nose misshapen? So was Barbara Streisand's. <laughs> but no one, no one's saying uh, I can't wait to get a big difference with Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I mean, I think it was a different crowd that liked Barbara. Okay. I said we were going to be focused on all the important things, and obviously we are. Let's start with the observations. AJ, you didn't have the well, – like we said, we did pretty well in our best bets uh, here. We had Furman winner. We had Auburn from Fez 1. Griffin with a winner on Missouri. Boy, a lot of people in Utah State. Now, the bracket busters, we got one right firm, and Boise was wrong, and, and uh, Oral Roberts was wrong. But then the next day, our bracket busters, uh, one of three again. So the, I don't love that, two out of six, though we had clear underdog. Screw you, Drake. Yeah, Drake. Drake is the most painful one. Hate the Drake. Now, good news on the bracket. And I tell you, Drake was a. I had Drake going to the Sweet 16. Mm. But anyway, Mackenzie did some good work on analyzing this, and uh, I did two brackets. One was the uh, long shot bracket, and that's at 77%. Uh, where's that at, ESPN? Uh, yes, ESPN. He's like mining. Thumbs up, yes, He's like ESPN. mining stuff now. Um, I, and I was at 77%, and uh, my chalky bracket was at 88 Now I'm proud. You think that's the best anyone could do. AJ somehow is at 94%. That's amazing. But you got 420 points, and I got 430. Or you got 430, I got 420. Yeah, not far off. So it's one win. Yeah. Is that how much a win was in the second round, 10? No, there were 20 in the second round. Oh, my God. So one win, I'm ahead of you as much as you're ahead of me. Fucking Drake. Uh, (laughs) I would have had Drake, too. So, But how is things shaping up from here, you think? Because you got some crabby team winning it, right? I've got Alabama winning it. Yeah, the number the number one overall seed. Uh huh. Oh well, we know how much the committee knows. I honestly though that like the the Houston versus Texas game could be the deciding factor on which one of our brackets wins. Oh right, let me think. Houston's going to be favored, right? They will be favored. Miami and Savory don't even have to show up; they're just going home. Then all right. Well, they may do all right. (laughs) I mean, that's the likely outcome, though, right? So I'm going to have the favor in the heads up. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it's less than fifty percent, actually. What? That that's going to be the outcome. You said it's likely. Don't they play in the next round? Yeah, but but the X-Men are only a four-point dog, I think, against Texas. All right, so you're saying there's a chance his team won't even be there. Yeah. I, I like that. Okay. No, I don't like it because you know what? People are wondering, is RJ going to win at AJ's best sport? You know, that kind of thing. You know who really wins? The, the listeners. The, the consumer. People. Yeah. And we had a record-breaking buy on this, and, and I hope everyone's enjoying it. Okay, let's go. Let's start with the 16 versus one. This was a 23 and a half point underdog. Purdue is renowned to not do well in the tournament. Let's start out with that. Why Purdue not doing well in the tournament? What's been the history, meaning what's been the cause? My thoughts are that they're a team that's historically built around a dominant big, and big men in the tournament aren't how you win games. And uh, I think it's ironic that Fairleigh Dickinson was the smallest team in the tournament going up against Zach Eady, this giant monster, 
And he did nothing in the down the stretch. Did nothing down the stretch. Last six minutes, did nothing. Uh, and the teams before this, Travion Williams was there for for the four years before this. So it's 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 been a run of Matt Painter, and he's the best at getting these big men and developing these big men into star college basketball players. But that's not how you win tournament games. I think that's their downfall. Now, when did that change regarding big men? Like back in the day, Elijah Wan, Patrick Ewing did well in the three tournament. point shot. Just the three. But three three was shorter, and it was around back, what what year did it come into basketball? Like 88 or something? Yeah, I think the ACC put it in in 84, okay. and then the rest of the league, late 80s. I don't know when it's happened, but I think kind of the NBA has done the same track. Like, it's nice to have a, a great big man, but the teams that have great big men, you don't, you don't see them picking up trophies at the end of the year. See, here's the thing. That was the narrative up until literally like this year. And you look at it, and Bill Simmons just did a big, long uh, thought on it, which was it is a big man's league again is, is in the NBA. The theory is maybe everything's even and out, and now do you have a big man that can play, though? Can he, can, you, can he shoot the three and stretch the floor? Can he defend someone smaller on the other end? If so, then you got all advantage and no disadvantage, the theory is. But when's the last time a team with a, the post guy is their best guy? When's the last time that team won a title? Well, Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to kind of yawn. I mean, post might not be the right word because the back to the basket thing's on. Cream's hook isn't coming back right now. Right. But but the question is, how tall are they? What position? Like, is Duran a big man? No. Well, he's, he's seven a wing. foot. All right, but he plays from the wing. Right, but on defense, he plays. He plays like. He play anything. Yeah, but he plays a lot of like he's the the, the center of the zone, kind of swatting balls because he's long. But he, it, the, and in fact, that's a perfect D for him because he's not having a guard in the post where physic strength matters, right? But I mean, if you look at this year, 76ers obviously got a big man. Um, let's think about Giannis, big man, Joker. Uh, now, Boston, you say no. They have big men, but they're not key players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Joker, number one seed, looks like, or you know, right now in the West. And uh, let's think about this. Um, now, if, does the Suns count with Aiden? Yeah. I mean, he's not a top two player on the team. but um, Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just on the wrong team. <laughs> the Lakers we'll see stink. if they make it. We'll yeah. see if they make it. All right. And we will be talking a little bit of the NBA uh, MVP odds because there was a shift in – Boy, I was ready to fire, and I didn't. And let's just say, don't wait. You know I got crushed on, I bet Purdue to win a money line. I got crushed. Wait, the one you were saying it was like 30, it only happened once in history? Yes. Oh, my God. How much did you bet? Too much. Didn't I advise you to say, I said, make sure it's one unit that you lose. No, you wouldn't accept that, huh? Well, one unit when, you're, you laying, when you're laying minus five thousand no, is, is, is an had awful to, to lot. To lose, to lose. Yeah. You, so you bet on every game or that game in particular? I bet. I bet every game, but it, that that so game you cashed just, three times. So you only I, lost I, what fifteen to one? Fifty. No, but then you won three. One bets. one times three. Yeah. So I won three units and lost fifty units. It, that's what I'm saying. So it was fifteen to one. So I lost forty seven units. Forty seven units. Yeah. They wrote an article about him on ESPN.com. Shut up. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Look at that's, that. Look on the screen. Wait a minute. That's how you get publicity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fast. I think I ex- you, don't cut your hands off. I think I explained myself very well. <laughs> you guys read the articles. What would you say? I, yeah, I thought did. you came off great, and and he, there was a, a uh, another interview he did that that's been making the rounds. That yeah, was... what, what, what was the other interview? Well, I was on here in town. I was on Veasan with the Sharp Money. Yeah, and yeah. So we talked about that on the show, and then we um, a couple guys contacted me. Um, what's his name? David. 
Uh, what's his name? Purdom. 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 Yep. Purdom. Yeah. So Purdom. I thought Purdom was was very fair with his article. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he laid out you know the the logic behind it and the fact that twenty three point favorites were one fifty six and one. You know, they historically. I will say this. And I, I admitted that it's, was a bad bet. It's, it's very expensive publicity. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's got to be better ways. Pe- people are like, "What were you doing when you were watching? Wait, wait, did you just check the score?" And, and and like the truth is, like anyone who was trying to call me or bother me, it's like like Jared's like, "We got to get down on this over on the side." I got to go. I'm like chucking. I'm, I am chucking in bets on FD Fairly, Fairly Dickinson throughout the. I mean. I got. Oh, t- so you're trying to act like you were hedged I'm, out? I'm trying. Oh, I couldn't. No, no. I, there, there was no there, because the limits are too low. But I'm like, literally, I'm watching Purdue suck it. You know, the entire game. I'm like, I'm betting plus fifteen, plus twelve. It goes to halftime. Purdue's down one. It's it, the, the second half line's thirteen. So I'm like betting fairly Dickinson plus thirteen. I'm parlaying them to the under. Then I'm betting them plus eight, plus five, plus two. At the no. end of the game, RJ, picture this. Think about this. I have minus five thousand on Purdue. Mm-hmm. I bet fairly Dickinson minus one forty. Okay. I mean that is not what you want to be doing. How, how, how what percentage of your loss was mitigated? Like two thirds. Okay. Well, so no, did you make a big production about that in the article? I thought I didn't. I mentioned it, but I did, I thought it would it, it would come across wrong to like say, oh, it's all right. I just got rid of a lot of it, you know. So. Yeah. So how do how do they catch wind that you made this bet? I I tweeted One before viral. the game started. Okay. That I said I said I think I twenty three point produce a twenty three point favorite. They win ninety nine percent ish of the time. I can lay minus forty five hundred, trying to decide how much I should bet. That was the only tweet I made pre flop. I didn't give it out to clients. I didn't give it out to anybody. But then when they lost. Then people went crazy on me, and I didn't want to lie because you always tell me, Fez, don't lie. Tell the truth. And they said, well, how much did you bet? And I was like, well, I bet 40000 on Circa. And they're like, no, you didn't. And I said, Circa, believe me, Circa can confirm. And Jeffrey Benson gave it a like. (laughs) So that was, yes. He was happy as shit, wasn't he? Oh, but like I said, that's why Circa thinks. So Circa thinks I'm a genius. There you go. Uh, yes. There's the tweet, and look at the look at the views. I mean, we're over half a million views on this thing. Jeez, that's pretty good. That's well, no, it it's pretty bad. It was, but it wasn't until you lost that it got oh, all the attention. Yes. Uh huh. But what's funny is people thought. Now that this is fascinating, I can see it shaping up now. Is people thought, okay, he 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 was blabbing his mouth about this. What did you bet? You know, and then you came up with an actual number, and then they said, "No way!" And then it was confirmed. They're like, mm, "Damn it!" Yeah, a lot we're of people were like, "Post a ticket." I don't believe you actually bet well, that. I, I wouldn't believe it either. Probably not yeah. with you in particular, but in general, some. Especially here's the thing: we got to remember, there's people that don't know you from Adam. There's people who don't know me from Adam, and. Because there's new people in the industry. So in general, if you think about the number of people who are deceptive here, and I'm not talking about even the old school boiler rooms, those are, I don't know, I guess there's some of that still going on. Not outbound calls necessarily too much, but I mean scammers, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about just people trying to be more than they are. That's something that this industry attracts more than any other because it's hard to be credentialed. It's hard to, you know, you worked for Pinnacle, worked beside Henry. That's, you know, that's not something that you can see, you know, you can put it on a LinkedIn page, but, but, but it's not necessarily verifiable. And it's interesting. Boy, that, that, that brings up an interesting point. I wonder if there was a program, I'll give a business idea in which the company would go to all the books and say, hey, do you want to make your, for guys that opt in, 
will make their bets transparent at once the game starts. Right, or they, kind of voluntary to say, yeah. "Hey, you can disclose because that would be valuable." I would love to see who, who Alan Boston, for instance, is on. You uh, know, for any a game, game or any, yeah. any famous gambler. And we're talking about after. We're talking after the Billy tip or Walters. Yeah. You know, any 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 oh, any. Yeah, yeah, but I, Billy was always smart enough to know. To hide. I didn't even understand this until not that long ago is that even after the game starts, letting people know your bets can allow them to reverse engineer how you're betting. You like, know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because one of my notes I had is how can I improve my college basketball performance? And I've already decided I am going to pay much more attention to line moves early in the year mm-hmm. and see which teams uh. are getting, hey, Radford's getting the money, Merrimack's getting the money, you know, Iona's getting the money, um, all these teams, Oral Roberts, once they get support more than once, I'm, 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 I'm going to look at the openers, I'm just going to bet them. And, That's a team the pros are on. And to be honest, I think you said the important part of that was look at the openers because the theory is if they bet them on the prior game, they're either going to bet them the next game or they're not. So let's say there's two options. If they don't, there's a reason not to, and that means why would you want to bet them? If they do, you're going to be getting the bad number anyway if you wait. So this is one you have to decide and then bet it at open. The theory is you're beating the biggest batters out. Yeah, poster child for this would be the Loyola run where they covered like 14 straight games the year they went to the Final Four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but 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 that wasn't so much. But you're saying the betters were on them throughout yes, that, yes. Because them winning or not wasn't the issue. That's right. right? That's right. Okay. Now that said, has <laughs> getting publicity for being one of the bigger losers. You actually came in today with a big smile on your face because you kind of did some really interesting manipulation. So I made some bets with you and some of your stuff. Some of those first half unders. We're going to talk about the first half unders and the unders in general here next. Scott's got the numbers on that, but um. You actually had so so you had that great bet on Gonzaga to make the Sweet Sixteen, and and that was we were laying and you gave me a little piece of that we were laying what to win what minus one thirty five I think was our market average okay and that was something where later it was up at different places minus two hundred we bet it all yeah we bet it from like minus one twenty two up to minus one fifty we stopped minus one fifty so the market average that we played was like minus one thirty five low limits kept betting it. And yeah, and it kept. It, I don't know how high it got. It got one up well above minus one fifty. I think like minus one ninety, something like that. Scott, I think that you were right? saying even right on, on Tuesday night it was up to almost two hundred. Yeah, yeah. So when you get such a juicy number, when you just and Fez is good at this, you see the mispricing, you grab it. Now you can sit with it naked, or you can bet back. Now, should you hedge or not to hedge? I think Shakespeare first asked that. and <laughs> He did. That's and, a quote. <laughs> and to me, my answer has always been simple. If it's life-changing money, hedge. Right? It doesn't I mean, just think for a second. $100 million, I got a 50% chance at. Right? And I'm a normal uh, work a day. I'm a mailman, let's say. Right? Good, honest job. But you know, a mil- you know, any millions is going to be like, oh my, right? Just like it would be, hey, hundred million. I'm oh mine. Don't oh worry. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> exactly. Star Star Trek. There we go. <laughs> I only know him from Stern. <laughs> That's funny. I thought you were going to say I only know him from the club down down yeah. at the Chelsea. The, 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 the Bramble. <laughs> That's great. That's a pool right there. That is a pool. Okay. We're not even, all right, so this is the this is from Stern, which is the guy that played uh, George Takei played uh, okay. Sulu. He was the announcer. Sulu. All right. All right. We got. It. Uh, he was like everyone's laughing. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Do you always go to the laughter stops? Yeah. Yeah. Or until you maybe give me the look. That's maybe not. Once you give me the look, I usually. Oh, well. But usually the laughter's okay. dying when yeah, I give yeah. you the look. It's like. Um, <laughs> 
you can, so if it's life changing, if it's, a, let's say, 100 million, I'll take, so we'll, let's say it's a 50 50 proposition. I either win 100 or nothing. Okay. Would I take 40 million? Well, no, 50 is the expectation. But let's think with 40, I can pretty much do the same thing as 100, but I have a 100% chance of having it versus 50. Yeah. Okay. So whatever those numbers are, if it's life changing, I think it'd be, I, I take 15 mil. 15. Versus a 50 50 for I don't 100. think I will. I don't think I could call myself a gambler. That's an interesting question, though, really. If you have 100 up one time, 100 mil, what's the lowest amount you take in a buyout, in a cash out? You would take 15 cents. 20. I take 20. I take 20 cents. Would it be dollar. funny if we like. I know. It's, that's, if we, because think what I can make with the 20 million also. And think about like the, the, the points. Uh, I don't need to make anything in know, the, also. Imagine if we go to him uh, and letting it roll and he lost. Yeah, yeah. Said he'd be. <laughs> bet Purdue again on the money line. Nah. Yeah, sure thing. So you bet all four of those. Mm-hmm. All right, so back to the head. I bet way more of those than I ever. I, I, I've become so finally when you talk about it. Well, you know about it. Be like we yeah. talk about the Tiger Woods bets. All the, the Cofield almost beat me. Like yeah, they, like that, that's gonna, not unusual. You're lose like a, like eight hundred bucks or something on that. He paid. No, like, I would have lost. Well, it's because he didn't bet anything. Yeah, but he yeah, bet like twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I mean, you took his last couple of tens from his bar mitzvah. Oh, I, I guess you. it was from his first. I don't think communion. he's Jewish. No, that's what I'm saying. I think his first. <laughs> no, I know Steve. His first communion, I think yes. it was in Jersey. Um, <laughs> The um, I don't think he got confirmed. No, I'm just. <laughs> so in this case, we had this great position on Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, but but my other point was, or if you think the second bet is positive EV, you would make that bet even if you didn't have the first bet. Well, hell, not only do you get the hedge, you get a second good bet. And and I get to bet a lot more than I normally would because now is a situation where if like if if it's plus EV and it hedges by first bet, which I so I if I let's say. I didn't have this, but mm-hmm. let's say I had Gonzaga for a hundred thousand. All right, all right, minus one thirty. All right, show the ticket. Oh. <laughs> it's not close to that. Um, but if I did, well, then I would bet a hundred thousand or close to a hundred thousand on TCU plus five. If you thought that was positive EV, right? Winning because, that by itself, right? Because it's like it's a it, it mitigates by risk and it's plus EV. There's no reason not to hedge the whole damn thing. Or in theory, bet enough for a full unit the other way. Because if it's positive EV and you can bet the first chunk to hedge out at no risk, why not keep so betting? So I can bet 101,000 or 103,000 or whatever. Yeah, 3,000 exactly, is my normal exactly, bet size. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, <clears throat> a lot of people are different. They love locking in a win. And if they can lock in a win and have a middle, oh my, are they happy. Even though if it's not positive EV, that second bet, you're losing money long term doing it that way. That's right. That's the key is to be able to make that assessment. And then, you know, I'm a big believer, like you said, if it's life changing money, if it's a big, or it doesn't have to be life changing, just a big percentage of your bankroll. So, but like yeah, I mean, if, if, for instance, if you have a, if you have a ten thousand dollar bankroll and you got a free bet in blackjack, so you bet fifteen hundred on a free bet, mm-hmm. and you get a blackjack and the dealer is an ace up. You probably should insure part of that because mm, you should get I something. Like that. I don't like that. You should get something. Now, here's the other side of it. If psychologically you can't handle not winning something, then you should. Yeah. But that's a weakness to me. A computer's, I mean, if we did a computer simulation, that doesn't help anyone. I take even money. If if you only had a three thousand dollar bankroll, it would it would be right. True, true. Just like a poker guy that makes the final table and can cut a deal. Here's the way to do. Who it. doesn't have much of a bankroll? Here's the cut way. To, the deal. Here's the way to do it. At the end of the year, on New Year's Eve, if you're sitting back and talking about the biggest things in your year, mm. personally, professionally, whatever, if that bet's going to be on there, hedge. If it's not, don't. So yeah, that's a great. That, that's a great. But 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 you know what. The lesson here also is key. If you if you make really good bets throughout your betting mm-hmm. career 
it gives you great options down the road. Like, because the, like the number one seeds. Yes. <laughs> hey, Fez is in good cheer taking a little heat. What were you saying? Uh, I was going to say, that's something that you, like when I was doing the show in Houston, we asked you that question. And that, it really changed the way I looked at like hedging. Like if it was... People because think they're being sharp by saying, oh, I can lock in a win. It's locking like, in a win just takes away from the good value that you yeah. had. It's like you, you got a good edge and you're saying, how can I mitigate this so the books don't get really beat too bad? My, my, yeah. <laughs> my question would be, what if you know at that point that your bet is probably not good? Is that a time where you'd hedge? Well, but then that would just make the other bet look even more attractive. Right? Okay. So it all goes back to the hedge out. What's the odds of it by itself? Exactly, because maybe you maybe you know your bet's not good anymore, but the books know it also, well, you know, and they're getting, 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 getting shorted. Yeah, but, but just the odds, that you know, the mm -hmm. path, et cetera. The year that LeBron left Miami to go back to Cleveland, mm -hmm. before he announced it, I had a feeling he was going back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I bet the Cavs 30-1 to 1 to win the title. Mm -hmm. By the time they got to the finals— Against the Warriors, I knew the Cavs were not going to beat the Warriors. So I bet heavily on the Warriors, even though I had a good a good yeah. number on the Cavs. It just yeah, I knew it wasn't going to win. The question is, would you have bet Golden State if you didn't have any bet on the Cavs? Yes. Then, then yeah, why yeah. not? Why not? And and here's the difference. Oftentimes when there's multiple rounds of something, you never know what that hedging situation is going to be. If you bet a bet and it's like Team A against Team B, and now the only other option is betting Team B before the game goes – you know, that's a little less complicated. What it did do is it let me bet more on the Warriors than I would have yeah. comfortably bet before. So your instincts were exactly right on that, for sure. Um, so, Fez, anyway, so you were in a good position, and we were to some degree with Gonzaga. And um, then you said, hey, I see a chance to do something here. I got a good number on TCU. The line's four and a half. We can catch five. Mm -hmm. And I had just watched Gonzaga struggle against Oral Roberts. Uh, I thought they were a little overrated. So, boom, we went ahead and played TCU. Did you happen to catch the end of the Gonzaga TCU? You know, let's just say this. 0.7 seconds is enough. I'll just but go ahead. Tell the story. Yeah, so there's the Zags are up four. TCU hits a three with three seconds to play. So Gonzaga inbounds, and it's it looks like TCU is not going to have time to foul. So it's 0.7. Game no, is it's, it's three. Let me. I'm telling uh, the whole story. Uh, oh, I'm telling the whole the long the extended edition. <laughs> so TCU's down four with three seconds to play. Gonzaga's playing keep away, and somehow they hacked the guy with 0.7 seconds left. Well, no, somehow the ref actually blew the whistle. With 0.7 seconds Which left. Which they usually do because they know the team's fouling. So Gonzaga, like a true pro, splash, splash. They make both free throws. They're up six. There's 0.7 seconds. I've watched a lot of college basketball the last two months. I don't recall any team scoring, being able to score in this situation, down more than three points with 0.7 seconds inbounding under their own basket. they got to go the length of the court. So dude just throws a, you know, a, a pass down the middle. And the guy just he rolls a bounce. A he, he, rolls, he rolls a bouncy, bouncy pass. And the player for TCU is very patient. And he just waits. And it gets to half court. And he waits. And finally, as it's no, like... Are the other people not touching the ball? Yeah, they're they're they're, they're, the coach back and then let the, the coach, ball The Zags coach... So they could have taken the ball. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. yeah. Mark Fuse yelling, don't foul! Don't foul! And so everyone... How much were they down? Six. six. How could the foul matter? Because you could, matter. You, could, you could technically foul a guy shooting a three, and I guess. And point play. Yeah, I, you know, it, yeah they bricked the free throw. The Gonzaga the, players all backed off. Oh, man. So he, he kind of scoops it up from his kneecap with 0.7 seconds and kind of chest passes it forward 30 feet swish. What are the odds? Like well, 99% against. <laughs> I had you know the worst part of this story? It's more than that. Well, first off, it sounds like a good story to a me. AJ. Well, it's a great story to me, too. <laughs> yeah. 
Fez texted me that morning and he was like, I got a good number on TCU, TCU plus five. And you knew I like TCU. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you want 500 of it. And I said, I'm always worried when Fez is trying to pass bets off. But go ahead. I said, <laughs> no, I'm actually going the other side. And I had Gonzaga minus four. Yeah, okay. Well. So <laughs> I passed on Fez's good TCU number only to be yeah, heartbroken but, at the But end. you were on the right side. Did you? Were you watching the game live? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's madness. So pic- picture this. AJ's like, his team's up four. He's laying four. He's going to get a push. And he's like, foul! Foul! Well, I foul! Knew- yes! Yes! So here's yes! what he didn't say. <laughs> They were they were they were up seven when he hits the three with three seconds left. All right, all right. So like it was a clear cover. TCU was up at half. And I knew that TCU was gonna foul because it's a tournament game. You foul. Although everybody except Northwestern, who was point shaving, fouls <laughs> at the end of games. Stop, stop, Kent stop, doesn't stop. foul. Stop, 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 stop. You're joking. But do you think it is possible? Because those Northwestern people are Have you ever seen a situation in the NCAA tournament? where it's single elimination, you're down five points with eight seconds left, and you don't foul. Yeah, you the, Florida State, the, coach, the Florida State coach. The Florida State Florida State once didn't do it. That was like four or five. I remember that situation. <laughs> All right, so who's got the ball? Uh, UCLA's got the ball right. now. So it's gonna, it takes less than two possessions. Mm-hmm. So if you steal, if you foul, they met, well, was it a one-on-one? One? They, they don't even have one-on-ones anymore. Yeah, they do. All yeah. right, so was it one-on-one? Yep. Are you sure it was one-on-one? I'm just saying. I believe it was one and one. All right. So then the theory is they miss one, they make it, and now it's down. But I mean, don't you foul even if it's double bonus? Yeah, but I'm just trying to see how likely it is. Yeah, I think you do get past. I mean, usually, Fez, correct me if I'm wrong, even if it's not the tournament, teams usually foul as long as it's six or under. Yes. That, you know, so that's why seven, that's the seven point of demarcation. But five Two points with eight game. seconds, and you just say, well, they got us. That didn't seem right to me. And the number, six. Ooh. So it stayed under then. No, dog, the dog, dog covered. covered. Dog, dog covered. covered. Yeah, under uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. under the number. Okay, which is not the way to say. It. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I don't think they're point shaving. Okay. I mean, that's a big idea. Is that what you think? Who? What? I just thought. Shaving? I just thought it was very suspicious. Well, they already knew they had the cover. So <laughs> here's what it is. In fact, you can confirm this. People who go to Northwestern are frustrated Ivy Leaguers. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And thus, they they have this air of uh, they want to be not righteous. They want to be uh, polite. They want to, you know, how like you use certain forks or certain napkins with the the crumpets or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be dignified. Maybe that's the word. Northwestern wants to be overly. Di- oh, we don't foul like that. The game's over. Futility is. In I our think team. that's an accurate, a very accurate description. In fact, that one gal that did the Big Ten conference call, she had all the different, you know, yeah. people. And the, so the Michigan girl's like smart. She's like Northwestern. Can you help Nebraska get her connection together? Ah. And the Northwestern girl goes, No. <laughs> now, what, 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 what kind of call is this? There's one. There's one gal who's like a sports analyst, and she dressed up in every Big Ten. So it's like when oh, she did so Nebraska this was a sports show. This wasn't like you were listening to an investor she, call or something. She did like an Instagram, and so when she was in Nebraska, she wore uh, overhauls. Uh, overalls. Oh, so know. all the cliches. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I thought that, I thought kids these days were, were woke. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, like we can make fun of the hillbillies. Mm. That, that's that's fine. AJ, you seem frustrated. What's going on with the tournament? I'm going to get some water and give you the chance to really talk this through. Uh, I feel like I've had a good feel for the tournament, but... I got to wait. Go ahead. I have not had success betting the tournament. I had good success betting the conference tournaments. I was 59% in no conference tournaments. No one wants to hear about that. And I've struggled in the NCAAs. And it's but, been... It, it, every, it, 
every bad beat that gets talked about on Twitter, I'm on the wrong side of it. So while everyone was celebrating, so you, you should have won. While everyone was celebrating Miami and can't, or a TCU, I was sitting here going, "How? How? How could this possibly happen?" So those were your bad beats, Drake. I mean, it, amongst several. Did but, you have any bad handicaps? Oh, for sure. What would be an example? Uh, Baylor. Uh, in the first round, I thought that Baylor was going to show up dead against UC Santa Barbara. That They plowed them. Is it me or whenever the narrative about a team, especially if it's negative, gets too much, that team, I mean, Kansas State. Right? Yeah, good, good I example. Mean, hmm. What were they, like 2-9 and nine to end the year? Yep. And, and Sweet 16. Yep. And all the money on Montana State, all the way down from 11 to 8.5. And, and then some famous college basketball bettors are like, oh, I, th- I think there's an upset that's in, in brewing on this game. No, not this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it strikes me that that we see this all the time when too many people are saying that team can't win in that spot. It's like the team hears it and it's their focus. Although there's a little, you're you're right, but there are like noted exceptions, like the Vermont Syracuse game. They're like tw- twelve years ago. Okay, that this was this was, the spread went from like. 12 down to seven and a half, mm-hmm. and, and Vermont won outright. Although the whole about, world was the on The whole Vermont. narrative was Purdue stinks. Purdue can't make it at you. Know, like they're, they're the weakest one seed, and then they lose to Fairleigh Dickinson. I mean, sometimes it, it's just. But the narrative uh, was Fairleigh Dickinson stinks also. There's a t- this yeah. is a team that was a 16 and a half point underdog against Florida Atlantic. I think there's a side point here, which is, and I think I made a mistake here. I was anti Michigan State in the even the first round. My brackets would be even, I'd be ahead of AJ. Just one more, you know, because I had Michigan State losing in the first round. So did I. And oh, then my he had it like one up. No, it wouldn't have changed it. No, you would have changed if you had changed yours, and I hadn't. Then I mean, you you certainly would have moved ahead of me. All right. So here's the thing: is I think there's something to Izzo in the tournament. I think there's something to back in the day, you know, uh, Jim Beheim and and the that zone. I and I think mm. that my instinct is always don't get caught up too much in the narrative. And if the Barney at the bar is saying it, it probably ain't true. Or if it is true, it's being accounted for in the line. I don't know. You look at Izzo's record. It's like it feels it feels unusual. It would be a, a, a fluke. It doesn't feel like a fluke. And then I heard what he said, which was very cool. He told his players, you win the first one, I'll win the second one. <laughs> mm. All right? So which brings up that point of these are two games in a, in a weekend, and the first game has five days before it or so, and the second game has less than 40 or 48 hours or less, typically less because the yeah. Sunday games mm-hmm. are earlier. You know, No, I did that. see Michigan State over the last two years has a phenomenal, and of course my notes have been – like mysteriously have disappeared, but they were like well over 60% against the spread in the first half. Michigan State, which kind of made them, that makes sense. It's a difficult team to, to Izzo has his teams ready and prepared each and every game to um, to do well. So my point is, I think Michigan State, there is something to this. Uh, my mistake was maybe being too contrarian. And you're saying, yes, Michigan State is good. In fact, in the first half, they're better. Yes. Okay, yeah. So... Um, that's a good segue to this first 15, first 10 stuff. Oh, let's do let's do the unders first, and then we'll get into this. Because this first 10-point race to 10, race to 15 is sweeping Vegas <laughs> and I'm sure other parts of the country. First, though, we—Scott uh, had the numbers last week. It was unders do well in the tournament. 
They Especially do, in the first half. In the first half. They do well in the first game. So they do well break, early. Yeah, everything early. Break it down. So first half unders so far this tournament, 28 and 11. The breakdown in the first four, the four Dayton games, the playing games, it went one and three. So if you want to not count those, don't count those, whatever. The first round games on Thursday, first half unders, 10, 5, and 1. Mm-hmm. The first round games on Friday, 7, 8, and 1. Second round games on Saturday, it went 6 and 2. Mm-hmm. And then the second round games on Sunday, it went 4 and 4. So overall, if you include the first four games in Dayton, first half unders are 28 and 11. Okay. So if we look at just the first round, we, we were at 17 and 13, right? Yes. If we look at the second round, it was 10 and 6. Okay. Usually, I'm a believer that the unders happen more in the first game of a twin game. The rationale being they're not familiar with the rims yet. Yeah, sight lines, yep. Sight lines, and then you go there a second time. Which I actually like going into the Sweet 16 because now, you know, playing in new arenas again. I'm I'm sorry to back this up, but your numbers don't add up. The um, You said 28 and 11? But the subsets you gave were 10 and 5, 7 and 8? Did I write this down? 7, on? 8, and 1, yeah. Well, seven. you've already got 13 overs then. 10 and 5 and 7 and 8. Uh, was I not counting something? Yeah, let's, we'll take a look at that. Good yeah. catch, Fez. Um, the, so, Fez, let's talk about how the market moves. More than ever, when a narrative starts, it gets out there. Sometimes narratives would take years back in the day, like the whole zigzag theory in the NBA playoffs. And now they seem to happen in 10 days, you know, from no one Mm -hmm. talking about it to being a focus of the betting. Um, In general, what did you see in the market as these unders started coming in? Yeah, so Friday, the unders went 14-2 and for the game. All right, so this is not the first halves went under, but the games were were, were going under, but to every bit as much of an extent. So what happened is that on Saturday, um, all these lines just started crashing completely. So we we saw just extreme moves on the totals, but the game still went under on Saturday. Then by Sunday, we had situations like the St. Mary's game open one thirty one, it closed one twenty five. There was a six point move. And wound up landing 125. And I would say the average movement on Sunday was about four points down from the opener on all the games. Okay. Now, what's interesting is because the Thursdays played Saturday, the winners, and Friday, Sunday, these lines came out in some cases after this downward trend had started and people were aware of it. And still the books didn't really react. The books are mechanical oftentimes. And then the betters are the ones that bring it down. Yeah. So the Thursday games end. And the Saturday sides and totals go up. The mm-hmm. Friday games haven't been played yet. Then the Friday games all go under. The Saturday games have already been posted. And the books, the numbers start leaking downward. But then it's when you wake up in the morning, boom, that's where they all start getting hit. And it just kept that that same progression happened on Sunday. And this bears repeating is in general. And back in the old days, it used to be if you like the favorite, bet it early. If you like the dog, bet it late. The theory is the public money comes in. And I'm talking about all betting, you know, not just NCAA tournament. I believe now it's even more incumbent upon the better it wants to win. You bet as early as you feel sure, as you feel confident. Wherever, if you need a piece of information, you wait for it, right? And otherwise, you bet it if you have an opinion. And this proves it. I think another example of that, which is the books believe that it would cost them so much. I mean, imagine them having people on staff, right? Each of the books would need one, too. That'd be funny. You know how the Associated Press is, um, it's a 
consortium of all these news agencies mm-hmm. that that uh, the AP actually isn't a competitor of theirs. They're an arm of the news companies, and they figure, why do the same? Like, if we're going to uh, – let's say we were bookies and we were printing schedule. Like, let's say everyone had to print a schedule right? back in the old days. Is it would have made sense if some company came in and said, or a consortium, as in the people from the bookies going, let's put each. You know who did this? They did this with Hulu. Hulu, the hmm. streaming station, was owned by three of the networks. They figure let's try to do this once, and now they've split up and they're doing whatever. But um, APs like that, and it strikes me, bookies, if they were, you know, they're pretty smart. But if they were smart, I hate that saying. So let's just say what might be interesting is if they would do the following and say, all right, let's hire a team of handicappers. A guy like Fez, you know, he'll be like, one and 16, that's, yeah. (laughs) But, and then the theory is they would then submit a report. I mean, I guess the Las Vegas sports consultants was effectively like this. Yeah, and and I think like the the, the hybrid of this is you open up your lines to a few select people that you let them bet into at at lower limits. Yeah. I think that's the best model. That's what I would do. the outlaw line is what it used to be called. Yeah. And, And like Stardust was famous for that. Even before the lottery, they would have, they would pass their lines around and let and let someone the, the guys they really respected and often it'd be a guy that wasn't a humongous batter because a humongous batter probably wants to wait right they might give him half a lim- these guys half limits to say what would you bet what do you want to bet exactly so it's a guy like David Malinsky for instance yeah. super sharp guy and say you know hey you can have you know we're gonna open this up for a three thousand dollar limit but we'll give you a thousand dollars you know what Dave would be like well you know when he wasn't working for for a syndicate yeah. he'd be like I'll take I'll take the thousand and get the first kick at the can absolutely and the theory is now you as the book have the the your most egregious errors clear uh uh the edge is taken off right because now you know he's only betting it because it it's not just off, but it's you know it's it's probably way off, and you, you, you and you, you move it a point and a half against him. So you want to bet it again, and if he says yes, well then you know you put up a bad number. If he yeah. says no, you're like okay, we're good. Yeah, and then they open it up to the world. Yes. Okay. All right, let's clean up these numbers. So 28, 22, and two first half unders. I had my streaks and everything written down, so mm-hmm. forget about that. So first half unders, 28, 22, and two. Mm-hmm. The most profitable day was first round Thursday, which was 10, 5, and 1. Second round Saturday, so the first games of the second round were 6 and 2. The other games were losers. Well, 4 and 4 on the second round Sunday, 7, 8, and 1 so, first round Friday. So think about this, RJ. So day on one. Friday, the, un- the overs in the first half actually went 8, 7, and 1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The unders for the game. Went fourteen and two. That's almost impossible. I have never seen such a close to the vest, careful plotting second halves yep. across the board why? for an entire day. You know, that's that's what I'm trying to figure out why. Because I've always said, oh, teams foul to the bitter end. They try really hard. The second halves are higher scoring, and I did not see that at all. I saw like a team like Kent. They're playing Indiana. They're down fourteen. There's two minutes to play. There's like no scoring the final yeah. two minutes. So like, yeah, we lost. So let's compare. So full game unders, and this is including the first four, which went three and one. Full game unders, 35 and 17. Mm-hmm. 67% plus. The first four went three and one, mm-hmm. and that's compared to one and three to the first half unders. Mm-hmm. So the full games went three and one to the under, but the first halves were three and one to the over. So I've totally rethought. In the first four. Pl- I always liked first half unders mm-hmm. more than game unders. That did not play out in, in this tournament. tournament. Yeah. In the first round on Thursday, very comparable. 
10 and 6 to the under for the full game. And we talked about it. It was 10, 5 and 1 to the first half under. So it was very comparable on the first day of the tournament. Fez just mentioned the Friday 14 and 2 full game unders on Friday. Completely opposite of what we saw in the first halves. On Saturday of the second round, exactly the same. First half unders went 6 and 2. Full game unders went 6 and 2. Second round on Sunday, first half unders went 4 and 4. The full game unders two and six, so a reversal from now. Here's Saturday what's interesting games. in the two and six. How many of them did the line movement that, in theory, is stemming from all the unders affect the final verdict on winning and losing? So, as you said, two, right? Um, one and a half. I think Kentucky K State was the one that swooped through the number, mm-hmm. and I think that the uh, the St. Mary's game landed on the number. It depends, you know, yeah, what yeah, book yeah. it is. Yeah. So it goes to show you the reason to be leery when something gets out there and people start betting it is the price changes, and in this case, that was part of the the, the bad performance on Sunday. Exactly yes. right. So like the Fairway Dickinson Florida Atlantic game. Oh yeah, that was the closed one forty five and a half. Mm-hmm. The game finished at one forty eight. So depending, maybe you got a better number on that, and and it would have changed. Um, that was, I believe, the closest finish. Uh, St. Mary's, same thing. St. Mary's Gonzaga closed one twenty-five and a half. Total finished one twenty-five. Okay. So depending on the number. Now obviously. here's the thing about the second half versus first half versus game. I don't think these are enough games to reevaluate. It, it seems like. The unders are still one. I mean, the unders still won in the first half. It seemed like that it was a combination of this conservativeness you're saying, but also maybe the way the finals were, the fouling just was it wasn't in the foul zone. And I think there's a lot of talk about they use a new ball, all mm-hmm. right, and that and that the ball threw off the three point shooting in particular. Mm-hmm. All right, so what that do would you, affect you more in the first half? No. Why? Because what there was a lot of games where a team was like down 10, all right? And uh-huh. that's when a team has to start chucking threes, mm-hmm. and they couldn't make any of them. So there were a lot of games so that— you're, So you're saying the other team, or both teams shot less threes because they knew the ball wasn't any good? No. they No. The t- when a team was down 10 with three minutes of, or to uh-huh. play, they started shooting threes. They didn't make any. They got down 14. They said, you win, and they just walked off the court. Which all is my point. But but it, it, with the good ball, they would have made some of the threes, and then they would have hacked, and there would have been which thirty is, points in the final two minutes instead of four. Which is my point. I'm saying that if if, if whatever the reason, if it was a fluke that the games were out of the foul zone, or mm-hmm. if the ball affected it and they were out of the foul zone at the end of the game, there's a zone that the points go through the roof because they're fouling. Yes, we, it seemed like most of these games avoided that for whatever reason. That's correct. But yes. most games don't. I mean, in the long run, it's going to be whatever the the percentage should be. It will be in the long run thus first half is just as valid it's just the second halves had a quirky result this year well it, like. it seemed like that anyone who, who bets these when teams down 10 they make their three they make a lot yeah, of threes and no one could make any threes so so it's so it's almost by definition if a team's down 10 i like over with five minutes to play but what i'm saying next year assuming the ball isn't the problem there'd be nothing about this year that makes you like the whole game more than the first no, half that, that that's correct all right yeah um AJ, about the ball, do you believe it had a role? Yeah, I, I've heard players talking about they didn't like the ball. And, and I'm guessing from the losing team. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, typically. you know, I don't know. I, it don't. Just, it, well, I don't understand why you would change that. Because they're marketing. So I'm sure they're selling it. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the NBA had this, I think like 10, I think it was even 12 years ago. It was, uh, they had a plastic ball instead of leather. <laughs> 
And then it only lasted like three or four games. Players went crazy. About I mean, it. yeah, and because but NBA wanted to sell the ball. They they wanted to say this is a real game ball. So let's make our game balls crappier so we can sell them. <laughs> it wasn't Stern's best moment. All right. Um, all right. First to ten. First to fifteen. Uh, Scott, it's a phenomenon. You were saying just your sense of it here in town. Then we're going to get Fez's thoughts on how to handicap it. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people are embracing this bet. It's a it's a fun way to, well, for the general public to get a quick winner. And to handicap it, a lot of people are taking plus money on the underdogs. Mm-hmm. Because in the long run, yeah, the favorite's more likely to cover the spread – but how oh, many there times? There is no spread in this case. I'm just exactly. Yeah. There is no spread. I'm saying they cover the spread. But how many times do you see the favorite, you know, go down by a couple of points early in the game? So race to 15, you figure it's going to be close early, and then the favorite starts to pull away. Take the plus money on the underdogs to get 15 points before well, the favorite. That's the rationale. That's the rationale. Yes. Uh, but I think you touched upon the quickness of the action. The quicker, I mean. The thing it tells me that we are in a different era, one I lament, is the World Chess Championship. It happens every, it used to be every three years, but it's intermittently now, right? Mm -hmm. The final of it, I think the last time, was a a best of three in blitz chess. (laughs) So it's like the one time, like the the two best players in the world playing for the championship of the world. Exactly what Bobby Fischer and Spassky did in 72. And they literally say, okay, it's tied. It was a 12, I think it was 12 games they played. Yeah, so it 24 was, games. Yeah. No, I think it was 12 this time. Oh, it used, it used oh be, now. Yeah, it used yeah. to be. It was 24 with Spassky Fisher. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then in 85, when Kasparov and Karpov played the first time Kasparov played, they had, you had to win six games. And it ended up going like for three quarters of a year. <laughs> yeah, well, longer and, than the NHL season. Yeah, and they had a call. <laughs> and then what's amazing is Karpov, uh, who was the champion, and he was the Russian guy. I mean, they were both Russian, but he was the state guy, the party guy, right? They loved him, uh, and he got all the advantages. Car- uh, Kasparov was a young. He wore a leather jacket, that kind of shit, right? And he was up 5-0, Karpov. So literally, you have to race <laughs> to six. He's up 5-0. And I, I remember I was w- looking at USA Today. They would always have every third day they'd have the match, and they'd always have the the moves, the you know, with the annotation or whatever. And I was just, you know, a kid. I was looking, that's ah, cool. You know, Russia, it's in Moscow. You know, I, you know, what the hell? I didn't know. And then it was like maybe 50 days when no one won. And Kasparov was taking draws, they said, where he probably had an edge, mm. but he was taking draws, taking draws. And Karpov was older. He just looks older and older. I got a couple books I've read on this. This is so great. Uh, and then finally he breaks through. So it's 5-1. Right. Then he wins like the next one is 5-2. He comes storming back. It was 5-3, and Karpov was looking like he was going to die. They called the match. He said, for the player's health, they had to call. I mean, unbelievable. They, they thought with, it would still only win one game versus three, and they thought he, he their guy wasn't going to do yeah. it. So they played again in a few months, and, and, and Kasparov blew him out. But it, what's amazing, last thing about these guys, they played, I think, five championship matches, Karpov, Kasparov. And the number of wins is like 22 to 21. Mm. Like it was like they had like 10,000 moves between them, and there's one game that separated. Unbelievable. But but Kasparov won every one or tie. He never lost Mm. one. So it was like a a weird thing. Um, Okay. We were talking about what USA Today. We were talking about draws. First to 10, first first to 15. 15. But, but, But why did the chess come up? 
We were talking because you said the blitz instant chess. gratification. Exactly, chess is that's faster. It. So all that happened, but now after playing six games, you know whatever the twelve games was, they said we can't have one more game. We got to go blitz. Yeah, we need a winner. We got. Yeah, we got, we got deadline. To, we got dinner tonight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. So you think about the uh, casino games, the slot machines and stuff. It's eight different ways to win in the first second. Sports betting's no different. Exactly right. right. That's yeah. why horse racing dying, I think, all the time in between races. In online poker, it it became more popular to do the sit-and-go turbo tournaments where it's just single table, fill it up, and then blinds raise every three minutes and just, let's just get this thing, let's get a winner. Guys, you used to play five stud. They <laughs> Now I play blast poker where after six minutes of action— you're forced to go all in on every hand till there's a winner. You ever play Blast? No, no. Uh, that is the ultimate instant One Saturday gratification. night, that was a whole different yeah. thing. <laughs> but, but, and she said it was okay. <laughs> she said it happened. I, I think <laughs> I figured out how to price this first to 15 stuff. All right, now that's what about we want to get to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, oh, I mean, there were, <laughs> I got to tell one more quick story. There was a guy named Skeeter that used to play in our poker game back in Ohio. And this was a, uh, you know, you would win or lose like two or three hundred bucks. It was a small game, and but we were playing like four eight limit, right? This is before no limit even blew up, mm-hmm. right? Skeeter was one of these dudes that was literally he could have been homeless, but he probably, he was staying somewhere for like thirty bucks a month, you know, kind of thing, right? Renting a room or something. But he was one of those dudes. So this would have been like ninety five. Uh, nineteen ninety five. He was maybe eighty at this point. So I mean, this guy had been around. He always wore a suit. Hmm. Right, you know those old timers that wear, but he smelled. Yeah, like like it was yeah. like they always wear a suit, but they're just not well kept. You know, I mean, and I don't know smell, but let's just say he wasn't showering every day, and he was so conservative. Like he'd come down and eat all the food he could because you know the food was like we'd rake the pot and buy food at the VFW or whatever, and he would like eat a bunch of food. He takes some home. You know, you could tell this was his angle. Mm-hmm. But then if he got in a hand. You knew he had the nuts, right? Or at least he had. So he his game was five stud because it was dealer's choice, right? I always played a high advantage dealer game. I played draw low ball, which I, I was uh, real good at draw low ball. Um, but there was only two rounds of betting, which I didn't like that. But anyway, Skeeter would play five stud. Five stud has no dealer advantage, but it's probably the chaser's worst game. Because think, if he's got a queen up and a queen and you start with a pair of sevens, you're like whatever 15 percent. i mean it's like hold them you can be in a bad spot and you're still fine you know you're not horrible well skeeter used to always have like a, a the top card on the board so he had the and he had a pair for sure always and on the fifth card it'd always be he always said hold that line hold that oh. line. <laughs> so there was no debating if he was in the lead or not it was <laughs> i don't know i guess back in the day that's how you had to be to be a gambler because i mean he i don't think he ever had a job and he wasn't a good gambler at that point that's why he was smelly. That's why he was eating all that pizza. <laughs> How are we beating? How are we holding that line when it comes to the first 15? All right. I think we look at the first half line. Okay. All right. I think, and let's assume first half, a big favorite's like a 14 point favorite. They're an eight point first half right, favorite. Right. I'm going to, it's not exactly right. I think it's close enough that that eight point spread should basically be two points in the first five minutes, two points the next five, two points the next five. I don't see any reason. Necessarily, why the favorite's going to do well, better? I, I would only say that if you get in the, uh, there's usually more scoring later because you get in the bone, you get in the bonus, you get in the foul shooting, right? Yes, but in this, but but in this, but in this case, it's all. I, I think it's pro rata in terms of on the way. 
All right, because there's no clock. You're not betting the first five minutes or first 10 minutes. You're betting first to 15. All right, so let's start there then. What percentage of 15 is the overall scoring for the team? So let's assume the average win, the team wins 15 to 11. That seems about okay. right, 26 points. So you'd look at, like, let's say, let's make it easy. Let's say the total sky high at 78, just because mm-hmm. it makes my math easier. Mm-hmm. So it's three times as high, okay? Mm-hmm. So we expect there's going to be a winner at 26, so it's like one-third of the yeah. of the first half, so let's assume first half lines nine. So, so let's do this. Let's do this, Fred. You want an actual game? Yeah, let's get an actual game. Yeah, because I think okay. this is interesting. Because I, yeah. I, I'm going to have a theory that's related so to yours. So do you want a high spread or do you want a low give, spread? Give me a medium. Yeah, one. medium. Medium spread. All right, Florida, Atlanta, Tennessee, five and a half for the game. All right. All right. Okay. First half line. And what's the money line for the game? Is Tennessee minus two forty five? Okay. Florida Atlantic plus two hundred five on the comeback. What's what's the first half line? First half is Tennessee minus two and a half. Uh-huh. Should be three. Tennessee. Well, it's minus one twenty. Tennessee called three. Called three. Sure. Tennessee is minus one eighty five on the first half money line. Florida Atlantic plus one fifty. What's the total in the first half? Total in the first half is sixty one and a half. Okay. So uh, so ahead. so I'm gonna I'm gonna take that three and I'm gonna prorate it. So I'm going to take minus three times twenty six divided by sixty one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So first off, let's let's be clear. Through, if we take off the three, we think there's going to be about fifty eight and a half points spread amongst both teams, right? So it's going to be twenty five and twenty nine twenty nine. So we expect the score to be about thirty two twenty nine in the first half. Yes. Okay. Yes. But 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 the key here is I expect this bet to resolve when there's 26 points into the first half, which is going to be a you know a little less than half. Okay? okay. But Fez, couldn't you do the same thing by saying 15 into 32? Same thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same same thing. So so minus so minus 1 and a half is too high, all right? It's got to be less than minus but minus 1 is too low. All right, so I'm going to call the line. So now we got what we got is what percentage of the first half do we expect the race to 15 to represent? Yes. And then we can then subtract out or divide out of the first half. But are we going to have to depress that a little bit because there's more randomness? Oh, go ahead. Mm, I don't think so. I don't well, think so. So let me finish my, my, my logic. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. So, so my line on the, on, the, on the race to 15, I'm going to have to start with the point spread here, prorating from the three, I'm going to go minus one and a half, minus 100. Okay, uh, but they don't usually so put up. A there is no like spread; it's a money line. So now yep. I got to convert to money line. So you know, and now this is a, this is a short period of time. So these half points are worth more than normal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guesstimate a half point is probably worth more than ten cents, maybe just under fifteen cents. I'm going to use fifteen cents to make it easier. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to change that minus one and a half minus a hundred to minus. So if I go minus one, um, and I take off fifteen cents, now I've got to lay minus a dollar fifteen. If I lay minus a half, it's got to be minus one thirty. And if I go all the way to pick, it's probably minus 140, minus 145. I think 15 cents is too much. So I'm going to only use 10 cents the last one. Minus 140, Tennessee. Take back 120. And the line is Tennessee minus 170. Interesting. And Florida Atlantic plus 135. So in your math, Ooh. you find value on the plus 135. Well, do we? Because we, didn't we just say 140? Well, this is, this is yeah, it's like kind of, yeah. It, it, the, ten, the, the, the Tennessee line bet is terrible, and the Florida Atlantic bet is close to break even. All right, so let's start with that straddle, right? So typically the straddle is the money line difference that you're having to, you know, the difference between the favorite and the dog take back. 20 cents when you bet a spread, right? Minus 110, minus 110. That's a 20 cent straddle. When that becomes a money line, like a baseball game, 150 becomes plus 130, 20 cent line. Now, when it gets up to about 170, it's called a break point, and now it will go to 25 cents or 30 or et cetera. They're going here, not really at a high break point. It shouldn't have broken yet, as they say. And it's what's the straddle? 
35. Right. It's 170 and plus 135. And 35 is a lot. And I think if I did dealt it no vig, mm-hmm. I would deal with minus 140 plus 140. Okay. All right. Okay. I also, to make it easier, a little more elegant, I think maybe we can prorate that. So you said the minus 185 was the money line for the first half? For the first half, money line was minus 185, yes. What's the take back? Plus 150. Okay, so as a as an approximation, so that would be a a, a no vig. There's a thirty five cent spread, so minus one sixty. Same straddle as the race. So it's like it's like a minus one sixty eight. Okay, mm-hmm. so if I take that that sixty eight cents and now I prorate by twenty six divided by sixty one, I would get a no vig like somewhere around minus one thirty plus one thirty. So mm-hmm. so it, 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 it's adding was, up that Florida Atlantic's real close to being a you know a, you know a it, break even bet. And didn't you say that you've seen most of the people like the action on the dogs? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's just yeah. a premium on the favorites in this this so you're presupposing it's the intelligent people at the bar batting on Vegas. No, uh, no I'm just, just saying I, I think it's because they think I don't know if they can hold on the whole game, but I think they can they can hang in there. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's the mentality and people like take back. Every time I can tell you spending some time in the in the, in the sports books, every time the dog got up the, by 15 a roar yeah. came up from the crowd. Because a lot of them are, are, are rooting for their brackets as much as they're rooting for any bets they or, make. But, or, they, but they're not going to roar at 15. They're roaring at 15. Yeah. Like, like literally the, the, the whole stadium shakes in Vegas. All right, so I, I want to look at one more thing. So it's 145, the actual first 15 to— um, No, first 15 is Tennessee minus 170 uh-huh. and Florida Atlantic plus 135. 135. Okay, so— Here's what's interesting to me. The game is 245, right? And the first half is 185 on the favor. Mm-hmm. And now we're at 170. Now that's a smaller drop than I typically would expect. So but, but but if you compare, I think it's intuitively pretty obvious that if, if I have my choice, Florida Atlantic plus 150 first half mm-hmm. or plus 135 first 15 i'd rather have less game yeah I mean, that's a lot less game that's a lot more likely like right what would for the there's some place you can bet first bucket right mm-hmm. if you have an eight point favor what's the odds of the favor getting the first bucket better it's than 50 it's too hard to price because I, it depends who's well, it, it depends who's got the, the taller center that gets the open well, in theory tip. that's something to handicap yeah right? they, in other words the, the the cockroach bookie has to actually handicap that so they don't uh, like to put that do up they, well do yeah. they um Give me one more book and one more game. Just pick it randomly. Pick a bigger spread. Okay. And I want to see the difference between – I only want to know just me, the halftime versus the first 15. Now, Fez, as he's doing that, i got another question. Some of these books offer first 15. Some offer first 10. Some I, offer all of it, 10, 15, 20, 25. Yep. i got a thought. I think if it's a three-point shooting team that you like, you like to go to 15. And if it's a team that doesn't shoot as many threes, you like to go to 10. Because it does seem like the idea of making three threes initially, and it still puts you one down, so you got to make four buckets, is a slight disadvantage mm. for a three-point shooting team. You think there's anything there? Mm, no, because even the three-point shooting teams tend to like they don't they start out wanting to like they're like NFL coach they're very conservative they don't go come out chucking threes like their first on the first even, possessions. But even if they score six points in the first possessions, two, two, and two, now you're three away. Yeah, it does feel yeah, like they, I that think the ten, the ten, the ten. I, I I do think you got something. There's I think there's more to it. Like if it was like five, yeah, I yeah. like a three-point shooting team to get to five first. Yeah, but that I think is really significant. Okay, here's a, here's a fun one because it's a low spread, but I mm. say it's fun because Gonzaga is the number one first half scoring team in the country. Mm-hmm. They average forty-two point one points per game in the first half. This one should be very easy to price. Okay, 
It's a two-point spread. UCLA minus two for the game. And one UCLA's for, minus two. Yeah. yeah, and they're one for the first half, right? And for the first half, UCLA is minus one. All right, so clearly UCLA, UCLA is minus 130 for the first half money line. Gonzaga's even money. Mm-hmm. And for the race to 15, you have UCLA minus 125, Gonzaga even money. Okay, and so clearly there's no good bet to be had because the minus 125 is atrocious, but UCLA should be favored. There's no question, mm-hmm. unless there's like a big dichotomy, first half, second half results. You can't bet the underdog and only get even money. They got to be the. They you got to give me something on the plus money. Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing here is this: the game sp- the game money line is always going to be the highest. The halftime is second highest, and let's say whatever your first whatever is going to be your lowest when it comes to the money line on the favorite. The rationale being there's less of a chance to exert your superiority. Yes. Right. If I was playing Michael Jordan in a basketball game, I'd much rather race to two than to twenty. Right. Yep. Whatever the odds mm-hmm. were, they wouldn't be good. All right. Now, horse, with, with, with a team like Gonzaga, like I said, that that is the highest scoring first half team. So the market's not accounting for that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't shouldn't Gonzaga be the favorite in the race to fifteen? Depends what their margin is. I don't care how many points they score. I need to know what their first half but margin Scott, is. This makes my point about if the better the bookies don't sit. We were talking about having that conglomerate. We didn't finish the point. The theory being the bookies say, "Nah, I'm not going to spend that money. I can't house all these handicappers." I'm going to just put up whatever the computer says, meaning a mechanical Excel sheet mm-hmm. type, you know, not advanced even calculation. They're probably just prorating the first half line done and multiplying yeah, it by like point, by point 0.4. Yeah, which is you an know, Excel the, whatever sheet the effectively, effectively, right? I'm, 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 I'm guessing that, that that's how they're doing it quickly. Exactly. Like seventh grade math. Yeah. And then the Close theory enough. is the limits are modest. Thus, if they get banged a couple of times, mm-hmm. they move it and they figure what's the Theo loss on those bets. Right? Maybe if it's a thousand dollar limit and it's a seven percent whole, maybe it's a seventy dollar per bet, right? And now only the first kick at the can, so they lose seventy dollars on one sharp, making a good bet, and then they earn, earn, earn the rest of the would, tournament. And it would cost more money to house some. So in a weird way, if you got something that you think the market is on, you got to bet it early. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I do I do think the mispricings aren't going to happen on the on the games aligned at one, two, three. They're going to happen on on higher spreads where it's so more different. Okay, so let's look at Alabama. Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite. All right, give, now, it, give us the game and the uh, half. And so the they're laying game. four sure. first half. They're seven and a half for the game. They're minus three forty for the game. Mm-hmm. San Diego State is plus two eighty on the comeback for the full game. All right. First half, Alabama minus three and a half, minus one twenty. Mm-hmm. So if you want to call it four, you can call it four. All right. And the money line is minus two thirty. And what's the total? Plus one eighty five on the comeback. Sixty three and a half. Is the first half total. All right. Okay, so the Novig first half money line is like minus 208. And AJ, you would agree that Alabama is a three-point shooting team. Yeah. So that's our top top 10 three-point rate team in the country. And that's what you're saying. You might be more inclined to bet the three-point shooting team in the race to 15. That's my my thinking is you get stuck on nine either because of probably not three threes, but let's say six points and twos and uh-huh. three gets you. It just feels like you're going to get stuck one point below more on 10 than 15. Right. OK. So, so I would say I'm trying to decide why bet one bet 10, one bet mm. five. Mm-hmm. Obviously, to some degree, it's going to be whatever effect that we crunch it down. And actually, I'd be interested for you to do it. You just did one is. Then convert it to if it was a race to 10, how would you do it? But go ahead, give us your conclusion. So I did. The conclusion is that the no VIG number should be Alabama minus 145, 
Uh, their opponent, San Diego State, plus 145. All right. This is for the first 15. For the first 15. What's the actual number? Alabama minus 190. San Diego State plus 150. Okay. So you're saying there's value on San Diego State. Yes. Five cents worth. 150 versus, yeah. I mean, there's value. Yes. Um, Boy, it'd be nice if they didn't have that straddle. Yeah, so, but there's an example where they got the favorite jack. But again, it seems like the favorites jacked up all the time with these. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, how would you convert that to a race to ten? I would just prorate the one forty-five. Which it's forty-five cents a vig, mm-hmm. and multiply by two thirds. So say no vig would be minus one thirty plus one thirty. Yes. Right. The race to ten odds. You have Alabama minus one seventy-five. Really? San Diego State plus one thirty-five. All right, so you're saying there's real value there. Five plus five cents of value. Should I, so I've got plus one thirty no vig, and you get one thirty five. Huh. So both of them I have five well, cents. When you of hear value. that one seventy or whatever, it, yeah. it, it seems like it's going to come in at a good number. Yeah, yeah. but then you get they, they, if they if they but dealt a small. Shop, we're not even shopping here though. The theory yeah. is there's going to be some nickel differences around, right? I don't think we're going to get better. If, I. I I'd be surprised. Well, Let me see. The, I'll, I'll only pop circuit. Yeah, see what's up. Let's see what circuit. Well, got. it might it's be that Thursday game. It's they only have their Thursday games. Up. It might be interesting to see if Circa actually Alabama agrees with you. Game. You know, like in general, if Circa is going to be towards our uh, calculations here, I think that's a good affirmation about it. So he's pulling that up. Interesting stuff on the first halves. So if I was the the the, the cockroach bookie, I'd be mm. offering bargains on the favorites. I'd be giving them like minus one fifty fives, not minus one seventy fives. I'd try to sucker them into betting it. The favorites, you mean? Yes. Yeah, but they, they might. Here's the other thing: if you are, I wonder how many more people who are physically at a book are betting these mm. than people. At oh, home. definitely, because it's part of the, the, the consumer experience. It, it, that's a Friday game, so the circuit doesn't have it up. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, but we did the what was the other game we did? Was that a Friday game or we did one of the Friday games was Gonzaga UCLA and Tennessee Florida Atlantic. Those are both, we, we both need, uh, Friday we, games. We need a Thursday game. I mean those are both Thursday games I'm saying yes. Oh uh, Florida Atlantic they have first to ten they have Tennessee minus one fifty and Florida Atlantic plus one thirty. Okay. And our number was what for that one? Our number for the race to 10 on the Tennessee is... Well, we did a race to 15. Okay, well, the race to 10 for Tennessee is minus 155 and plus 125 for Florida Atlantic. The race to 15 is Tennessee 170, Florida Atlantic plus 135. I think my going back to my notes, I think I had the no VIG being minus 145 on Tennessee first to 15. You know what we can do? Why don't we do this? Um, why don't we tweet out... So, Fez, we'll do it with yours. It's at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, at Fezzik Sports. If you don't mind, tweet out, uh, you know, because I think you can do these calculations on all the games. Maybe do the calculations on a little piece of, you know, piece of paper, yeah. take a picture of it. And then up top, say the one that looks like, you know, I know a lot of people are betting these, you know, something to look at. Yeah, think? I'll put out what I what I show the no vigs to be. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, and then, hey, here, value is value. Right. I'm gonna t- I'll well, do that. Yeah. What, what, is there an ethical problem with betting first 15? I, 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 <laughs> well, the ethical problem, you stand at st- stare at that 35 cent straddle and you're like, ah, I don't want to touch that, that, but who cares? It, but it, it matters it, it, what you're it, taking it, back. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Yes. Um, now, Mackenzie's telling me on the screen, San Diego State first to 10 is plus 145. Um, did we have the San Diego State in our mix? Uh, yeah, well, that's who we talked about. San Diego State. Yeah, we want to bet uh, first to ten. That's a good bet. Yep. Plus uh, one forty-five. I had I had a, the Novig at one thirty. Okay. Wow. Who has so, that? Westgate. Westgate. Has. 
You want to put that in? Give me yeah. half What was that. Westgate, 145 I bet they take $250. Whatever they take, big, I'm, I'm big going. high roller. I'm going. Yeah, that's better than the Jesus. 135 that, that we have here. High on roller yeah. here. I knew there'd be some shopping. Instead of, instead of him being chagrined, it's like, they won't take 10 dimes. They think they, they won't. Haven't they heard? I was on, on a it. first to 10 prop. I was, on, t- I was on ESPN. Limits were only 5,000. <laughs> I wonder if they're bringing me down. Are they, are they barring me, kind of quasi-barring me? A shadow ban almost? I bet he wish they would have banned him on that Purdue bet. I'm like, <laughs> no, we're not going to give you that much, Fez. You know, the funny thing is I think he won this weekend still. Did, I, you, did you end up finishing real, up? It's really close. I mean, think about that. That's unreal. Oh, man. But but I stand corrected. We have a 1,000. Yeah! We have a 1,000 nice. on that. I think I take a nickel of this because I'm the one that you said. Pulse chop, even pulse go, chop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good job. First to ten, go. Good job, Aztecs. All right, that's amazing. I love it. I'm, By the way, they have a twenty cent straddle, one forty five uh-huh. plus one minus one sixty five. We'll get Jay Cornegay off that. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible that the boys over at the Westgate are just copying what the over the global market is and just not chopping and just chopping the big, not realizing how inefficient this, these numbers appear to be. Which you didn't realize that until five I'm going to go ago. fund the, my my Westgate account. <laughs> my, my, I got micro limits across the board, so I have very little money in there. Because uh, let me put this in perspective, they only give me a nickel. Like like when I'm when I'm betting like an NIT game on the side, and they're giving me a dime on the prop. How much have you wanted to bet a number one seed to go undefeated in the first round? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now what I don't get is why wouldn't they make that bet something where it's all four? And the question is, can will one you lose? Can they do, do that. that's that's um, an alternative. People yeah. people took a so, bath on that one so too. Rob Pizzolo <laughs> tweeted out that he had he he laid minus seven fifty uh, that uh, all four one seeds would win. Here's the uh, now that's interesting. So if it's seven fifty for all four, then the theory, how does that price out with each one of the four? Then? Well, UCLA was only a nineteen point favorite versus like twenty. So my bet was actually superior. But, but you bet all four of them. Yes. If I would have parlayed all four, it would have. I it would have worked out that my mechanically parlaying the way yeah. I did it would have been better. Now that's interesting because you, you, you could replicate that bet. Yes. By having all four. On a, on a uh, one parlay, and that's if they all win, you win. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah um, but it, he, and he he was basically saying how the the market like seven fifty was an incredible bet because it eventually was like minus eleven hundred, minus twelve hundred, and should have been more. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing: I don't get the database guys, and I'm not I'm not I don't I've listened to some of Rob stuff. I can't speak to. You know, I know he's a database guy generally, he, he, but I don't think any better that's serious isn't to some degree. So I'm not going to put him in that extreme category. I don't know. But let's say the guys that are in that extreme category, Fez, what I often see is they don't understand that your analysis is as only good as your data. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how pertinent is the data? So, for example, how fundamentally different is the NCAA tournament since the transfer portal? Is That's it, a good point. Has the has the game completely changed? And, and yeah, I, I took comfort. Well, has it changed at all? Even I, but, so, like I, if I mean, your data point is since the, the Virginia, past couple of years, yeah. then yet you have UMBC is one. Now the numbers aren't so astronomical. Yeah, one it's out, like two of, yeah. out of what's it been five years ago? Yeah. So it's like two out of uh, twenty now. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. Is there also something that's making your data not pertinent because of circumstances about this game, the mm. Super Bowl? Everyone always said, 
go to the database. Safeties happen in what? That's two, a great example. Two percent or whatever games, and then they're saying, "Look, I can lay." You know what was it? You should lay twelve hundred or something to win a hundred, but only like, one out of sixteen have a safety. Yeah, and it's like that's math, man. That's math, <laughs> and I agree it is math, right? Because I'm never afraid to lay. Anyone that ever questions if you lay a big price if it's the right price what does the casino lay at roulette when a drunk guy puts a number on 15 minus 3500 right they're 3500 thus I, i'd like to own one of those roulette wheels at the wind for a while you probably you, you like the triple green <laughs> not the double yeah, no, green. I'm a high, triple zero guy yeah. i'm a yeah. high volume guy man i want to i want the players to be happy my favorite is i walk by and i see like the but double too happy the double green and no one's playing and the triple green and it's full I love that. Because, but again, price cool. sen- there's p- the price Singles, sensitivity. Single zero at the plaza. Yeah, $25 minimum. <laughs> he knows it all, doesn't he? <laughs> Mr. Advantage. But, but, but let's agree, Fez, that in general, when the market or, or when the amount of betters keeps booming, these books are throwing things at the wall to try to get the action, and maybe there's some vulnerabilities there. I agree. Huh? I agree. Okay. Let's go into the previews. We got AJ with us. Again, he's had some bad beats, but if you listen, and I'm sure most of you did last week, it was a great performance. Let's keep it up. All right, we're going to go rotation order. Or I guess I'm going to go in the order of McKenzie's sheet. Uh, it looks like rotation order. Perfect. He knows. Okay. All right. First game, Tennessee, Florida Atlantic. It opened up minus four. Minus four. It's up to five and a half. I'm taking Scott's job. It's been bet up. Now, the early line move, it was within an hour of open. So this was people, like, I think you might have been on Circa waiting for the openers. <laughs> I'd learned my lesson. All right. So what do you, uh, and, and real quick here, if we look at the Ken Palm projections, oh, look, it says four, 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 Tennessee. What do you like in this one? I lean to Tennessee here. <laughs> Certainly not going to like it now. It's five and a half. But uh, Tennessee... Everybody counted out. Like we talked about the teams that people were, you know, throwing out the window before the tournament started. Tennessee was one of those. Oh, they don't have Zakai Ziegler. Uh, they bullied Duke. They made mm. Duke look like they didn't belong. 34% of their offensive rebounds, uh, or they got a 34% of their misses, uh, Tennessee did against Duke. And then they shot 43% from three. Florida Atlantic has one big, uh, seven foot one, but their next biggest guy, six foot four. And Tennessee has a couple bigs, Plavsic, and but their their power forward, their six nine Olivier Kamwa is. He, it, there's just no answer for him on this Florida Atlantic roster. He put up 27 on nine of 13 shooting against Duke. I don't see how Tennessee stops a team that has, or excuse me, how Florida Atlantic stops a team that has two big men. And Kamwa can get you out of the paint too. He can shoot as well from outside. So uh, it's a lean to Tennessee, Florida Atlantic. I'll tell you if it if it gets up to to six, it's probably uh, probably looking the other way. How much? I mean, how much do you uh, can you take? Can you almost throw away some of the the performance from 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 last game? Uh, I don't know for who for Tennessee. Why, why would you throw it away? Because they mugged Duke the whole game and they didn't get any fouls called on them. <laughs> There's a little bit of that, but uh, <laughs> it was, it was, did that make up 13 points, Fez, or did they? No. Well, when they, when they clothesline Philip Kowski or whatever that guy's name is, and he had to play hurt the rest of the way. Yeah, uh, uh, the game's it kind of. I don't know. It, to me, when I was watching that game, it just kind of felt like I don't know. It didn't seem like it was. 
it didn't seem like it should have been all that one side. It was bad Duke, not so much good Tennessee. That's how right? I felt. That's kind of didn't like, that feel that that's way? That's kind of how no, I felt. Watching because it. when when Tennessee drags you into the mud, that is good Tennessee. That's how they win games. But so they, they don't win. They, tr- but, they but, turn you into the bad version of yourself. But this yes. ten- but this Tennessee team never wins any games in the tournament because Rick Barnes stinks as a as a tournament coach. Did he suddenly learn how to do this? I mean, who who's good as a tournament coach? Uh, the, the, the Izzo. And everybody else stinks. So Izzo's good. Everyone else stinks. Mark Few is good. Mark F- Whoa. How, what? How, how oh, many championships Gonzaga's does done, Mark Few have? Oh, Gonzaga's done great in the tournament. You know, eight on. straight Sweet 16s? Well, I would That's make pretty, the case eight of, straight 16s. Uh, fourth longest, strong, streak, fourth I, longest streak ever. But I, what, I would make the case they've underperformed the last two years. I would too. Years. Zero championships. Like they've been the, they, were the, they were the favorite the last two years. Wait, weren't they like even money entering the tournament? Yeah. If, if if you're if you're favored and you go to the title game, you've exceeded expectations. I mean, there's 64 teams out there. It's hard. It's Hold not like if you're favored, it means you have to have a better than 50 percent chance, right? No, no, no. I, I'm not talking about they were the favorite. I'm saying they were a minus money favorite. Oh, they weren't a minus money favorite. It was right around. It was no, big. no, no. No, no. I'm telling. They, they, they thought Mark they were Few, the best team of all time. Mark Few, 26, 33, and one ATS in the tournament. Ooh. That's interesting. Mm. All right, so let's agree with the following. I think the narratives is this guy's horrible, this guy's horrible. Oftentimes it's low sample size. I'm old enough to remember, and this is old, that this story. Coach K was known as the guy who couldn't win the big one because mm. I think it was his fourth Final Four until he won. So mathematically, one out of every four makes sense, but it was like that was the narrative. John Elway was a loser mm. until he was a winner. I don't know. What are the qualities that make up a winning tournament coach and what doesn't Barnes have I don't I don't have that answer I think Rick Barnes is an excellent coach Barnes I mean, is 19 and 32 ATS in the tournament coming into this tournament that that's a lot of games yeah so he had to win a lot of games so it seems like he's not covering but how many tournaments has he been in his his straight up record is 27 and 26 in the NCAA tournament how, how can you have 50 some games in the NCAA tournament he's in the tournament every year I mean, he's been, he's been coaching while. since the late '80s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, man, think about that. That's more, like it's almost two seasons. Yeah, like there's what 30 games a year, right? Yeah, for 35. Well, it used to be third. Yeah. So it was like two seasons he's coaching the NCAA tournament. Well, yeah. I mean, he was, at, he was at Texas for almost 20 years. No, no, I get. I'm yeah. just saying the idea that this guy's horrible. Yeah, I don't know, but that isn't low sample size necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right? That one isn't. <laughs> All right, so you would lean. Let me guess. Wherever the line move is, you like the other team at the short number. Well, I, I liked Tennessee at four. Did you bet it? Or I did you... not bet Tennessee at four. Why I not? actually I actually lean Tennessee at four. I, I don't have a good feel so for So if you this lean game. Tennessee at four, all right, then you like Florida Atlantic at five and a half then, right? I like Florida Atlantic at six. That's what I was just saying, yeah. <laughs> Always got, you know, it, it, it really, seven, it really is true. This is, a great, I mean, this is a great point RJ's making because if the line was five, you'd be saying right now, boy, if I could get Florida Atlantic five and a half, that would be that would be that that'd is, be a bet. We all were like that. But then right? if it went to if it was six and a half, we'd be like, you know, I really like to get seven. Oh. And you know what? Like it, this, I, I honestly, I feel certainly less confident this pod than I did last pod, mainly because I've had some uh, some rough truly, breeds, some truly, rough beats. But rough beats shouldn't make you. I mean, here's the thing: if you're just playing wrong on the handicapping. Then I think you got a question, though, again, how many games does that take, right? Mm. But I think in general, if you're wrong in the handicapping, you're going to be quicker to say, maybe I'm missing, maybe something's changed. If you're right on the handicapping, but you're getting bad beats, that's luck. And you're going to be gun shy 
I mean, that's human nature. But you shouldn't question the handicap because, in theory, you were on the right side most of the. It, I mean, that's where it's important and it's vital. You got to be honest with yourself about your batting. I mean, you got to. You can't be the guy that when he break when he goes two and two and he loses the vig, you say, "Oh, break even," and then when you go five and one to start the day, but you lose two, so you're five and three. I had a monster. Well, did you or were mm. you five? And th- I mean, we all do that, or at least you know for a long time. I, I think most people do it to some degree always. Faze, I mean, you've seen this, right? Oh, of course, yes. Put it in a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. They, they, they stats don't lie. You know, just look at the overall and, and don't. Suddenly, just conclude that if Steve Fezzik goes nineteen and two in the CFL, don't suddenly say I am the greatest CFL better in the history of the planet. That's what I'm great at. Isn't that what you did in the XFL though? Uh, nineteen five. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen and five, right now. Yeah, <laughs> ten and five this year. Nine and zero oh the uh, the previous season. So obviously, I'm running good. How, how's that Seattle team? I hear they they're minus. They've had more, they're minus ten in turnovers. And they have a winning record. A, a, a spot on. I I got roundly I got I got roundly criticized. AJ, you criticized me. I said Seattle was the second best team in the XFL, and you're like they're zero and two, Fez. Oh, he, he's one of those guys. Well, now, well, now they're now they're three and two. Yeah. The um the guy who does that podcast on the Athletic, Randy Mueller, former GM of uh, uh, Seattle, I think it was, and he's been with a bunch of teams. He's the GM up there. Really? So, so yeah, he's talking about it during the pod. You know, it's pretty interesting. I mean, he takes it seriously. Now, the one hard part, and I know this isn't an XFL pod, but they have a quarterback, your your buddy Ben DiNucci. Dominic. He fumbles all. The time, so they've been winning because his fumbles have been bouncing out of bounds. Maybe, maybe it's a slick ball, like the yeah, ball. it must be. So I have an anti-Tennessee uh, trend here. Um, since 2012, teams are two and six straight up and ATS after beating Duke in the NCAA tournament. Now that's interesting. Yeah. Because the theory is it's an emotional You get game. up for Duke. You and the Duke. public reacts, and the line goes from four to five and a half because, look, they just pounded Duke. They're good. So what if they don't have the Ziegler guy? They're and, and they messed up my bracket, so I'm going to pick them to advance to save my bracket. Hmm. I'm saying, why don't we like Florida Atlantic? We do like Florida Atlantic. Uh, but only if we could get six. No, I like them five and a half. I'm, th- I'm thinking I like him here because it yeah. does feel like, I mean, like— Florida Atlantic's good. They beat Duke— and it opens four, and it gets bet right up. Though it does bother. It went back down. It was four today. Like it's bounced around. Like it's gone up and down. Well, right now I'm seeing. Uh, I think Bet Online has five and a half minus one fifteen. So it's almost five point three. Now that's interesting. I'd like to get that plus five and a half uh, minus one hundred five then. But um, what was Tennessee laying against Lafayette in the first round? Oh, let's see. Crapola, Louisiana, Lafayette. All right, let's take a gander. It's on the left-hand side towards the bottom. All right, so it looks like it was um, Marquette. Let me see. Tennessee Duke was three, but it was 11.5 against Louisiana. Oh, they were 11.5. Okay. Okay. Mackenzie did a little work here, too. This is going good. All right, so you're leaning to the dog. I'm leaning to the favorite. Oh, Okay. Well, let's, let's wait a minute. Florida, wait, 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 no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. You just said you'd bet Florida Atlantic plus six. So you can't lean to Tennessee minus five and a half. You know what is happening here? I think that me forcing him to have a lean is short circuiting his brain. What do you think the line? I don't have. I don't have interest in this. That's game. the right way to ask it. What but is the ideal game? What is the ideal? I know. Line? I don't have. I don't have any interest in ma- making a wager. I know on this wages. Game. What do you think the line should be? Like, what should the line? What is the right line yes. for this game? Five, five and a half. <laughs> 
give me a number. I don't know a number. I, I, it's so you think it's, pro- you think it's properly priced? I, I think it is. Okay. That's fair. All right. Next game. Michigan State and the famous Tom Izzo <laughs> against Kansas State. Now, this line opened up one, Michigan State. It's up to two now. I heard, actually, Kansas State opened as a favorite in some spots. Now, McKenzie's uh, saying uh, Monday morning this baby moved. It was 15 hours after opening. So it opens, stays flat for 15 hours. Then we get your Michigan State money. At 6.36 a.m. Yes. Okay, so that tells me that was professional money. It was a handy, handicapper, well-known handicapper, released it and moved a point within 18 seconds. Okay. All right, what do you got? Uh, I lean to K-State plus two here. And these are two teams that I don't particularly – I didn't like coming into the tournament. I still don't like now. Uh, but K-State should have had a better win against Kentucky than they did. They win by six, which is nice. They got obliterated on the boards, 44-25. to 25. So Kentucky had a ton of extra chances, or this game could have been worse than it was. Michigan State's not going to be able to do that. Uh, Sparty is not shooting the is ball that, well. Is that historically this season a weakness of Kansas State on the board? No, but it's a strength of Kentucky. Okay. Uh, Kentucky's the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Oscar Sheboy is just a, 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 an absolute monster. They had 19 offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sparty, 7 of 30 from 3. The, the strength of Kansas State's defense is defending the three. Uh, top 15 in the country defending the three. I don't think Michigan State can get their offense going seven against this 30. team. What does that mean? They made seven out of 30 shots. In, in both games combined? No. Yeah, in both games combined, in the, in the two so uh, tournament games. So that's bad. That's bad. So that means that this is a team that's won two tournament games and By didn't shoot well. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of team you want to bet on, right? Could. Not the kind of team I want to bet on. Why not? Because they're not shooting well. They don't have offense if they but, don't but shoot do, well. You don't, but you don't believe that shooting extends between games, do you? I think, like the thing we talked about with the unders and the ball, I think it can. Okay, so now then that's an interesting point. I want the team that's shoot that his offense is less relying on the three. I'd like to see what teams are shooting less threes. Well, the irony was that the only reason that Kansas State advanced is they chucked up twenty seven foot three pointers against Kentucky and made four out of six to end the game, and that's why they won the game. Okay, but if and they got killed on the boards, and we're saying that isn't necessarily bad luck. That's just yeah. reality. Yeah, I, now they didn't make any of their threes until then, <laughs> and then yeah. they just got red hot at the end. Yeah, but you agree? It seems like if we now, is there any chance they're going to change this ball? No, there's not. They're not going to change the ball. But I agree with you if you said, okay, this team that is ultra reliant on making threes has shot like shit for two games and they're still winning. I would feel like they're undervalued. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the but, question is, are? But here's the thing: if for some fundamental reason threes are being missed more and that isn't changing, then we can't expect it to reverse itself. Right. So, Mackenzie, do me a favor. It might take a minute. Find me the percentage of offense that is from three pointers. You know, so points, however you want to do it, and and let's stack rank these sixteen t- or teams because I'm I'm interested in the ones not relying on. Oh, I, oh, I was waiting for you to finish your no, no, your purple whatever no, your sentence. <laughs> if Michigan State, here's a, a trend. So uh, Michigan State is the favorite, right? <laughs> it's the first time a team four seeds higher than their opponent in the Sweet 16 would be a favorite since 2015. And the last time it happened, ironically, it was Michigan State. They won in 2015. Uh, and oh, so, it, so say that trend one more time. So Michigan State was four seeds higher. 
that they're four seeds higher. There are seven. Mm -hmm. K-State is a three. It's only happened twice since 2008 that a Sweet 16 game has featured a team as a favorite four seeds higher than their opponent. Mm, okay, so like 12 versus 5, that's going to be more than that, but that's first that's round. That's first round. Yeah, yeah, about the Sweet 16, yeah. yeah. So we have, you know, obviously the 10 seed here in Michigan State, going a uh, 7 seed in Michigan State going up against the 3 seed, and Michigan State being the favorite. That's only happened two times since yeah. 2008. And ironically, one of those times was Michigan State in 2015, and they won. All right, so the thing we got to ask ourselves is, is, there, is this such an aberration? Is Michigan State so good but underrated? Is Kansas State so bad that this is warranted? K-State should be a five. Michigan State probably should be a six. So we're saying the seeding is off. Except- yes, but it's not off by that much. It's just off. I mean, it should be. I still think Kansas State should be the better team. I think what's Ken Palm got? They got the Kansas State minus one. Yeah. Worth yeah. noting but- that Kansas State is has the best ATS record of any team still left in the tournament. 23 and 11 on the season. All right. So to me, this shows you, and Ken Palm shows you, is imagine a situation where there was some kind of, uh, I don't know, baby that picked games. It would crawl and like point its you know head at something. They've right? done that. All right. Yeah. Dogs. It, you said you've done it? Uh, I mean, maybe. No. <laughs> you were just taking orders. <laughs> if somehow this baby won 30 in a row. All right, and then the baby picks Michigan State in this game. What do you, what's going to happen to the line? There's going to be an artificial movement. This is a narrative to whatever degree it's legitimate, and I think I got to admit it somewhat feels legitimate, and I should have seen it before. Is it worth three points? Like, like let's assume that Ken Palm's numbers are what we you know accurate. Well, you got a one point favorite that's now a two point dog. It's going to pick him, so but why? It's Izzo. Well, how much is Izzo worth? It can't. I mean, can't be worth that much. You know, and I'm, I'm going to go back to just common sense handicap. My my buddy, the, the eight of clubs. All right, mm-hmm. very good better. Um, and he was always an advocate. He's like, write down the opening spreads, you know, or Monday morning spreads on all these games, and then compare it. And then if you see a big difference, never be laying like an extra point or more on that game when when there's no injuries, nothing has changed, and nothing has changed. You could have laid one. So if I if like as a betting syndicate, I'd be embarrassed to lay two. It just can't be right. It's you got to bet Kansas State or you got to pass this game. Now did he um, did he pick the eight of clubs as his nickname or was it given to him? He picked it because he. No, I understand. He wants to be nondescript, and he feels that's the most nondescript um, deck card in the deck. Yeah. So yep. I wonder how long he sat there in his motel room when he came up with this, saying, "Is it a four of diamonds? Is it an eight of clubs?" Like, like, the, club, the club it's was a immediate. Card. It has exactly. to be a club, but the question was, should it be the five of clubs or the or the eight of clubs? Seven's too you know a lucky uh-huh. number. Four is he had but the eight's like right in the middle. Right? Yeah, so he had five, six, and eight of clubs. They and he sat finalists. there and delivered. Yeah, and they went with the eight. See, I. I wanted to know, and now I know. Somehow it's, we got an answer to that. All right. I mean, so, eight just sounds better. I mean, who calls themselves the five of clubs? Eight, if you're heavy set, like but when we when I used to golf, when someone would get an eight, it'd be like, he got the snowman. Yeah, the snowman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe the six would have been better. I think yeah. six would be better. Yeah. Yeah, the eight. I'm going to talk see, to him about that. Change his name. Yeah. Probably too <laughs> but, late but Here's now. the problem. He's branded. If you're having, yeah, if you're having a name that, Thought out. Wouldn't you have one that would easily lend itself to a nickname? 
Like yeah, it's eight the eight of, of clubs. But also, eight you shouldn't of, give yourself hold on, hold on. Eight of clubs takes like, that's a mouthful. That's like Rothschild, eight of clubs. Like, it'd be like, hey, Spader, or hey. Uh, it goes by Londo also. Londo. What does that have to do with eight of clubs? <laughs> it's shorter. If you want to say it's short, you call him Londo. Lon. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, man. I'm sorry. What were you going to say, AJ? I was going to say, who's giving themselves their own nicknames anyway? That's not supposed to be. T-Bone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, is it an ironic tiny? Like, is he a big guy? Or is he small guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, so, Fez, I, I got to tell you, I like Florida Atlantic, and I like Kansas State. I'm going to go against Izzo. I don't know. We'll see. I'll tell you at the end. Next game. Arkansas, Connecticut, Connecticut, three and a half. Now, this is the first favorite that's gone down. They opened four. Now, let's see what the note says. Uh, opened at five o'clock on Sunday, and it moved by that night. So the next five or six hours, it moved up to, or down from four to three and a half. So early overnight action, but not right off the go. What do you got? Best bet. Oh, all right. Well, hold on. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Okay, I'm gonna predict who you're gonna bat. Now here's the thinking. Connecticut, you didn't like them because they were gonna run into Kansas. Arkansas is physical, and this is the kind of team when you see them in person and they win, you buy in. I bet you like Arkansas. He likes Connecticut. Connecticut minus Ooh, three. I'm, I'm happy. I Connecticut has the minus next uh, to it. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't just play. I favorite. caught shit last week for picking too many uh, dogs. The dogs aren't short enough last week. Uh, they do. Uh, this was a mixed bag. <laughs> a mixed bag. I'm interested in this. Uh, Arkansas, I think, is overvalued off the Kansas win. They got whatever they wanted inside against Kansas. That's not how things work against Connecticut. Connecticut is beefy down low. You are not going to score on them in the But paint. hold on. You thought Kansas was the best team in the country, right? Or one of the best. You... I, I thought Kansas was one of the best teams in the country, yeah. So if you go down and dominate down there, is it going to be like, okay, now Connecticut's going to be so much better than Kansas? Well, if you remember, like, Kansas... That when the and you called this kind of the Bill, you, not even yeah. kind of you called it the Bill Self thing ended up mattering. They didn't have Bill Self on the court for that second game. He coached the first game, did not coach the second game. I think it mattered. Well, yeah. Uh, if it doesn't matter, then we shouldn't talk about these coaches. Yeah, um, probably doesn't matter against Howard. Oh. Yeah, 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 that's what I was saying. It probably doesn't matter against Howard. But that's it, what you thought in that Purdue game. I think it's true. <laughs> That hurt, but cle- <laughs> too soon. <laughs> clearly, clearly, it mattered here. And respect to Arkansas, <laughs> get up and leaving. But from a matchup, <laughs> but from a matchup standpoint, this is just a different scenario. Uh, you're not going to be able to get inside against this team. UConn dominant on the boards. Arkansas has no answer for that. They can't. They're not a good rebounding team. And as much as I talked about how Arkansas is more talented than they've performed mm-hmm. because they've got these two lottery picks on their team. They're both freshmen, and they're both playing terribly in the tournament. Well, and if you win and you're playing terribly, isn't that upside? It, it is, but then the thought is, are they playing terribly because they're freshmen? And when your two best guys are so five of 18. So they're two best guys playing like shit. Yes. That's pretty damn good. It is. And you're saying, I want to fade that team. I do want to fade that team. All right. All right. Uh, and Arkansas, 314th in three-point percentage. When you can't score at the basket, which I don't think they can against UConn, you got to be able to shoot. 
they are not able to shoot. So with your two best players as freshmen, I think it's it's too much for them. So I like UConn minus three and a half. So I like a play in this game, and okay. it's the first half under. Uh, Eric Mus- this game. Eric Musselman has coached 15 NCAA tournament games. The first half under is 11 and four in those games. Okay. I think especially as an underdog, he's going to want to slow things down. And AJ said they can't shoot the three, so I'm not worried about them scoring from the outside. And if they're not going to be able to get rebounds, I don't worry about second chances. So I think we can have a low-scoring first half, total 64-and-a-half. Now, Ken Palm has this at six for Connecticut. Yeah. Now, well, Remember, analytics love UConn. Okay. They're, they're number four team in Ken Palm, UConn is. But what I'm saying is, is I thought the Ken Palm numbers were the de facto numbers and the things vary by a half point maybe. I mean, this is now ama- this is two and a half points. Now, and this is kind of what you pointed out last week, all these dogs are a little bit shorter in the tournament mm-hmm. than they would be in the regular season. Okay, okay. Um, this goes to show you how a line move, each little half point feels innocent, but Tennessee opened up four, Connecticut opens up four. It ticks down one tick for Connecticut, ticks up a couple, Three for Tennessee. Now one team's laying five and a half. Other team's laying three and a half. Man, that's a big. That's a difference. And I, I guess in general, it's just every half point matters. Um, huh. Huh. Let me see Connecticut's second game here. I kind of liked. Boy, I, I, I again, I thought they beat they beat St. Mary's seventy to fifty five. So it wasn't even close, huh? Nope. And St. Mary's beat VCU, Iona. Huh. Did you see that thing with Patino? He says, it, the headline says, I earned it. I mean, it's like, I, I, I mean, they have a, uh, you can be diagnosed a narcissist. It's like, he, he seems very, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a psychologist, but it just seems like he's, I mean, he, you think he'd have a little bit of like those kids, he just left those kids. The kids that he said, this is my last job. When did he say that? Uh, like a year and a half ago. I mean, yes. I mean, it's it's the most Rick Patino thing ever to say, and then leave the next year. It, it makes total sense. Wait, it just seems like they're. But I don't know. If so, you know, he said in his introductory press conference, "quote The one thing I want to be honest with is a lot of the players probably won't be back on this team because they're probably not a good fit for me." End quote. But I like that in a way. <laughs> I like that in a way. I mean, that's like the same thing Deion Sanders said. Like, is that how he said? Yeah, it? basically, like. A lot of you ain't going to be here. <laughs> see, I, see, i got to be honest with you. In general, people that try, and I think this is a, a societal problem now. People, Fez is back. You okay, bud? I'm good. <laughs> he is, in general, to be great. Like, let's look at Belichick, for example, right? Is... He's tough, right? He, you know, supposedly talks to, like, a guy once a year, maybe. You know, that kind of, him and Brady never had dinner. And it's like you could either say, oh, let's try to sugarcoat this and make it like I'll give you Elon Musk. Right? Somehow Elon's become this huge political thing, which, again, I don't understand it. But he went into Twitter and he said, most of you guys aren't going to be working here because I'm going to work you so hard you're going to want to run away. If someone's honest about that. And I would hate them to be deceiving about that. Now, if you're not a worker, then you pack and you go looking for another job. If you are, you're thinking the Marines, right? What is the, what does the Marines represent? The few, the proud, the Marines. It means, and I've met more than a few Marines. They take, I mean, they can be six years old. They take pride in it. Sure. And 
and you know why? Because it's hard. Like it, they like it. Some people like things that are hard. But when I joined Twitter, it wasn't hard. It's then only when this Musk guy took over. But how? What? But no. How? How's Twitter hard? It wasn't until how's Musk it hard took, now. Because Musk took over, and he has a whole different like. But what's different? Expectation. But what's? But he what? wants me to work all night and not go home. What are you talking about? No, he's not talking about him. He's talking about as a worker at Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking you were the game got about... no. The game got changed on the on the poor Twitter employees. Yeah, and he said yeah. he told. But so what, I'm confused. What's your point? Well, it's a little unfair to the the the, the Twitter employees that 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 the, uh, the new owner like dictates like that it's going to be like the Marines. It's unfair to the guys who haven't been working hard that now they're being asked to work hard. No, they're being asked to like like work overnight to meet deadlines. Like, don't leave the office, sleep on the couch. Oh, or they can quit. Yeah, I mean, I I think any employer. I mean, I guess there's certain limitations. Exactly. With, but but I don't think it's it's I don't think that having a pull an all nighter is one of them. I mean that the, that the government would come in and say this is unfair labor practices. I mean I think in general that you I here's what I know to be different isn't bad, but somehow some way and I don't care if it's different. A guy doesn't have. Let's go the complete opposite way. There's those types in their late twenties. You probably know some Scott in New York that they just don't. I, you never even. They never thought of getting a job. I, you don't know how they made money. Yeah, it's not so much even their bunch of scammy. Mean, maybe they're selling DVDs out the back of their coop, the, <laughs> the Crown Vic, whatever they're. Doing. Who was the guy that sold the jewelry in town? You know the poker player. He was always oh, Sam yeah, 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 yeah. Angel. Yeah, he was. He was in uh, high stakes poker. Uh, Elia Lazar. He never had a job, right? No, but I, I, th- I yeah, I think I, I think no, he did uh, real estate development. Mm. I think, but Ellie was a favorite in those games. I played two five with Ellie once, or, or five ten down at the GVR. He just came in. It was right in his heyday. He wasn't even looking at the hands. <laughs> but um, you know the type, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of respect them. Like if you're committed to it and you're willing to accept, hey, you probably don't have health insurance. You, probably, you know, I mean, it, you know, it all comes at a cost. But I just think it's it's cool. To, I don't know if it's cool to be different. I think if you're different, be di- if you have two choices. If you're different, you can fake what you are, or be something true to yourself and be different. I think any country that makes it hard to be yourself in those cases is a it's a bad thing. And and to me. Some working environments are going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Some are going to be easy. Some are going to be, you know, and I, I like, well, let's be honest, AJ, who among us here would want to invest in a company? If there's two companies, Elon has his ideas, the richest man on earth. And then I don't know, whatever the stereotype of the other idea is, wh- who, where do you want to invest? Fred? I want Elon Musk's company. Right? Yeah. And as a country, we better have some of those guys because you look over in Japan, China, I mean, it does feel like that they're not afraid to work over there. Well, I nope. saw Gung Ho, the movie. They laid it all that, out. That's an old school movie there, buddy. My, uh, what was it? Michael Keaton? Yeah. You know, that was filmed. Thanks. Michael Keaton. That was filmed like 20 minutes before I grew up. I mean, really? that was, yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a rare movie. All right, so what do we got here? Three per- point percentage of the whole off the press. Okay, hot off the press. Okay, so. This is three point percentage or three point rate? This is the three point like the percentage point of the points. Okay. Yes. Okay, so the it looks like the the number. This is for the year? Yes. Thank you. The number, I would think. The number one is Florida Atlantic. Wow, 37% of their points come. Number two, Alabama. Right, that seems right yep. to you. Yeah. Number three, Connecticut, thirty-four percent. 
No. So Connecticut is good inside, but but they were good outside too. Yeah. Great inside defensively, but they they shoot a lot. Who would have wanted to book Iona against them? Fucked up. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> number number four. They're good on the outside. Creighton number four. Princeton five. No, Princeton's five. All right, so let's go to the bottom. Number sixteen, the least reliant. Arkansas. Yep. Oh, that's everything's inside. So don't you? No, because they they like like I said, UConn has two monsters on the interior. It's, it's so how is Arkansas going to score? I don't think they are. <laughs> I gave out the first half on their fest. <laughs> number 15 is UCLA. Number 14, Gonzaga. They're playing each other. 13 and 12 is playing each other. God darn it. All right, so what's the biggest differences? 10 and 2. 10 and 2. So San Diego I, State, Alabama. All right, we'll get to that. And that's the big one. Oh, six, oh we already did Oh, 16 Arkansas. and 3 is Kentucky. Yeah, all right, that's the two. That's, that might be my parlay. But I don't want to go against AJ. All right, next game. Good stuff, McKenzie. All right, next game, and we're now last game on the first day on Thursday. Gonzaga, UCLA. I was surprised at this. UCLA favored by two. Yeah, I like Gonzaga plus two. You uh, like them. I by do. the way, this opened up UCLA minus one, a bet online, and it moved to minus two everywhere by Monday morning. So and it's been it up. The, it up. It's been up to two and nope, a half. No, and no drift. Sudden move. Six forty-five a.m. <laughs> Handicapper gave it out. Moved a point. It said had moved two minus two everywhere by Monday morning. So you're saying it was one everywhere? At the yeah, went from one to two in, okay. in 18 seconds. Yeah. McKenzie, um, you want to, I mean, that's an important distinction to me. Can you, you want to dig in and just clarify? All right, go ahead. And it got up to two and a half at one point, mm-hmm. which again, I, I just don't understand. There's, there's injury woes for UCLA. Uh, you know, obviously being without Clark is one thing. Uh, but Adembona was he, – he's their big, who, the guy who's going to be assigned to Drew Timmy. He was on a minutes restriction against Northwestern, did not look like himself. And then David Singleton is the senior guard, and he turned his ankle badly in that Northwestern game. And I, he's the guy who took Clark's spot in the starting lineup. He is the guy who would be assigned to defend Julian Strother, who is Gonzaga's best wing. I don't know how you can feel good about their health situation here. Northwestern, or UCLA was lucky. Northwestern shot just 27% from three. Uh, the one team that... So hold on a second. Northwestern, UCLA, the line was seven and a half, and the final was five? Yes. So you had UCLA and you were crying about the North no, final? It dropped it. down to six and a half. It was, it was down, I didn't have a, a side in that game. Okay. It closed six and a half. All right. So UCLA crushes UNC Asheville. 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 And then they don't even cover against Northwestern, a Big Ten team that, quite frankly, the Big Ten teams have underperformed, right? One team left. Mm. One of eight. Yeah. And why would UCLA have a total – it was almost like we were like Gonzaga has uh, almost like a walk to the Elite Eight. That was the narrative, right? Because UCLA is so debilitated by their injury. But now because they don't cover against Northwestern, they're now beloved again? What's going on here, Fez? I think part of it is that UCLA won the – they lost in the Pac-12 championship in the title game. They got mm-hmm. to play three games in the um, in, in the same in T-Mobile, and this venue is T-Mobile again. So they get to play in the same venue that they just played three games in. So that's got to be worth something. But, but, but if, if, what is home court worth? Total home court in, in college basketball to you, three? Four. Well, that's high, four? I don't think so. All right. So you're saying I think the advantage for UCLA just just in the familiar shooting environment would only be in the first half. 
because then Gonzaga will get their footing. And, yeah, you know. I don't think it's a binary. It's yeah. going to be a spectrum. But, but the point I'm making is at most you could say familiarity with the venue is a half a point. Because I think you might go one. They got to play three games. I think it was three games, right, AJ? It was three games. I will say this. Um, we were. I mean, I know UCLA will certainly have a crowd. They will, they will travel here. Uh, AJ and I and McKenzie, we were at the West Coast Championship game. And it was like five thousand, six thousand Gonzaga fans there. I mean, it was it, it was a Gonzaga home game. You know, this I'm is, not saying that they they're going to travel down here again, but if they do, it, it's it if would you travel for the tournament. You probably are traveling. For then the then they'll then they'll be here. You then know, they'll this, be this, here in the building. This is a good point. Then it's equal. I think it's going to be equal. Yes, both the the Zaga and the UCLA fans, which is going to be the entire stadium. I think they're going to root for Arkansas in the in the game before against Connecticut because they'd rather have an easier opponent the next round. So that might be a hidden little edge to Arkansas. You think AJ missed that? Yeah. I don't even know if it's true. I don't even. It's got to be true, right? I mean, who would you root for if you had your Buckeyes play? Arkansas looks probably the better team. Oh, everyone. But they look the best off the bus. Don't Connecticut they? has the four by them, and and the Arkansas has the worst seed. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so here's the thing: we either trust our judgment or we don't. I always say you better explain why the line's wrong. This line's wrong. Why? Or I think it's wrong. You're saying let's give it a point. How I I, I agree with you. I, I Gonzaga. I'm, you, I, I have we no confidence UCLA is better than Gonzaga. We were projecting his line out when we were doing that exercise. I think we had Gonzaga like two two and a half. No, we didn't. We we had it like really close to. I me. think it was Gonzaga minus one is what we were we had. Right. We we, right. we we used to half. We said when yeah. we cal- when we calculated Gonzaga's chance of winning this round, we said and a they've half gotten, against UCLA. They've gotten more injured since then. Yes. All right. So that that's exactly what it seems like. Ken Palm says. Let's take a look here. Ken Palm says UCLA by three, but that's not that's a hell. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll ignore that. With the opener, I mean, it feels like that's what I think. Gonzaga should be a small favorite. They're a, more than a small, I mean, a little bit more than a small dog. Like, why aren't we like seller? Why, why aren't we looking to play Gonzaga? I like Gonzaga. I'm I like Gonzaga too. Right. This is also, it's ironic. This game will be played 17 years to the day of the oh, UCLA win over Gonzaga where they Adam Morrison. Yeah, the Adam Morrison crying. Yep. Now, now I and, believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in the final four didn't Gonzaga beat UCLA a couple yeah, years ago? Yeah, on the Jalen Suggs half court shot. I don't think that really matters, but if they're if it yeah, a little revenge for These UCLA. These teams have history. Here's the thing, and you Fez mentioned the venue that they played the Pac twelve championship in. Do you remember who they lost to in the final, Fez? Arizona. And who's the coach of Arizona? Tommy Lloyd. Do you remember where he coached two years ago? I do not. Gonzaga. He was a 20-year assistant to Mark Few. Mm. Arizona is built after Gonzaga. They are poor man's Gonzaga, and UCLA went 1-2 and two against Arizona this year. In the now, that's a handicap, folks. I like that. I like that. I, I get a kick out of, like, Arizona's a poor man's Gonzaga, but Arizona was, like, as good as Gonzaga. They're, like, the same, right? Uh, I don't think Arizona's as good as Gonzaga. Mm. And, and Arizona was so banged up come tournament time. Yeah, it's a good well, point. You can't forget, he has a hard-on for Gonzaga. Yeah. I've never seen. I mean, he, every, I mean, the irony is, in my long shot bracket, I got the Zags winning. Mm-hmm. I made myself not put Gonzaga in the, in the so, championship. So game. what I wanted to do was have them win, just so I could rub it in your face. It'd be ironic when, when Gonzaga wins this game. We'll be like, ah, oh, you see it. We, we knew they couldn't win. They're, I, they're all injured. I struggled. They had trouble against Northwestern. I struggled with how many upset because I thought the Alabama. My my thought is, if you're going chalk, I think Houston, Alabama, at least before the tournament. Again, I think Houston has disappointed me a little bit. I thought they were the clear two best teams. But can you really have a long shot bracket if you've got 
like ones, all ones and twos. And, you know, no. again, I've, my ones are still alive, right? So I've got, uh, you know, Alabama, I've got in both all the brackets, Houston making the final four. Um, yeah, if it was a true long shot bracket, you would have had like UConn winning the national championship. Yeah, or so something. why? And again, Gonzaga, I think at twenty, what were they, twenty five to one? Twenty five to one. That's well, enough of a long shot. It was ten to one before the turn, the NCAA tournament started. And or they were twelve 25 to, one. to one. Twelve to one. They were twenty five to one back when we gave them out on the pod here, which was a couple weeks before. Yeah. Yep. So what? What made them move so much in that? They time? they murdered St. Mary's. St. Mary's. And St. Mary's just got crushed. I mean, St. Mary's wasn't very good. Maybe that concerns us about Gonzaga. I mean, the fact St. Mary's went down so easy in round two here, huh? Doesn't that concern you against? Uh, I no, because Gonzaga against blew them out. Also, Gonzaga beat them worse. Yeah, but you still would want them to look good. Yeah, yeah. The better they look. Sure. All right, so what? Let's go the other way. What? Why not play? Like what? What stop? What are we missing? Maybe from thinking fade in UCLA here? Because I mean, this seems like the best bet to me. Final Four revenge venue uh, familiarity who remembers that maybe a little more crowd, but it's going to be minimal. There will be a lot of Gonzaga fans. Yeah, I it, are we really saying UCLA fans in twenty twenty three are more rabid than Gonzaga? Yeah, I shouldn't be. I it should be equal. So. Should be equal. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that. That's the the more energized program. The Zags mm, yeah. right now. So what? Like, make the case. I mean, what? What? I'm not making a case for UCLA. I mean, I guess the only case could be. I, when when this came out and it was Gonzaga plus one, Fez and I were texting and I was like, "There's no way this can be one. It's it's going to go down to pick." And I was wrong, obviously. And Fez was like, "I can get you plus two. Do you want five hundred at plus two? And I said, "No," because now I'm having second thoughts. Jesus, but you're never going to win. I mean, what I'm saying is, if 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 the line moves, like if it would have went to pick, you would have said, "Damn, missed the number." Yeah, it go, and it goes the other way. <laughs> sharp money against sharp, me. I mean, it's like at some point, one, you don't even if it's right before the game goes, then you can feel like, okay, that's the move, but. Two three days ahead, you never never know if it's a fake a fake move. There's going to be syndicates that disagree. He here's what I would. This is he's re, he's um he's encountering. I think a common thing is you go from being a serious amateur batter to a professional, and that's not an easy jump. I think one of the factors is you want to respect like you're oblivious. You're down in Houston. You're oblivious to sharp money. You're 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 handicapping by yourself. You're on a you know boards whatever you're doing, reading this rivals whatever. But you're doing your thing, and then you bet. And maybe the next day you hear oh there was a lot of steam on the lines or whatever. Now you're trying to think, oh, I'm hearing about this. Now how do I integrate it into what I'm doing? And you don't want to be disrespectful. I think in general, when someone got to the point for a reason, like you did, I mean, handpicked by me, is it's a situation where you got to trust your way. And that's one thing Dave Esler always does that I love. He comes to Vegas, Diamond Dave, Uncle Dave, and... I'll be honest with you. He, he he grew up in Boston. He was he was running with a tough crowd in Boston. I was just say it like that. But he's like five. I don't know what is he. Is he even five ten? He's like a shorter guy, and he's like maybe one hundred and thirty pounds. Like he's real thin, like a healthy older guy. And he comes in and he looks like a bumpkin in a way. He just he's not a guy that's going to spend a lot of money on like clothes or whatever. And sits down. It's Matt Holt, me, Fez. He just bats. He just bats against us like it doesn't even pause, 
and the guys like you know it's funny Matty Holt thought he was like, oh, a sucker came to town. And Esler beat him like two straight, you know, times he was here. <laughs> and he's like, I'll tell you that, Esler. No. And, and they say, wouldn't you say, Fez, that one of his strengths is he doesn't try to worry about what he's missing so much as he's got his way and he's proved him, proven to himself it wins and he's going to go with it. Yeah, he doesn't lose sight of the forest from the trees. That he, he just look at a game and he's like, I'll use an example. Like, Fairway Dickinson was playing Florida Atlantic. Like, that would be the game where, like, people would be like, oh, it opened 12 and all this money came in on the favor and went up to 16. And Dave Esser would just say, that's a stupid number. How can, <laughs> how can I be getting 16? That's, you know? It's, there's something to It's almost like um, the movie uh, Sling Blade. There's sometimes that simple minded is good. And here's what I would say, AJ, is the thing that people forget is, and let's just use this game as an example. UCLA plus two is a great bat, probably. And UCLA, or I'm sorry, Gonzaga plus two is probably a great bat, in my opinion. I think that's well said. I, I would love either team plus two. And you know what? I can If this line was pick and we'd be doing the pod right now, I'd oh, say, RJ, if I could just get two on either one of these teams, I'll let the odds makers decide. Well, they have decided. Give me the effing two. Now, I agree with all that. And, and, but the point is, the sharps are sharp in decimal places, right? The whole thing, like these guys that are advantage players, Fez, and you know, they, they what was that guy's name? Gross Gene, and all these, you know, all these advanced guys. They're talking about one little math mistake that someone in Iowa made on, oh, if we actually then do this here and we surrender here, we can guarantee ourselves 0.3%. And that's what they live their That's how they build. They're, you know, I don't know, fortune. Sometimes it's a fortune. That's how they earn their living. When Grosteen plays blackjack, gets a pair of fives. He doesn't double down. He just puts the chips up. Okay. One out of 50 dealers, wax him with the card. If, if that dealer gives him a six, he looks at him and says, I was splitting. <laughs> got to ask. If you don't ask, you, uh, you, you, you've got a call option on the split, that basically. That is advantage play. Now, now, he's considered one of the, the thinkers when it comes to the most advanced stuff, right? Oh, there's a reason his book goes for $1,000 instead of for free on the internet, yes. And, and, and it's, none of it is, is, is obvious stuff, because if it was obvious, it wouldn't mm. you know, take his book. But it also is... <sighs> It's not like, like, I still think the gambler, and I, I don't think AJ saw the gambler. I think it did a disservice when he was in the movie theater and he had that one. Remember, he was short of money and he told one of the bookies he was friends with, he says, I need a winner tonight. And he says, mm -hmm. All right, he goes, Play. I think it was mini. Lakers. Could, but it wasn't the one in the pool or, or when he was, I'm sorry, in his tub. Yeah, that's what he went. He went. Lakers in that game too. Okay, yeah. maybe it was that. And he goes, "It'll be it'll be off the board before whatever." Yeah. And it was like the game was like thirty, and maybe back then I don't know, but I mean it was the early seventies. But like the assumption was, there's multiple fixed games every night. Mm. There's multiple game, and it's like it's not like that. Like the best betters in the, I mean, what should prove that more than anything is the effort Billy makes to allegedly to manipulate the line. Wouldn't need that if he had yeah, a if sure he, winner. If yeah, that points didn't matter. Why is he yeah. spending opening up like call centers allegedly in Mexico mm -hmm. in order to you know so it would be out of U.S. jurisdiction allegedly? I don't know, but I I know for sure that, that that's how you win is the half points, and I also know it's how you win is you can't. Over, I don't think you can overly respect the market. 
I, I get that that runs contrary. Well, closing line value is not, especially when there's a lot of public money, like like Florida Atlantic minus 14. What great closing line value. Close 16. Never had a chance. Well, closing line value. I, I've and I still respect it here. in the NBA or in the NFL. I mean, I, I still have a lot of respect for it. What I've if I've learned anything from this college basketball season is closing line value is useless. Like I, I was I, ask Fez overnights. I put my plays out and I, I bet my games overnight. And sometimes I've got two or two and a half points of CLV the next day. And there's. There's two, like you said, it's too high variance of a game for CLV to be the gospel. Alabama minus 21 and a half, round one, close 24. You know what they win by? 21. No dice. No All good. Right, so, so I think what you're saying is, well, I know, well, I strongly feel what you're saying is extreme. Hmm. Here's why I think to pick off where the closing line value maybe is gospel and it maybe is oversold is easier. And then I think in the you know come May we do a whole podcast on this mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I think that where I learned is here's the funny thing: as much as I don't like closing line value as the gospel, I hate the idea of betting a bad number off of the <laughs> open because I do think you got to show some respect. To the even the odds makers, because again, that world opener, there's a reason they're opening up. I agree world. with that. So, uh, but usually that's the softest number too. That's that's con- it feels contradictory. It's not. It's got to get respect, but it's not as sharp as the future line. So, so like one year South Point opened a game of the year, Houston, uh, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and they opened at seven. I don't even remember who they had. This was favorite. like in June or whatever. Yeah, and and went all the way to pick. Mm-hmm. You know what? And at that point, you're almost like you know the South Point guys aren't that incompetent. They put up a bad number, but it wasn't seven points wrong. So. Yeah, no, so wins by seven, though. So, yeah. So, bet Notre Dame, pick them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in general, I think – so, I, I think one is where, where it's illiquid. There's been a lot of – I mean, Fez, you're, you're, you're like a madman, actually, is like – for me to lay, you know, you were laying what forty to win one on your uh, five fifty, five thousand, five five thousand to win a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've already laughed at it. Now you like bring it up again and laugh again. No, no, it's no, just no, cruel. It's just the, I'm just thinking about that, the stack and then a little hundred. You know, I had I had I had, I, I, I had a, my, my man call me and he was he went over my figures and he's like, "Yep, you broke even for the week." And I was like, I, God, I hope he doesn't realize I hit like 88. I hit like 75% of my bets. But when you say the man, I don't know what what a casinos call you and check yeah, numbers. That's, that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah. weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you got Jeff, figure? Jeff Benson checked up on me, made sure I wasn't like going to jump off the bridge. Oh, I'm, yo, they don't want to, that. He wants to make sure that 20,000 deposits coming. <laughs> they, he said, you, got a bene- you need to sign this said, beneficiary. Did you, did you and the wife need a nice meal? Yeah, you, need a ben- you need a beneficiary. <laughs> a bridge jumper. Um, there's times Fez will start firing like 20 bets on something that is like he got a strat theory on and one of his people do. And I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to spend the night looking at these. Then I'm going to pick three of the games and maybe like, you've got some baseball stuff that I think is going to be interesting next week. Scott does. We're going to talk a lot of baseball and I think there's some bets to be made. Overs. And, and you you got a best mm. bet already. I do. Um, this week. But to me, I'm going to get all those bets and I'm going to pick two or three of them. That's my style. Cause I'm not And the difference is I'm not, my loan money isn't coming from batting, and I don't need the volume as much. 
if you're going to make your nut from that, the volume is vital, right? And in a way, you've got to have le- be less discerning with your batting. I like to have fewer bats and be more confident, right? But I can't win as much. My Theo is less, but... The, the, Let me address that oh, yeah. because the Theo, and this is sobering. Let's assume you like work really hard, come up with fifty solid fifty four percent bets, mm-hmm. and you bet ten thousand on them. You only betting when you really love a game. Mm-hmm. All right, your ROI is only three mm-hmm. percent. You're only making three hundred bucks. Okay, so if you come up with like two of these bets a week, you're never going to make nothing. Well, that's the question. Is it augmenting your money, mm-hmm. or, or is it, or is it the source of the money? Right. And here's the catch twenty two. It's almost impossible for that person to lose. Right? Yeah, I agree with that. With you, and again, you've avoided it, but I mean, and that's why you're one of the best. But And I say that, since, I mean, obviously I'm sincere about it, but boy, the chance of you, I mean, because you could have lost all four of those 16 ones. Sure, that, sure. That, and, and now I will say, <laughs> I actively manage games really well live. Uh-huh. Like, I pay a lot of attention to my yeah. big bets. Yeah. Like, like for instance, I, I bet big on Duke against Tennessee, mm-hmm. and it's like clear to me, Oh my God! Tennessee's winning this game. I'm watching this game. I'm like, get me the hell off of Duke. And this is this is an example of how we are big fans, obviously, of our premium products and you know Fazal Access, you know AJ, etc. Um, but we also try to teach you on this pod how to, you know, like the idea. We didn't finish. The, well, I guess we did finish the story. Is we ended up catching the middle because we had Gonzaga to make the Sweet 16 and TCU on that very just three pointer at the end. It was just variance even. All in that. It was all in that. <laughs> and we, you know, so we middled it, right? And that was nice. Is we try to, te- I mean, the, I think what we did, or I mean, mostly what Fez did um, with the first to 15 was a wonderful exercise. We already got a good bet off of it. Is but like to me, it shows you if you arm yourself with the logic behind these moves, you can apply them to anything. And I think I would say this: we take more time with that than any show I know. And, and the beauty of that is, you can use that once you get the process down. Then you can use it the rest of your life to price every one of these. You can yeah. bet with Fez or like Fez or both. Now you won't quite be like him, but you'll be like mm-hmm. a, a carbon copy, maybe that's eighty-five percent as good, but. It's like we give you both options, and and I'm proud of that, and and I'm proud to have someone as good, you know, quite frankly, as good as Faz at what he's doing. You were on a podcast um, a while back, right before the Super Bowl, in which they the, the guy tried to attack you or something. Yeah, that was the strangest thing. Is I was on Rob Pizzola's, um circles. Okay, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Rob was very, you know, he was a poly- his co-host. He was actually well, first of all, if it's your co-host, you're kind of responsible. Tell, yeah, I but mean, he actually on the he he was like he was. But he, that's he good cop bad cop sometimes. Said, but too. but he said to me, it's, it's like it's like Vic Mackey the, the the criminal says, "Are you a good cop or the bad cop?" And and Vic's like, "I'm a different kind of cop." And then he beats the hell out of this pedophile. But um, so but, are you the pedophile in this case? I, I think I am. In this, <laughs> if I draw the analogy, but uh, yeah, Johnny gave me a rough time, and Rob was actually you know being good cop. He's like, "Well, wait a minute." That's what you I'm know. saying. It's easy to sit there. I mean, he's again, like, "Why don't you have? Why don't you well, have like let's think a hundred million dollars to bet with?" If you're was so he good. suspended from the show? 
the the co-host that was so out of line. No, he was right back. So it seems like he was right in line then, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. He's he, anti. He's anti pick seller. You know. Well, it's, it's, it's but that's the whole point. Right? One, Biased. if you invite someone on, yeah. there's a certain level of uh, cordialness. You don't like. I there's handicap or there's people I don't like. I would never have on this podcast. I don't even know personally, but I would say I don't want that guy on. He's like, if you make ten thousand dollars a month, how come you don't have a, a like like a gajillion dollar bankroll? And I'm like. I, I said, are you are you single? <laughs> do, well, you have, I, do you have a wife? Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a son that goes to a private school for two thousand dollars a month? You know, it's like these bills kind of add up. Ten thousand a month's not enough. So, so here's what I would say: one, the old, um, well, why would you not just do it yourself if you can win so much? Is really one of the more brain dead things ever said, because it's like, well, wait a minute, if I can bet myself. And there's enough liquidity in the market that I can give it to other people and make a fact, not a percentage in practice, but in a way, a percentage of what they're betting because, hey, they're paying you. You're winning for them. Okay. It's not being paid off a percentage. Or let's even forget the percentage. Just say you're getting compensated for the premium content. Exactly. And I I think. Hold on a second. Mm -hmm. Is. To me, to not see that clearly, to need to be even explained that when you have, let's say, Warren Buffett, what does Warren Buffett do? He invests a lot of his money, but a, but his money is a tiny fraction of Berkshire Hathaway's because mm-hmm. he'd rather have his money and everyone else's and then take a percentage off of that, but do right by them by winning, by profiting, not winning enough. So the idea, it's like it really is a great example. This whole if you're a mutual fund manager. I mean, obviously, you're investing your own money. Why would you have to like manage a mutual fund to get rich? Yeah, for Why sure. not? Why and not then, do both? And then the idea of, let's say, Jimmy the Greek or whatever back in the day, but let's say, okay, NBC comes along and says, uh, hey, maybe we need a gambling expert, so it should be so-and-so. And no, 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 I'm a ga- I bet. I, why would I give my information online or, or on TV? It's like, well, because they pay you X hundred thousand and... Okay, maybe it's just like like right there. You can tell it's someone stuck in in like this Neanderthal and uh, Neanderthal. And yeah. I don't think that's exactly. I know it's Neanderthal. Yeah, Pro Magnet. So, yeah, I'm just saying. I was trying to be like uh, you know, it's like Belichickian, you know, Neanderthalian. But I don't think that's working. But either way, it's old. It's old, it, tired thinking. It is, and and the only time I I can somewhat relate is if you're talking about horse horse into a paramutual. Yeah, okay. Then you know you're 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 impacting your own payouts exactly. on. Stuff giving it to people. That's different than sports betting where you lock in your your bets. Now, but then the idea is, okay, if somehow anyone, and let's think, anyone at ESPN, right, is they, they're a lot of stuff's behind a paywall. So, okay, you know, at ESPN.com. Well, I guess it's almost all behind a paywall now with the mm. plus or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And then you think about anyone at uh, the athletic, like the picks are a big part of that, right? And mm-hmm. okay, there's so everyone's selling premium content effectively. Yes. So the idea of saying I'm going to attack this the guy a guy who's done it for ten years and 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 been totally transparent like you while working with us and you never sold it before it was like. I, I, I don't have a problem. I was proud the way you handled it. I thought your answers were as good as mine could have been. Really? Yeah. And and I thought you didn't. Now, I would have probably gotten more worked up in you. but I, I got a little worked up. You, see, you heard me. I usually don't. I usually like to own the platform because you never know. Like, mm-hmm. if you win that argument, like, admit, here's a little tip. We should set you up for this. You should always tape whenever you're, you should always tape when you're on air with anyone. Because, mm-hmm. now, listen, if you're on with a New York station, you trust. Okay. But you never 
know, and this is something these smaller guys do if 60 Minutes comes ah, in or whatever. Yes. They got their own person that will film everything they're filming because the theory is they're going to put out what they want to put out, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of times, there'll be, and they cut the interviews a certain way where it makes yes. it look like, and you can say, hey, here's actually the full. And, you know, I'm actually give them, I'll give Rob, and again, I've, I've had good interactions with Rob. I, I will give him credit. It seemed like you really did well in that argument. And, you know, maybe some another place would have said, we're not going to put this out. It just makes us look yes. bad. I mean, I kind of respect that. But I thought you did a good job with it. But in general, I think this anti, this idea, I'm of two minds, though, because, and we, we got too much to go over here, so I'll say it quicker. I feel like I'm seeing the whole industry again from the day one hmm. because every it's almost like there was this whole era and then there was legalization and everything started over. Yes. And and it's like the same mistakes, the same hustles are happening and it's like it's old hat. I've been through it and I I persevered through it and but I look at it now and I think didn't I see this in 96? Mm. I mean, it's like, it feels like a lot. I mean, you still remember when, uh, you know, 95, 90 or 96, 97, the online books, the offshore books got big, Western unions, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, it was a land grab, right? Yep. Now it's another land grab. It's, I mean, we're all grabbing our 20% bonus and wondering if we could trust these guys. And whatever happened to watching a, uh, a boxing match and a guy had golden palace tattooed on his back. Yeah. You know, like, we don't, we don't see that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's know? a good example. Yeah. All right, let's keep rolling. So we got consensus. We we like Gonzaga. I I do. I yeah. I like it a lot. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I guess we were talking about what the way to not. I guess be respectful of the number, but 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 not look at it like every move like it's gospel. And I would mm-hmm. say if it's less liquid props. It's not, it's, I mean, listen, the great Ramadan feast is (laughs) is the great story. We came up on air, the idea that I think we talked about this. I know we have a few times over the years where the guy uh, Adams was it, or who was it that is uh, not Adams. I thought it was. but his faith was such that he would yeah. be unable to drink or eat until the sun went down. And this, and the game started like at five o'clock whatever eastern or whatever so it was a situation where literally right when he could maybe start to eat the game would have just started right so that was the time it was fourth quarter 820 was the sunset okay so yes. so so he it would so we said hey go under him i think it was in portland yeah, yeah. and um the first game, it was like 12 was the over-under for his points. He scored like two. He played like seven minutes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Second game, it went down to like nine. Oh, was it, was it Enos Cantor? Yes, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the guy. And it went down to nine, and he scored like zero. And third game, they didn't put it there, up. There was, there was one game where he literally scored like four points in, the, in, in two minutes of play, and then he got like one more free throw the rest of the way. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the funny thing is the market had no idea. No idea. It adjusted drastically to the first game, and then mm-hmm. I, it came off the board. And to me, it really made me think these, these prop markets aren't near as sharp. Sure. So you can bet later numbers. You don't That's want to make a That's a perfect hack. example yeah. of like a 90% bet. Ramadan starts tomorrow. Oh, is that Ooh. right? Yeah. Is there? Let's look at the NBA. Who should we be looking at? Uh, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving. I think McKenzie could probably do a better job of looking this up ah. with the players, but I think... Jalen Brown, really? I think Jalen Brown's a practicing Muslim, oh. yeah. Huh. And Kyrie Irving. I tell you, I actually... I'm going to take a look at the... I actually think the Bucks might have some value here. I think, that, I think the Celtics are, like, out of it. I, like, I really think they're playing so poorly. It's going to be... And I think Philly's playing so well... 
that whoever has to play that two three, uh, the the one the one seed's going to have a huge advantage in the East because there's three good teams. Yes. And I, I mean, I don't know if the Cavs are next or what, but it's not near as challenging, mm-hmm. I don't think. All right, four more games. Miami, Houston, Drake. It opened seven. Ugh. It's currently seven. Houston favorite. Lean Houston minus seven. Uh, both these teams kind of overcame some things to be here. Miami was 8% to win that game against Drake. Win it. Not cover it. Win it. With four minutes left, they outscored them 16-1 to down the stretch. Houston was down double digits at halftime against Auburn. They were plus 27 in the second half. And I think one thing you could say for Houston, the most positive sign was the health of Marcus Sasser. Scoring 22 points. Uh, he was 5 of 9 from 3 against Auburn. So he's going to be okay. Uh, but, but if you have two games that you underperform in, net-net, did they mm-hmm. co- Houston cover the second game? Even though they were down that much at half? Yeah. Jeez. All right, so it's hard to say they underperform. To me, you would think after the bad first half, the game we bet them in the first round, you would think they'd come out and kill in the second half. They didn't. So disappointment number one. Then you'd think they'd start the next game hot, hot, hot. They didn't. I think the pressure of playing in Houston if they win and that they got this idea that they're supposed to win at home, I, I think it's affecting this team. Let's be honest. If you're from Houston – as a Houston University, you, you're not used to the brightest of bright lights, right? What's your biggest games of the year? I mean, it's Memphis typically. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Lawler's not playing against them. So, I mean, I, I guess my thought is the pre- it doesn't seem like they're responding well to the pressure. You might be right. What else could it be? Yeah. I, had they not had the second half that they had against Auburn, I'd certainly think that was the case. They, they've been regressing. They didn't play well in the conference tourney. They, the East Carolina game where they only up by one and a half, that they get whacked around by uh, Memphis, right? I mean, they've 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 been struck. I know part of it's the Sasser injury, but they've been not as near. They were the best team in the country in January. Mm-hmm. No one's mistaking them for the best well, team in the country now. And remember, Sasser got hurt. Like they they said, okay, we're going to try him out here in this first game against Northern Kentucky. They ran him out there, and he instantly got hurt. Mm-hmm. So things fell apart quickly in that game. And, and then he, I, I didn't want to bet Houston against Auburn because I said I don't, I don't know if Sasser's playing. I can't, I can't count on this guy. And then he came out and had like a, a fantastic game. So I, I assume, you know, four days later he's going to be healthy, good to go. I want to check. I want to check Fez's thought on. No one's mistaken Houston. I would say this: Houston was probably the most popular amongst, in my assessment, the sharp people around that are talking about the NCAA tournament. It, I think Houston was the most popular pick, and it wasn't. It was these people were much sharper than oh, it's in Houston, so they're going to mm-hmm. win. Um, I mean, AJ, th- in your mind, before this tournament, was Houston clearly not the best team? Uh, they um, no, I think they were the best team coming in. No, Al- were- Alabama was clearly the best team. So, so it was, how there would there you was compare those? I, I would say. Uh, <sighs> Because here's the thing: before the tournament, Alabama had by far their worst struggle. There's four straight games that they either lost or in one and underperformed. I, I would say once the once Alabama ran through the SEC tournament, it may have flipped a little bit. Yeah, but if we're changing things over two or three games, we're, we're, well, you're talking about a, a, a teams at the top two, like within a point or two of each other. But 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 by Fez saying they're clearly not the best, he's saying they're not a point. For I, I disagree and, and with I'm them saying, clearly not being the best. That's what I'm saying is is I I think maybe it was because of the Sasser not. 
being uh, the worries that it was going to not be 100 percent the whole tournament. So maybe I'm overreacting to that. Yeah, I, but was that even a worry? The question was he. Well, they said it was as we talked about it was preventative that he didn't play against Memphis. Yeah, I don't know. I all I know is the two the two number one seeds that people loved. Alabama and Houston have survived, and the two seeds that the, the, the two number ones that people were questioning didn't. So, in a weird way, it feels like I mean, I've got let's think about this in my bracket. Um, it's a good point. They were the two clear cut, yeah. They, these are the, these are the ones that we like. No, yes. So, so the, the guy, the gun guy, didn't have any points, zero. No. Yeah. How does that happen? He's hurt, he's hurt. Well, he was he was banged up, yeah. What's his name? Brandon Miller. Okay. The gun guy. Yeah, the gun guy. That's how I remember. Is so is Miller's injury lingering? No. So wait, he Doesn't couldn't he me. couldn't score any points, but a couple days later he's gonna be hundred percent. That doesn't seem right, does it? No. So what's going on? It was it an excuse and he wasn't really hurt, or is he more hurt? That's an interesting thing, huh? Well, he didn't score zero points in their last game. That that was in But coming in the first game, we never heard he was hurt, did we? No. So what was going on? I don't know. Secrets. Hmm. All right. So this game, I jumped in Houston, Miami. It's seven. Continue. Yeah. So Miami. Then the reason why I lean Houston is Miami was able to bully Indiana in a way that they won't be able to bully Houston. Uh, Miami got really whatever they wanted in the paint, and they were plus seventeen on the boards. That that's not going to work against Houston. Houston top 5 is a top 5 defense well, first. We're talking the first round too. And they're a top they're top 3 against two point shots and they're the best they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Miami 2 and 5 this year when they lose the rebounding battle, 21 and 1 when they are mm. when they win or they're even on the glass. Houston has a plus 7 and a half rebound margin and a top 5 rebound rate. I just don't see the path for Miami here. All right, so I'm going to double back. One of the things we've discovered through some analysis is how much more important defense is to offense. Now, that is so shocking in 2023 when, it's especially the NFL offense is king. Let's take a look at whose ratings are most affected by their defense and who's most affected by their offense. Because in theory, one we want to play on, one we want to look to play against. So number one defense is Tennessee. So this idea of Tennessee and, you know, they have the number one D uh, and their offense is 60. So yeah. think about that. Okay. Now. Uh, the anti-Gonzaga. Now, if we look at um, Michigan State, Kansas State, same kind of thing. Defense 17 for K-State and their offense 47. So that's a defensive team. So another reason to like Ken, uh, Kansas State there, I think. Um Ooh, Arkansas. Boy, AJ, it's like everything's lining up against this Connecticut. What's the current number? Three and a half. Yeah, you give me it's three and a half minus 15. Give me four, and I'll green button you. And here's the thing. It's no VIG. So if you like the game, it's better for you to be four no VIG than, you know, it's instead of minus 110. But I can get three and a half. No, and you have to lay 110. So how much is how much is a half point worth? It's not worth ten cents. Eight cents. Yeah. So you're getting two cents of value. So it's like you're getting minus three and a half lay one oh eight. Yeah. It's like you're getting three and a half or one oh seven even. And it, it it's an opportunity to get to, to it's you're the one with the best bet. So it's like you're getting multiple cents of value. Well, you've got a chance to push the button on my best bet. 
Yeah, except I'm not going to take a worse number than what's available out in the market. You're getting a better number than what's available in the market. I'm getting a number that's widely available in the market. All right, how's this sound? I'll take I'll take plus three and a half, and you give me plus one ten. I'll give you plus one hundred five. Wait a minute! You just said you didn't like the other way. Did you see the flaw in the thing? I do. Okay, so like you said, I'd rather three and a half minus one ten. Okay, I'll give it to you. I don't want that. I mean, I'm giving you either two. Speaking of minus one five, really important here locally, South Point Sweet Sixteen. How's it more important? Why do you always step in when I'm trying to get a bet? (laughs) Why do you always step in when I'm trying to get a bet? You're going to get a bet. He's going to say yes or he's a pussy. (laughs) The uh, the South Point is dealing on sides minus one hundred five on every on every. You could never have waited five sides. That that would have never sat for another five minutes. Go ahead. I mean, like, we'll give you a notebook and you write it down so you don't forget. Now, if you don't want it, like, you, I don't want to bully you. I just thought you liked your best bet. You I have it. action on my best bet at minus three and a half. And you, and the Kelly says you can't have any more. So, you, so I'm offering you a better number. Than You're you asking have. me to take a worse number How? than I have. I don't. Ha- I don't have no, any he's, minus he's four. He's giving you a better number. I'm saying take he's giving three you a better and a half. Number. At minus 108. Because you laid at minus three and a half, lay a dollar 10 because no, you didn't go to the. I, I bet minus three, minus 110. Thank you. Oh, All right. Yeah. Okay. Correct. I endorse that. CLV. So, CLV. <laughs> that's good. So the conclusion is no bet. That's that, for whatever all the pomp and circumstance. I had the green button. Here it is. I'm tapping it right against the mic. It was ready to push. All right. Okay. Um, Hey, what's going on at the South Point, Fez? <laughs> they have a dollar fifty hot dog. It's really good. Line is too long. I mean, are you, they listen, still don't let me bet. You want me to call up Andrews and get you back in there? Because I mean, Jesus! I ran into my man Vinny, and oh, Vinny, and, and then the last thing Vinny says to me, Maliulo, as he's he's like, oh, "I'll be seeing you at the counter, right?" And I'm like, "I think you got to talk to Chris about that, Vinny." So there you so, go. There, there we go. I'm saying I'm I'm doing I'm doing an ad read in between right, when you're trying to get a bet. <laughs> Even if it was a read, you wouldn't have done that. All right. Well, at least you broke the momentum enough to stop him. Um, <laughs> you, th- you know he's not going to bet you. So if I get any money from him, it puts it in. I thought he was gear. an MMA guy, not a wussy boy. But I mean, really, he was. Listen, I get Wait, it. Do MMA guys just stick their face out to get punched? Pretty no. much. How would it? Be Pretty much from with? what I've seen. But you do. You do agree that that both the cases were better than minus three, minus one ten, or three and a half minus one ten. So, yeah, if you bet some magic number you got in pocket, and I believe it. You know why I believe it? Because you've told us about 25 numbers you missed. So the fact that you got this number, tell you, I mean, I hope it falls four just to make you. I mean, you're going to feel so proud if it falls. I hope it falls three, so then you push, because that's when the difference would have mattered. Well, that's the question. Would you rather fall three and your, your line shopping actually save you your bet? I'd rather win. Okay. Next up. So what is your opinion on this Houston? Uh, lean what? Lean Houston. That's a big number, man. It but is. Ken Palm had it nine. So like, once again. I think the, the market is with you kind of down on Houston after these first two games. Mm. But it's also you're saying that in general the tournaments. Mackenzie, do me a favor. Let's look, um, let's look 21 and 22 only. How have favorites and dogs done? Just keep it simple. All rounds. Favorites and dogs, and and split this year out. So I guess split both. I mean, if you have two years and you split one year out, um, I'm just interested. I know these dogs are depressed. The lines crunch down. I just wonder how how they're how much doing. net net. Uh, all right, next up, Texas Xavier, open four, currently four. 
And let's read verbatim what McKenzie said. Line has hovered near Texas minus four after opening Texas minus four to four and a half Sunday midday. Rogue Texas three and a half opened it to win. That's pretty good reporting, Aaron. That is good. All right, what do you got? Uh, I like Texas here. Uh, I like like. It is a like. And Texas was a team that the question was, how are they going to get their scoring? They're not a great three-point shooting team. But Dylan DeSue has been arguably the best player in this tournament since, and really since the start of Big 12 tournament. Since the start of Big 12 tourney play, he's averaging 16 points per game on 72% shooting with 11 rebounds per game. And the, the thing to like about Texas in this matchup in particular is they live on turnovers. They want to get out. They want to run in transition. Xavier, 231st in steal percentage allowed. Uh, Texas is an ultra-physical team, despite being relatively undersized. They're extremely experienced, one of the top 10 experienced teams in the country. I've said multiple times that Xavier is a poor man's Gonzaga. And this Texas team— I thought Arizona was a poor man's Gonzaga. They are, too. Uh, But Texas blew Gonzaga out of the gym early this season. The battle testing of the Big 12 here, I think, is the difference. So I I like Texas. Xavier plays no defense. We also have the benefit of Texas playing this game— where they played the Big 12 tournament mm. and they went 3 and 0. That's got to be two this, or three points in right? this building. Uh Texas is actually 5 and 1 straight up and ATS in this building. You know, we'd be remiss not to mention that this juggernaut Big 12 that we all knew was the best conference has been sucking in this tournament. I thought he was going to say, "Did you know they had bowling upstairs at the South Point?" <laughs> <laughs> You know, they deal dime lines for baseball. <laughs> Fun fact. They actually they have give di- you free popcorn. Dime, dime lines for baseball, though. They have two bowling alleys. <laughs> they have a championship bowling alley in the back by the arena also. <laughs> there you go. Fun fact. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> the Penworth but, Plaza or something. They fun fact, worst buffet in Vegas, for real. Oh, I think it's a good buffet. Oh, you're Value. high as a kite. Well, you're, I'm not a food connoisseur like you are. You know, I, just give me any, give me some eggs and bacon for $7.99, I'm happy. Like five years ago, right before I got, you know, started doing the Fox stuff, you know, I was local here on ESPN, and I was killing the South Point Buffet, right? <laughs> right. Jimmy Vaccaro calls me in, and he says, uh, Hey, hey, uh, wh- wh- how's he? They're not sunny. I mean, that's his, he go, uh, kiddo or something. He's like, hey, kiddo. He goes, you can't do that. It's like, Jimmy, it sucks. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, still, they might advertise one day. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But it's like, it's like he, well, one, Jimmy Vaccaro's like a big fan of sports talk. You know, good, well, he thought it was good, good sports talk. But number two, he, he was like a, a men, I mean, he's like someone who tries to help people. I really, you know, he's probably my favorite guy. Yeah, I really like Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, it's funny, he was so big. He was on The Simpsons. Like, as a, you know, the, he, he was drawn on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Now, how cool is that? Yeah. That is cool. Um, but, uh, I think there was some anti him over the years just because he got so much publicity and that's died. Like everyone's yeah. forgotten about that. But um, yeah. yeah, I still think it's amazing that, that when uh, Tyson lost, right, the only place in Vegas and thus the only he was the only one that hung the only number. one that yeah. hung the numbers. We wouldn't even know the whatever forty two to one if it wasn't. The, that. It, yeah, that's where he gets a lot of publicity because no one else. He's the only. Yeah. He's the person that everyone goes to to tell the story because he had the numbers. Yeah, yeah which yeah. again, it just shows you. It was a Tyson fight, but it wasn't a huge fight. It was like supposed to be a gimme. Mm-hmm. Put up the first season win number. The Dallas. Someone asked about the Dallas Cowboys. How many games do you think the Cowboys are going to win? And they put up a number for them. See, isn't it weird how there's things that seem so obvious? I know. Why? Why? Yeah. 
But a light bulb, you could say the same thing about, if I understood how it worked. All right. <laughs> All right. So you got taxes here. Yeah. I want to address something Fez said. What, the Big 12 stinks in this tournament. I mean, they're one oh, of yeah. the, the only conference that still has multiple teams in. It's not like they're the Big 10 or the ACC level bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, you look at you look at all their teams, and I know I know Kansas State's still around, but like Kansas, I mean, two, flame, out of, two out of seven, Kansas flaming out. Is, I mean, wait, last time I checked, what, what was Oklahoma State scored what twelve points in their game? Yeah, something like that. I mean, oh, that was like you're talking about the bubble team that, that got in. Like, hey, b- 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 I, I'm just saying, like last two out I of che- seven teams. Like when you if you're saying they suck, last like, time I checked, the Penn States of the Big Ten and the Marylands have done just fine, no, and, and these bad big and these more borderline Big Twelve teams have sucked. We could, just, we, we could solve this simply, and I'll, let me propose the following. Every seed is going to have a history of how much they win by in each round, right? Yes. There's enough history there. Is We can just look at what the expectation would be for that seed in that game and plus or minus it and get a sense of what the I'm, doubt is. I'm confident that the Big 12 has a really lousy against the spread uh, margin. So who's done points. well? Um, the SEC has done well. The the Big East has done really well. The Big East, Big East has three teams in the in the Sweet Sixteen. And shocker, the Mountain West has not done well. Although San Diego State has had a good performance. So we often talk about the whole Allen Boston idea of institutional levels. Mm. That that if you have a certain now things can change. Like Michigan, well, Michigan's back in a way, but like certain schools, you would say their best year is this, their worst year is this. They're going to be in that range. Right. Why? Because of their recruiting base. Because yep. of whatever. Okay. Um, then a Gonzaga comes from nowhere to something, but now as the decades go by, are they moving institutionally into a certain place? Perhaps. Yes. Okay. What do you think about thinking about it institutionally, but for conferences? Is it say last, let's say five years, right? Five years. How's the Big Ten done? How's the Pac-10, etc., Pac-12, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I have never seen. I haven't seen that study. Have you? I have not. Wouldn't that tell us a lot? You think? I think. I think. I think so. That that at some point, like the Big Twelve, just can't be that much better than all these other conferences because they never. Well, you're just you're just tacking on your conclusion. Well, yeah. What we, do know, well, what we do know is that no team west of Central Texas has won the national championship since Arizona in '97. That's okay. good. So no team on the West Coast or in so the why Mountain Times. Why was AJ Benton Gonzaga like with hand? I was I was wrong. I was an idiot. <laughs> Literally, Arizona '97 is the last team in either the how Mountain Time Zone schools? or Pacific many, Time Zone. It's USC. I mean, how many major schools? It's the Pac-12. It's, it's the Mountain West and yeah. it's Gonzaga. Okay. And I guess half of Texas, if you you know. But I'm assuming that half assuming, doesn't have assuming any. Assuming where they are, yeah, right. Yeah, I'd have to look at AJ who can tell you about the geography of Texas where he's I had been to give him a history UTR. last night. Well, yeah, because he drove around the whole state eating ribs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Eating barbecue. I think, I, think, I think that includes Hawaii also. But it would include some Big Ten schools, I guess, if you draw that line right Nebraska. in the middle of the country. Um, they haven't won the basketball title? <laughs> I can't believe I, I, it. Iowa? Iowa's, no, Iowa's still east. Never mind. You know Iowa has like the six most... NFL players of any college? Yeah, because every tight end in the NFL every is tight end from Iowa. Every tight end yeah. Yeah. All right, so you guys are disagreeing. So it, Fez is so interesting. It's like— you know, I don't like either team. A, I don't like a, Xavier an, at all. Excuse me. There's an intellectual way I can approach this, perhaps, blah, blah, blah. He goes, yeah, it sounds good. I bet it's going to show Big 12 sucks. It's like, maybe, but like, I, why, how could you apply that to that? He just said yes and co-opted it. I do think it, it goes in waves, and I don't think the Big 12 is like, I think this year they're clearly better but than everybody. But does it go in waves? Because the Big 10 has been down in the tournament for the last 20 years. The, last, the, a, last, the ACC. Last Big 10 champion was Michigan State in 2000. The ACC two or three years ago was the 
the best basketball conference when Coach K was there, when when Roy Williams was mm-hmm. there. They're gone, and now the ACC stinks. But do you? But here's the question. In the next couple of years, do you think the ACC is going to come back? Because I think institutionally, North Carolina and Duke are pretty good at basketball. I do. So, but again, we're, Duke wasn't all that good before Coach K. So, I mean, he's created the institutional. Yeah. I think that's why five or seven years is the right answer. It will address the ebbs and flows and then tell you what the reality is behind the, the vagaries of each given year, right? Because yeah. we get confused. That's why the data that is better in some ways if the data is right. I also think the complete outlook of the Big 12 changes after this year when Texas and Oklahoma leave. Like the Big the Big 12 in general is not going to be as respected of a conference. But in basketball? Even in because basketball. Because I tell you this from what I can see the Kansas is by far a bigger basketball school. No doubt. It feels like that the conference is coalescing around basketball. That if they were known almost like a Big East type, I mean, Big East, they even play football, no, right? But what I'm saying is that's a, re, I mean, that's an interesting idea. Is you, though football, as much as they say revenue generating sports, football makes so much more than right. Basketball. And as as time goes on to where NIL is really the number one recruiting tool, the schools that have money from football and boosters who support football are going to be that seems like the opposite. If you're because it's not the school paying the NIL, no, but it's it, the boosters of those. Yeah, schools. so but if the boosters are supporting football, then they're not supporting. But I mean, it seems like maybe a place where if you love basketball, that's where the boosters are going to be. Just paying. being around, like be, being around the University of Texas for so yeah. long, obviously a football first school and a school that's very mm. heavily funded by donors. Yeah. They take care of the basketball guys too. Except that's the basketball. That illegal. They take care of the basketball program, I should say. Yeah, but what I'm saying, that's illegal. That's coming in theory from the boosters. In the theory is the NIL. And I mean, here's the question What percentage of the NIL, and this is an estimate, do you think is legit? Whereas they, the company who is spending the money thinks that they are getting value. And what percentage is a pass through entity? I think maybe 20% is legit. Boy, that's I mean, Ooh. so did they, do you think they foresaw this the, the, when they put this together? Do you think they thought, okay, this would be a way? This is a good loophole to have illicit money get passed to legally. Yeah, le- legally. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Well, that that is really really cynical. I think you're probably right, but I mean, it's a <laughs> they think because it seemed like everyone's saying, yeah, it's about time the players got a right to earn off what they've sweated for. No, it's for some like sweaty-handed, sausage-fingered guy to hand an envelope over. Now it's just being done. That's legal. Yeah. I guess I'm just a cockeyed optimist. <laughs> you get that reference? No. Yeah. Remember when Kramer was uh, Elaine had to do a book review and and somehow it got fumigated. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer went to go get the book and got stuck inside and, and <laughs> reading the book. And then Elaine was rushing to give the interview where well, she had to give her book report to her editor. And, and she goes, what was the book about? <laughs> he starts off by going, so-and-so was a cockeyed optimist. <laughs> <laughs> and then Elaine gets in the meeting and says the exact same thing. <laughs> ah, I thought you knew Seinfeld. I did. Oh, here it is. Yeah. It's up on, what is that? Uh, Reddit, okay. It just says cockeyed. It should have a hyphen in there. Optimist. Bill Mumphrey was a simple country boy. Some might say a cockeyed optimist <laughs> who caught up to in a dirty game of world diplomacy and international intrigue. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. All right, next game. Alabama, 
We got two to go. Alabama, San Diego State. Alabama, a team that no one would question is the best in the country. And the line <laughs> is seven and a half, bet up from six. Uh I, I lean Jesus, Alabama. Dude, you had a long time to think. I, about I lean this. San Diego State here. I, I like the matchup for them. There's eights popping up. I, if it if there's eights oh, available, I just I'll, get nine. I'll, I'll like it at eight. I'll play it at all eight. Right, all right, all right. Uh, this game could play out very similarly to that Tennessee Duke matchup, where Duke is clearly the much more skilled and athletic team, and got bullied around by a stronger, more veteran team. And I don't think Bama is going to be able to have their way inside against. So why this. not? Why not like San Diego State at at seven and a half? I mean, like, what? Give me the case against it. Just afraid to bet against the clear best team. Yeah, I like betting against the best team. I like betting on the worst team. <laughs> I mean, I just my nature. I like the fact also that Alabama doesn't have a lot of pressure. They shoot all these threes like crazy. Well, but- that's pressure if, if threes are a, sh- a problem. Yes, but they rebound so well that they're like, yeah, even if we miss it, we're just going to get the rebound and jam it back home. But, but that's but, not the case here. So now, yeah, well, because San Diego State's a really good rebounding team. So this sounds like a per- we got an overrated Alabama and a perfect match. And who knows what's going on with the gun kid? With Brandon Miller. How many, how many points do you have in the second game? Uh, I want to say not, not many. Well, maybe I'll look at it. Let, let, let me ask you, RJ, you're probably going to say that this is worth nothing, but I think it's worth something. Right. The fact that San Diego, they're in California, all right? So I think they I, went I think out. That's right. I think they went out to Orlando, won a couple games, uh-huh. and they went back to San Diego, and now they're traveling back east again. Does that matter, that you extra think, travel? Is it is it about Orlando, or is it— It's about two trips, two long road trips for San Diego and two straight weekends. Well, first off, I guess I don't know, does, does San Diego State fly— uh, lease. I mean, are they? Are, I don't think they're flying commercial, are they? I don't know. I mean, that to me is the big part of it. I mean, I've seen Entourage. I would, I would think <laughs> I mean, they're. They fly, a, I, I would. Jay, as I don't think it. they got their own you know, oh, jet. I think they. I mean, football. I mean, like Kansas University football flies. Uh, um, you know, not commercial, private. Yeah, but it's only like. Wait, I, I don't they, know how much the the party. It's only like thirty people, right? That are flying. I mean, I don't know. Maybe in, they in take basketball? all the cheer, maybe they're taking all the cheerleaders and everyone else. Got, so. Like those G fours or whatever, they're perfect for a smaller yeah. group. Um, okay, yeah, keep that up, McKenzie. The, the, the part about the favorites, and it, do me a favor. See if I mean this is just going to be somewhere in a tweet or something. You know, something I should text George. Um, yeah. he would know this, but I mean, to me, that's a driver of it. I think the fact there's three days in, but you know, you get home and there's a couple of days. Yeah, it feels like it minimizes the. the and this game's Friday, which helps. If it was Thursday, it would be a bigger deal. Nineteen points, five of seventeen shooting, five of twenty-two for the tournament. So, the, so his the best player. Who who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah. We don't know if he's ready to get indicted. Listen, we have no idea. We have no idea. I think he's been. I think they officially said he was cleared. Maybe, maybe. And who's to say the feds don't come? I mean, what I'm saying is we <laughs> yeah. don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. right? Is yep. and let's just say this: What's been the biggest distraction of the season in college basketball potentially? This right? That was the it biggest story. Yeah. And then the best player that was involved in it has had a horrible tournament. Yep, that's a good point. I mean. It could be a coincidence. Maybe he broke up with his girlfriend. But it does seem like... How about these Mountain West teams have sucked for three years in the tournament, and here's a Mountain West team in San Diego State, though. But isn't San Diego State one of the teams that hasn't sucked as a, as a school because they're so physical? I mean, that's a story I hear. Conference that- has never been to the Elite Eight. 0-6 straight up, 1-5 ATS in the Sweet 16. Well, hey. the beauty is we, we don't need them to win. Yeah, but there that's is, a good point. But one in five ATS. There is something with the idea that at a certain point, 
you physically can't compete. Though I'm wondering, is that outdated? Have we we said it before the show? The 15 seed, Princeton. Yeah, I was just thinking we haven't done that yet. It's the last game. The 15 seed looked the same. They're just as tall, just as athletic looking. What's the difference? You know, some of it's going to be whoever gets. Here's what I know. I've been a little bit not on the inside, but I've been privy to recruiting stuff. Just knowing, uh, you know, and having a real good friend that's been in college football for over 20 years, you get a sense of how amateurish a lot of this recruiting is. I mean, it's getting better, but back, I, I remember back in, back, way back in like 92, I think it was, there was a guy or his, my best buddy's brother was at Hofstra. Now, actually, now I think about it, he was at Kansas State and he was recruiting Jersey and we were with him. We were up in Jersey. I think Springsteen was playing. And he had like a little newsletter. This is Kansas State now, which again was just when Bill Snyder was starting up. And he they had the top 20 tight ends in the state of Jersey hmm. that came from this little rinky dink newsletter. Mm-hmm. And he was traveling around, like axing them out. I mean, it was like this was amateur hour. And again, that was a long time ago. But I hear all the time with rivals and whatever that if someone if if Alabama takes someone and they're a three star, they make them a make four, a four. Star instantly. Yep. So it's the very act of Alabama taking them dictate. No wonder the rate. I mean, obviously they get the best players, but boy, that doesn't seem like something that's too scientific. Well, right? they know more than we do. They wouldn't have recruited them if it wasn't then, a then four what, star. Then what is the point, right? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Of the recruiting service. So to me, it does feel like maybe what we're seeing is basketball has gotten so big and it's international that there's enough good players to go around that the players who get lucky enough to get the profile. Now, listen, the bet, LeBron, if he would have went to college, whatever, yeah, you're going to get. But in that next tier, they're all about the same if they go to San Diego State or not. And thus, we're seeing that now. You know, you, you know, it's almost like there are no athletes. It's like all these players suck. You're watching, you're watching this tournament. It's like, it's, this is the worst quality of basketball I've ever seen. There's like, like the Kentucky guy looked great. You know, it's like, but how do we square that with the NBA? The talent in the NBA is better than ever. And it's not even close. I think international, you got so uh, many of these international but, players. Now. There's not a lot of international players playing college. Nah. They they played professionally over I mean, in Europe. Uh, Paolo, Paolo Bencaro was, he played in college last year. Yeah. Like, but it, for the most part, you're saying, like, what percentage of the starting five of these 16 teams do you think is foreign-born, or not even foreign-born, but didn't go to the U.S. Uh, in three, high school? Three percent. No, higher than that. Really? Well, what uh, would yeah. you guess? I'd say ten percent, probably. Oh, okay. Right. So more than one, uh, one like one starter out of every two teams is an international guy. All right, so that would be 10% of the starters. Okay, not 10% of the team. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I said starters. Yeah. Okay. And there are some schools like St. Mary's that right. it's it's like the Australian national team. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that they that they specialize. But I would and there's ag- a lot of like Nigerian guys mm. now. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. I would agree with you, Fez, is that um the quality in the NBA has a lot to do with international play. Mm-hmm. And and I do think, and I mean I guess I'll tease it here for a second, is when we talk this MVP, it's fascinating. You know, there's been a racial component to the dialogue, but I think the thing that's simmering underneath the surface that doesn't get talked about is the American-born players versus, in a way, the foreign-born players. And it's always interesting with someone like Giannis, who's foreign-born but but clearly black, is it feels like there's less affinity with those players. And Giannis specifically has seemed to not be beloved by the rest, a lot of the NBA players. Mm. Embiid's foreign too, though. Yeah, but there's some. 
Yeah, and I don't know if it's just there's something about I think the thing about Giannis that a lot of the American players resent is the narrative on him is so clean cut. He slept in his car and he worked really hard. He was the 15th, I think, 15th pick. He put 30 pounds of muscle on. He grew, you know, it, it sounds like almost like a Horatio Horatio Alger story, uh, like the bootstrap young man that comes to America with a dream. I, I, I guess you could. I guess maybe the whole. I don't know. I don't know why Embiid doesn't get that that kind of love, but do you think he does? I don't think he does at all. I think Embiid gets a lot of get, gets compared gets to Giannis. No, not even close. There's lots of negatives. He's yeah with Embiid, Embiid. I think yeah. the process the he eats the, wrong the process food. is on him. <laughs> but he got soft too, or he was perceived as soft in different ways with his injuries. Mm. Maybe yeah, I don't know. But what, I would agree for sure, or I feel for sure that the whole thing with Giannis and 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 this All Star picking and all that, where, where he where they had they um. What was that? What was that scenario where somehow I don't think he was a captain and he got picked late? I don't know. Um, I'm gonna look, McKenzie, do me a favor. Flash up anything, any stories that delve into this whole Giannis and the where he's not as beloved in the inner circle. If there's anything out there, because this is one of those things that people will make reference to and then kind of not say the whole story. Mm. They know mm. more, and I'm kind of putting together the dots. But anyway. This week, it all comes to a head, it seems, with uh, the MVP and all that. And I got to pick on that. All right, so we like San Diego State. I do. And you agree their physicality allows them to rebound. Yep, physicality and experience. So their top nine minutes guys, like the top nine guys that get minutes for them, are all juniors and seniors. Mm -hmm. So when you take physicality, they're a top five defense nationally, so elite defense. And experience San Diego State, sort of Walmart, Tennessee. And what the Vols did, they're the only team this year that held Bama under 60 points. They bullied. I like the way you do these comps. You know, your comp in Arizona. You know, I like this. Go ahead. But they, they bullied uh, uh, Alabama around, didn't let them get going. And when Bama doesn't score 70 or more points in a game, they're just two and four this season. San Diego State is the kind of defense that could hold them down. And the Tide are loose with the ball. They're 226th in turnover percentage. Uh, San Diego State, four steals at a top 80 rate. I still believe in this Alabama team, but they're going to have to play outside their comfort zone. Seven and a half points, that's a lot of points. Yeah, but if we could only get eight. <laughs> you can get eight. There are eights out there. All right, then I eight, the snowman. I take the snowman. Take the snowman. Okay, we're back. We just had a little two-minute Fez coffin, and you know what? He's fine, everyone. No Heimlich required. Fez, during this time, Scott was walking me through the logic of the bat. Let's see if I got this straight, and you can tell me if you agree with this analysis. So we did a mechanical parlay, which was effectively saying, all right, w let's look at the Alabama current money line, then let's project the money line. And we had currently minus 340. We had them about, uh, as you said, about 245 in the next game. If they play Creighton. If they play Creighton. And in that case, we have 100 winning, $82. And uh, yours is uh, your bet at minus one twenty five is a hundred winning eighty dollars. So let's call it almost comparable. Now, where the value would be is one out of six times. It looks like based on the current number, Princeton would beat Creighton, and in that case, the, there'd be such a jumbo, you know, money line that there'd be a lot of value there. Is that how you see this? If Creighton win, if you knew Creighton was winning, you wouldn't play this. That's correct. So would I, would that that fairly small chance, but one out of six chance that Princeton wins, 
is why this bet has value because you're effectively getting a free roll on it. Exactly right. So the way to price this is that you'd 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 calculate both of the probabilities, the two paths, mm-hmm. all right? So you'd say there's a five six chance that Alabama has a .76 times .70 chance mm-hmm. of you know, things going according to Hoyle and them winning those two games. And there's a 1-6 chance times a .76 chance times about a .88 chance mm-hmm. that they beat Princeton. And if you add those two numbers up, I think we would show that because of that Princeton chance, we've got value laying $1.25 to win the region. All right, now, what I see is there's more value than if you bet the mechanical parlay. Yeah, here's where we go. But is it a p- plus EV? Yeah, It's yeah. the better way to make the bet, but doesn't mean it's a plus EV but bet. But isn't there a way to, if once they win the first game, and if it is Creighton, you can middle? Irrelevant. Okay. Yeah, because it's, because the theory, and it's a good point, this is actually a Sklansky concept, which is there's no combination of bet. If each bet isn't positive EV in itself, then there's no combination of negative EV bets that could potentially win you money. Or it could win you money, it couldn't be positive EV. So how do you calculate that? Okay, so there's a 5-6 chance that Alabama is going to have to go ahead and beat San Diego State and then beat Creighton. There's a 1-6 chance that they have to beat San Diego State and then they get Princeton. If you calculate the probabilities of both those paths, sum them together, there's a 56.6% chance that Bama makes the Final Four. All right? And the reason it's it's above 55% is because that chance that they get to play Cupcake Princeton. Mm-hmm. Turns out when we lay minus 125, we only have to be right 55% to break even. So we have a little bit of value here, and it's all that value stems from the fact that Princeton will upset Creighton one out of six times. So this is an example of if you're – there's only uh, eight games, right? The idea of having a bunch of bets that's positive EV isn't likely. Thus, you're saying this is razor thin, but, hey, people want action on this. Because giving someone a break-even bet, let's say, in something where they want to bet, they're going to bet five things – is really a great service because the alternative is likely going to be much worse. And if you recall earlier in the program, I know that it's it's a different period of the, of the game, but we bet San Diego State to win the race to 10 plus 145. So I found a positive EV bet on the Aztecs, and now I'm finding a positive EV bet on Alabama, and they're negatively correlated. I like that. It's a very diversified portfolio. Now, so, oh, so the bet we made um, on the first race to uh, 15 was San Diego State. It's actually a race to 10, I believe, plus 145. Yes, it was San Diego State. Okay, I can't remember what it was. But, um, okay, huh, because I like San Diego State here, but I guess I got a piece of it already. I was just thinking about it. You know, maybe I'll just finish up. How's this sound? Let's think this through a second. If I wanted to replicate your bet, if I wanted to fade your bet, then I would have to be, um, you know, doing. Well, I guess how would you fade that? That's interesting. By betting Alabama to make the Final Four, I know it's like it. It only ha- its correlation coefficient isn't that negative, but it's certainly negative. Well, the I R squared I, is like minus. I guess I could just something. mechanical parlay it in reverse, right? It, but then it ends. But it wouldn't be as good as the way we're doing that. This yeah, way. so I would bet against Alabama here and bet against Alabama twice. Would well, you have to bet on Alabama now no. because you're betting San Diego State. No, no, no. What I'm oh. saying is if I wanted to fade you guys' oh, bet here. Oh, yes. Right? I could just bet against Alabama money line both games. And if I lose, but but my number would, if I lose, I'd lose a lot more you, minus 125. You'd need, you'd need a betting exchange yeah. so you could play it at, no, at almost no vig. Yes. Okay. But I'm thinking I'm pressing the green button because then mm. that allows, I mean, that, that allows me to fade you guys without the friction. Do you want That's, that? Yeah, sure. 
It doesn't seem like you do. No, I, I bet minus 125. So I bet it for real money. So I'm happy Link, getting more minus 125. You bet this at one, but you bet this at one twenty five, knowing that your edge was like one half of a one percent. Well, I didn't hadn't done all the numbers. Oh, but that's my no, no. Well, but be, before you press that, <laughs> the edge is much higher because what? I've got what point five six six is is what I'm getting, and point five five is break even. That's pretty big. That's that, that that's that's significant. What? That's like that's like picking fifty three point eight percent on a minus one ten. All right. I don't. I personally don't like Alabama here. We going three hundred. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, and and you want to take you you guys can decide amongst yourselves if you want some of that, Scott. However you want to do it, but I, I mean, I'm, we're in this bet together. Yeah, so we'll both so take the we'll one, just ride it. We'll yeah. just take one fifty. Right. Yeah. yeah, we'll go. Good. We'll split it. We'll split. This it. is fun. Go Bama. This is fun. Yeah, Roll tide. I, I, listen, I just I feel like there's some chance greater than zero. Something's wrong on that team. A little bit of motivating factor. Hopefully, it'll for... be wrong early. Uh, first 10 like points. It. Nick Saban made some headlines with some comments that he made in a press conference seemingly calling out Nate Oates and the basketball Uh-oh. program uh, for everything that's been going on with this case. And so maybe a little bit trying of, to distance himself maybe a little, from it. A little negative publicity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see Alabama basketball wanting to change the narrative. There's never been negative the- attention on, on the Alabama football program. And how do you change the narrative? By making the final four. Or you could think, wait a minute, there's Jesus Christ, and then there's Elvis. I don't know who's big in Alabama, but then there's going to be Nick Saban (laughs) somewhere on that list. If Nick Saban's saying, tisk tisk. I'm not sure those kids aren't being kind of mala. Like, oh, man. I can see Elvis. I'm not sure about Jesus. No, there's a lot. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) All right. Forrest what do you think of that bet? I, it, I'm torn because I, I have like Creighton too. That's I have Alabama to win, but I like Creighton and I like San Diego State. They're, and they're they're talking about yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. We got two good teams. They're like, there's a spot here where they could lose to or Princeton could beat Creighton, but it's more likely that San Diego State beats Alabama than Princeton beats Creighton. But yeah, that's built into our, that's yeah. built into our math. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And by the way, let's catch up on these three pointers and the reliance. So, um, and then we can talk defense too. So, I guess amongst these, San Diego State relies tenth out of sixteen. Alabama second. That ball, no, that ball's been a problem. I, yeah. What, what did what did shooter do? Brand, oh, Brandon Miller. Yeah. <laughs> he was well, he five was, of 17 yeah, from the field. It's five a, of 17 from the field. Creative license. Yeah, it seems like that ball might be affecting him. Or maybe it's Nick Saban saying something. I, I th- you guys look at that as a positive? Hmm. Listen, they won their first game by 21. They won their second game by 22. Didn't cover the first game. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, got, they got vigged out is pretty much what you're saying. Uh, they became the 36th, 36th team. To win both their first and second round games by twenty or more points, those teams went twenty eight and seven straight up, but only seventeen and eighteen ATS in the Sweet Sixteen. You know, AJ, when you were away for a second, everyone goes, "Man, I can't believe AJ wouldn't do that bad on your best bat." Yeah. And I said, "I said, listen, he he gets scared initially, but give it a little time, he won't possibly let that opportunity pass, knowing how it makes him look." That that was my thought. Am I right? No, you're wrong. Hmm. I'm not wrong often. No. So you think who hung the minus three on Connecticut? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It seems weird, doesn't it? They like who had it? Yeah, bet online. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, he was firing. So wait a minute. Is it legal to bet on bet online for you? 
I don't get, I'm following. I thought. It's not illegal. It was not? The wire act doesn't exist anymore? It's just kind of nebulous. First off, first off, we. (laughs) Let's be honest. We are not. No, we really doing that to each other anyway. Like, come on. Well, I, I think uh, first off we're kidding, <laughs> but second off, everyone knows. Okay. Uh, and again, I don't do that. Right. Of course, I, not. people do. Unless there's a better number at Bet Online, and then maybe. No, I don't. Someone else oh, wants true. to bet somewhere, and they tell me I got to bet with them. That's that's fine. Uh, that is fine, actually. Yeah. But again, I. I guess there was a time, and I guess now I should care just as much that I decided I wasn't betting offshore just because you never know. I mean, at the time, there was those, those uh, AGs from given states like Missouri went after, was it Cone? Or, I mean, they they put people in jail. I mean, on the bookmaking side, but guy, you remember Cone, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who was I can't remember what book he was. He sports book exchange SBX maybe, that? but he he did some real time if yeah. I remember. But again, that was bookmaking. But you never know. Hey, listen, here's one thing I can guarantee you: any DA, AG, whatever that can get publicity, that's what they feed on. That's how they become House of Reps people, congressmen. Mm-hmm. Is they get publicity. I, I you know I had no interest in being that kind of target. Again, it'd be you know. How much publicity? I don't know, but I know it wouldn't cost him all that much. I mean, it would be a free, it'd be a free roll for him. I know that much. Chuck Rhodes going after X. Exactly. <laughs> except take a couple of couple of commas out of there. All right, last game. So are we betting Kentucky or not? Or uh, Connecticut or not? No, we're not. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just gonna have a, a minute. You'd be disappointed in me if I took a worse number than I I think you're confused about something. One last time. That is better than any current market number. It is. Okay. My my offer. Yes. And you're saying no thank you. No thank you. Do you wish you could take that three and return it? No. Seems like you do. Princeton. <laughs> Creighton. Line is 10. Here was my question before we start this last game. How much adjustment was there on Princeton based upon what this line would have been before the tournament? And Fez, do you feel like, and again, we'll get AJ's opinion on that adjustment. And then my question is going to be, is it too much or not enough? Because I was thinking, what's the sharp side? I heard a radio guy today say, and a guy bets, he said, um, oh, that line was 10. It's 10. He goes, that's the line before the tournament. Because it shouldn't be the line now. Hmm. So the assumption is we learn more about Princeton than the market's adjusting. Now, I could see that. But I also could see the market in general tends to have recency bias. They overreact to what they see. I would think it might move too much. So in your mind, think about how much you think, how much should you have up? Because in college football, they so rarely play good teams. Sometimes a, line, a, a, a team can move three or four points right. in one game, and the other team could be three or four points. So you might have a national championship game like Ohio State when they played Oregon, right? Remember? Uh High State, I think, was seven point underdogs in that game. I think if they replayed that game, pick them, pick them, yeah. yeah so, literally. how much adjustment would you think has been made for Princeton? Four points. This line would have been fourteen before the Ivy League tournament. Okay. Now the theory is Creighton, and we're assuming Creighton hasn't doesn't have any adjustment or no adjustment for Creighton. But there really is the fact they won two games, right? Yeah, they've gone from 13th to 12th in Ken Palm. Okay. All right, so Fez, what would you say is the right adjustment for Princeton? That three, feels like a lot three. to me. Yeah, it feels like a lot. Give them a point and a half for each one of their wins. Two very impressive wins. 
Well, well, that, wasn't that second one more? Is than Missouri the, impressive? Like, yeah, when you beat them, where it's not even a game, right? Yes. I, I mean, what was Missouri's seed? Seven. Yeah, that means you're all those eight, nine. Yeah. that we were what, WVU. No, they're unless we again think the committee doesn't know what they're doing. But it seems like they did a pretty good job this year. They right? did. Yeah, I, I think it's one thing to win. It's another thing to dominate. Yeah, I do have a um, a trend here. Okay. If you look at uh, teams that pulled back-to-back upset wins, all right, in mm-hmm. the tournament, mm-hmm. and that they're catching seven and a half, they're seven and seven and, and a half or more. Seven and a half or more. They're seven and zero oh against the spread. I don't have the against the spread margin. All right. So what you're saying is effectively opposite of what we're just saying, which is you're saying if a team is a dog and they win, a dog and they win, and then they're a big dog. They do well. Yeah, which shocked me because I always thought those teams mm-hmm. went home, celebrated, and sucked the next round. But the exact opposite has happened. Now, what we do know for sure is teams that have big upsets in the first round do surprisingly well in the second round. Hmm. Like, they push through. Um, now, how they do when the break happens and they get home and there's a big party, they're getting BJs from, you know, the girl that wasn't quite there. They closed the deal. Maybe seven. not at Princeton. Well, <laughs> I think they do probably do all right. Um so that's interesting. There is the phenomenon of a certain seed just doesn't go past a certain point. You know, it just rarely mm-hmm. if ever happens. Now, how much is that changing? Because not that long ago, people thought it was a no-brainer. One seeds were going to win the yeah. first round. <laughs> All right, what else you got in this game? This is the reason why I like Creighton here uh, is this is the first real defense that they're going to see in this tournament. Creighton has... So Princeton hasn't seen a real defense. Arizona, not great defensively. Missouri, horrific defensively. Creighton is a, their 13th defensively in the country. And you're going to laugh because I'm going to, I'm going to say his name again. <laughs> they have an elite rim defender in Ryan Kalkbrenner. He is just a... <laughs> is he the bowling ball? No, no. Ryan Kalkbrenner is the opposite. of He's like a... He's seven long and yeah. strong. That's right. And Princeton's leaned heavily on their big. His name's Tosan. I'm not going to try to say his last name. We'll just call him Tosan. Have you ever heard a professional broadcaster do Yes. Tosan. I learned it from you. But okay? I wasn't a professional broadcaster. We were doing a show on Fox Sports Radio. I know, but again, I was you a, were a, a subject matter expert. Now, here's the thing I would say. I've never heard Greeny say, I'm only going to say the first name. Abumwan. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Abumwan. That's the best I can do. All right, go ahead. But he's just overmatched here. Both these teams are top 10 in defensive rebounding. Kenzie, can you get Jonas what, on the line, please? One of these teams was top 10 in defensive rebounding in the Big East. One was top 10 in defensive rebounding in the Ivy League. Remember, before a week ago, Princeton didn't play a single Power 6 program all season long. I don't think that they have an answer for for Kalkbrenner. And Creighton's getting uh, scoring from both levels because they're they're the first team since 1974 Providence to have two different players score 30 points in the first two tournament games as uh, Nimhard and Kalkbrenner. So a guard and and they're they're big. All right. So Ken Palm says this should be a nine-point spread. Yep. So how does that – how does that – Jive with all this talk. It it goes back to what you started this with. I think there's been an over-adjustment based on what Princeton's done so far. Okay, now we do have our numbers, if he can pop those back up, on favorites. And as you could guess, huh? last two, well, the guess is Vegas is pretty much down the middle. 32 and 34 favorites have gone this year with pick-ems. There was one pick-em we took out, okay? Last year, it was one game above 500. Uh, well, actually, I'm flipping it. Somehow he puts the 22 first. That seems weird. 
uh, 22 was 32 and 34. And then this year was 26 and 25. So the simple, I guess there's more tournament games to go. So the simple answer here is two games below 522, one game above 523, and thus one game below 500 for both years. Huh. So no, so in no, a, nothing conclusive. But I think in a way it shows at least close close it shows meaning it doesn't show all the way is the depression of these favorites is justified because it's not like it's not like the favorites are uh, or the dogs. Well, let's think about this. If you're, dec- it's not like the favorites are winning big now, right? So if we had normal numbers, yeah, yeah. right, the fav- the dogs would be doing really well, right? So but because, but the, the, it's, it looks like the market has finally caught up to the fact that these games are more competitive, such that they aren't covering games that they may have you know, covered five years ago. So I'd like to look at overall the double dogs. digit fav- double digit dogs mm-hmm. and favorites, but. This Creighton is the 42nd team to be a double-digit favorite in the Sweet 16. All right, so double-digit, double but digit also a favorite. In the Sweet 16. Uh-huh. So double-digit double favorites in the Sweet 16 are 19, 20, and 2 ATS. Okay, so right on. Yeah, right right in the middle, yep. All right. So sure we'd like, one game sure we'd like to lay 9 or take 11. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> another shot at AJ? All right, so let's recap your bets here. Uh, your likes and your best bet. Your best bet, though not – what's the strongly uh, strongly stated but weakly held, I think, is what people say. Um, you have a, a – we'll call it a weak best bet on Connecticut. Is that UConn minus 3.5. Yeah, 3.5. But three and a half minus one away, no. 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 Okay. Um, also, who's your likes? Uh, the rest of the likes are Gonzaga plus two, mm-hmm. Texas minus four, mm-hmm. San Diego State plus seven and a half. So you went to a like there. I like it. And Creighton plus 10, or minus 10, excuse me. So Creighton minus 10 is a pick. Yeah. All right. You got a lot of action here. All right. I personally don't like Connecticut. I like Gonzaga, but I tell you, I'm starting to fade on that a little bit. Uh, let's take what's one, causing that the defense. I mean, I, I didn't see these numbers. Don't play any. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is literally they're one oh. Well, let's see here. Gonzaga is 75 on D and number one on offense. But UCLA, though I know the injuries are second, the best, second best defensive team in the country injuries, and then 21st though on offense. So. And I got to be honest with you. At what point do we say Gonzaga struggles in the tournament? I mean, as much as I, I it's unequivocal they've underperformed after, the last after three. after they get to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, well, that's when they lost last year. Lost to Arkansas. But isn't that isn't that what you would expect? Who do they play in a regular season? Teams commensurate with uh, 15, 14 seeds, yeah. and teams maybe that are commensurate with seven, ten, maybe even a five in St. Mary's or yeah, seven in St. Mary's. Exactly. Yeah. But, and it, well, but the point is, they dominate those teams, and then they when they step up, they have trouble. But they've gone out of their way the last couple. Like their their non conference schedule this year: Michigan State, Texas, Kentucky, Purdue, Xavier, Baylor, Alabama. Like they they play a stronger than normal. But w- in but, November. But here's yeah. but but how they do, but here there's a couple questions. One isn't that a reversal of course? Isn't that admitting that the pass was wrong? I think yeah. I think they know that, that like they Mark well, they, Few has been quoted as saying 
we have to prepare ourselves for March. But well, no one, no, that no one would, would have played them 10 years ago. Now that they're was an the established problem. program. Now, we're talking about three years ago. Even five years ago, I think people would be like, you want to you play us? Come able, to East Lansing. In basketball, you're able to – well, go to East Lansing then. In basketball, you're able to schedule like – on short note. I mean, like, you can schedule in the offseason. Well, I, I think they wanted a home and home, and other teams wouldn't reciprocate. Well, then and well, instead the, the, they said, we'll spite ourselves and not play anyone. Well, this is the third year in a row that they've had, like, this uber non-conference schedule to, mm. to try so, and make up for it. So, wait a minute. You're saying when they were, like, undefeated, they had an uber non-conference schedule? Uh, the year that they went undefeated until the championship, uh-huh. they played Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia, Iowa, wait, wait, Virginia. Wait, wait. Uh, uh, Kansas is a good team. Auburn, I, I don't know. Go ahead. West Virginia. West Virginia, uh, Iowa. That's not a good team. Virgi- three years ago? Iowa. Iowa was, dis- they were, if they, when they played them, Iowa was seventh in Kim Palm. Eh, That's right. the Iowa team with, uh, what's his face? Yeah, the, it was. The, uh, the, the, the big guy, number 55. Uh, what was his? Luca Garza. Yes. All right. I'll accept if he was seventh. They were fine. Go ahead. Yeah, Virginia. So, like. I mean, I don't call that an Uber schedule. I mean, that's like two weeks in the Big 12. Right. But it, there's no bit, no. no Team is playing a non-conference schedule that loaded. Yeah, because they had they don't play anyone in the regular season. So that's what they're doing. But, but if you look at, it seems like that's what they did this year. It, it was a process. Let's agree to that because that schedule you just said isn't like if you look at the whole season and say other than that they play St. Mary's and that's pretty much it. That's that's a way. Lo- well, let me La- ask. Last you. year, Texas, UCLA, well, Duke, you know Alabama, Texas Tech. You know what we can do. We don't have to guess. What was the Ken Palm rating? Of their non-conference uh, schedule? No, of the, all their schedule. I want their schedule. Oh, this year? Yeah. Because uh, I'm guessing, I mean, is it top 20 is the question. Schedule was you 58th. Know, okay. I don't call that too impressive, right? A non-conference, 12th. That's good. I'm not saying they haven't made, but still, they're not. You think they'd certainly have the toughest non-conference. Yeah. I mean, if you know, if you want to be. Well, like these, there's swack schools that do nothing but play power schools on the road. Like Alcorn State, uh-huh. like all they do is go to power schools on the road and get smashed. They except, like pay except cash grabs. That's because yeah. the power schools want those games, right. right? And I'm saying they shouldn't want those games, right? There's no, they're not, they're not obligated to play those schools, right? Yeah, maybe they're getting. I don't know. I think it's interesting. They're fundamentally changing the way they do it. And that shows you they've been wrong before. So yeah. now the question is, are they in the middle of a transition? I, I tell you this. I was surprised with Gonzaga that they haven't gotten better. They were so good, and they, now they became national recruiters, getting like top-level best player in the country, and now they're worse. That does seem weird to me. But the same thing happened to Clemson. When they started recruiting mm. better in, ba- in football, yeah. they got worse. I don't know what that is. All right, any closing thoughts on the tournament? I got some coaching ATS records on four to six days rest. Oh, now this interests me because this is going to be this uh, first game of each weekend. Yep. So this is uh, since 2005. This goes back. Go ahead. Uh, the, the best ATS record as far as percentage, but it's not a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Jerome Tang from Kansas State, nine and five. First year head coach. Ooh. First year head coach, nine and five ATS. How can he be a first year head coach if he's nine and five? Nine and five, just not just, just on, on just on four to six days. Four rest. to six days rest, oh. period. Yeah, yeah, just any game with. But four that's probably four days consistent rest. with his ATS for the year, right? Uh, I don't know. Wait, so so wait, nine and five. You're saying in all those games were this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, I like that. Well, Dusty but he's, but he's May probably twenty two and and 
12 for the year. I mean, Kansas State is overachieved. They're picked, yeah. finished last in the Big 12. I'm sure they have a mm-hmm. I'm sure they have a great record with 3 days rest and 2 days rest and 8 days rest That's also. So, yeah. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, 26 and 16 ATS, mm-hmm. 61.9%. Brian Dutcher of San Diego State, 43 and 29 Ooh, ATS. Oh, I like it. 59.7%. And here's a fun one, at 59.3%, Mitch Henderson of Princeton. 48-33-1 ATS, What's four interesting to six days is, rest. This is his first year, too, right? Uh, yes. Is his second year? I, no, uh, it is his... No, he's been here. He's been at Princeton for a while. Well, look it up, if you would, for okay. us. Yeah. Um, it's been years, years. Correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe Mackenzie might know this. I don't know how much he followed basketball. Princeton, or uh, the Ivy Leagues do something weird. Don't they play like a Friday, Saturday? Yeah, and then so they don't. So the six-day rest would be the Saturday during conference. Yeah, and so then it's like every around week Friday. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so they're used to this gap then. Yeah. Since One day rest, then six. <laughs> yeah. so he's been there since 2012. Uh, 12, okay. All right. Because so, they're so good academically, the kids have to go to class. That sounds like a week. Northwestern snarkiness. The worst no, coach. Northwestern, they'll play Wednesday whenever. <laughs> they won't bow, though. It's not dignified. So the worst coach uh-huh. coming in at 44.1% at 104, 132, and 2 All ATS. Right. Let's go. Rick Barnes of Texas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's on a lot of Rick Barnes is not of Texas. He's of Tennessee. Well, now, he, how's oh, Tennessee. How's he, <laughs> Here's your second worst, by the way, is Mark Few. 102, 101, and 8 ATS. Yeah, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. How's Izzo? 137, 104, and 6. 56.9%. Because I'm I'm wondering, I'm going to take a look. Is These coaches that are good, How is it the first game or the second? Because I always heard the opposite. Is you give Bobby Knight five yeah. days, he's going to do something great. When it's a 48-hour turnaround, there's nothing you can do. But now we're kind of, Izzo's comment about I'll win the second game feels kind of very different than that. Yeah. Well, he's got a good record on four, four plus days rest. All right, so here's what I'm doing, Gonzaga. I liked. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to a lean. A lean. <laughs> All right. I don't like Connecticut. I like. Well, I lean Arkansas, but I'd better know Vig, and just an alpha move. Um, <laughs> Texas. I don't love against Xavier just because I'm skeptical. Uh, so I'm gonna say my main pick. But I actually like Michigan or uh, Kansas State. So I'm going to say my pick is Kansas State and San Diego State. I don't like a little kind of pick selling 101, though. I don't sell. You don't want to give two picks because you have to go perfect or you've somehow, you know, you've lost. So what do I want to do here, Fez? You want to also play San Diego State Alabama under, which is my best bet because. Oh, wait a minute. Look at these offenses and defenses. Isn't this interesting? San Diego State makes sense. We all know they can't shoot. They're 70th in offense, but they got these enormous bodies and they're fifth in defense. That doesn't surprise me. But what does surprise me, look at Alabama. They're third in defense. You could win a bar bet on that. Their defense is actually better than their offense. So with both defenses for each team better than the offenses in San Diego State, although they ran back in November, they're slow now. And they'll play very slow so against Alabama. Under 130, yes, under 137 asks my best bet. So your best bet is just the under. You, yeah. But I, do you, I see a correlation. I see under, a correlation as well. I like State, the correlated right? parlay as well with San Diego State. I like that too. See, I would be a very modern batter. This would be very modern. If the only bets I have, now think about this. Like, what action do you have, RJ? It's like, well, I uh, have San Diego State in a correlated parlay with the under, 
And then I've got San Diego State to get raised to 10, obviously. <laughs> and I actually faded a, a parlay of Fezzes and Scots in mm-hmm. which, you know, it's like, there's no, where's the normal side bet side, man? This is, things are Just getting... Kansas State, right? You like Kansas State? <sighs> yeah, I do. So Kansas State, Alabama. But here's, I'm, I feel screwy. Not Alabama. Oh, I'm sorry. San Diego State, yeah, against Alabama. And then I like under in that game because of Fez, but I want to correlate it. But really, I, how do I? Well, luckily, I'm not a pick seller because it has a nice end game correlation also because if San Diego State covers seven and a half, uh-huh. they're probably down like three or four, which means they'll foul in the final minute, but not the final four minutes. Uh, or it could be like nine. But, but then, then they'll be foul. Then they'll probably be foul fest with four minutes to go, but they won't cover anyway. Do so I want to look maybe at the first half? You can look at the first half. Alabama. You already got them in the first 10 minutes. You're starting to load up on early, or the first I, race to 10. I think my it's a count, lot of early San I, Diego State. I think my – my. do you get any sense Alabama starts fast, you said? No. no. Alabama was struggling uh, early against Maryland. But, I mean, on the season. We, we, don't, we don't know. Houston, I thought, was – Houston I, is the one who's consistently won first halves until the tournament. All right. All right, you know something, McKenzie. We got a few more things to go. Mackenzie, you want to uh, grab me Alabama's numbers for the year and San Diego State first half, second half? Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to either finalize that parlay for the first half or for the game based on our numbers. Now, let's see here. We have some baseball, but this is going to be a minute or short, and then you're giving a pick on it. Let's do that, and then I'm telling you, next week, it's a smorgasbord. Yeah, so this is a little pick I'm giving out. It's on a baseball future. It's in an award, and it is on the American League Rookie of the Year. We touched on this kind of briefly before, but You here's gave the, this pick out. Yeah, here, here's the pick. It is uh, Masataka Yoshida who is the Japanese import playing for the Boston Red Sox. He's 29 years old. He's a seven-year veteran of the Japanese Pro League. We know he's 29. We don't. Seven-year veteran of the Japanese leagues. He's been an all-star the last five seasons. And during this most recent World Baseball Classic, which just ended here on Tuesday night, Japan beating the United States, Yoshida set the record for the most runs driven in in a tournament, had the huge game-tying three-run home run in the semifinal game on Monday night against Mexico in the seventh inning. He is getting a lot of recognition, and his odds are going to decrease. They're now plus 600. Right, so you gave this out, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, it opened up at plus 900. So when you gave it then, it was 9-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Now it's 6-1? Six 6-1, to, six one? to one, and even at the, West, at the Westgate, it's plus 450. But it's 6-1, to one, you still like it. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And there's seven to one, seven to ones out there you can get. So Fez, this is an example where people are thinking, oh, wait a minute, I just not getting the value, except there's been an informational change. The fact that this guy's getting so many headlines increase. This isn't like some, is he going to be the batting champion or is he going to have the most RBIs? This is a vote. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the fact he's getting notoriety right now means th- the chance of him getting voted on goes way. I up. think that I think very much so. Like now yes. that this tournament's over and he reports back to the Red Sox, the next like couple of days of spring training before he op- uh, before opening day, and even including opening day, he's going to be the talk of the town in yeah, Boston. I agree. It's going to be. When, when you watch that first broadcast on Nesson of the Red Sox opening day, they're going to be talking about what Yoshida did during the World Baseball Classic. No doubt. Hmm. Which is drive in 13 runs and set the record for the most RBIs in the tournament. How many history. games did he play? Five, six. It's a lot seven. of runs driven yeah. in. Now, here's the question How does this compare 
Mm-hmm. How does this compare to your performance in the 30 and over softball league? Not 30 and over. I mean, uh, they do have 30 and uh, over. Okay. Different rules for seniors, by the way. <laughs> so what was? So what? what, what how does it compare? Uh, his, listen, I had I had five home runs in 10 games. This guy drove in 13 runs. Five home runs. How many run. of those were inside the park? None. It went over the fence. I don't run around. Are you kidding me? First of all, it's hit and sit. You hit the ball over the fence, you just sit down. You don't run the bases. Huh? Yeah. Stupid. It's a time, you hit a home time. run. If you hit a home run, just sit down. Just go back to the dugout. Huh. Get the game moving. How do you tip to the how do you give your hat tip and all that? Well, you can flip the bat, you know. But then, then, then you get a heater. Don't curse though. The umpire did give me a warning for cursing. <sighs> okay, Faz, this looks good. <laughs> Look, this looks good for a race to 15 bat. Okay, Alabama this year has outscored opponents by 14 points. Six and a half points in the first half, seven and a half in the second half. I like San Diego State in the first in the race bet. Yes. And I like the first half also. And I like the correlation first half to under first half. Yeah. Yep. Now, San Diego State, they outscored their opponents by about eight points, seven point two in the first half, point seven in the second half. So literally San Diego State has done better against their opponents in the first half than Alabama. Yeah. And Alabama exceeds by about seven points in the second. First half under, book it. You want to book it, Fez? No. Uh-uh, you scared. I just gave out the under. Why would I book the first half under? Uh, I'm not scared. I'm consistent. All right. Um, San Diego State uh, this season, third worst ATS in the second half. I don't care about that. Now. I'm just saying, <laughs> not his, not my problem. <laughs> now, I hope for the bet I faded. I hope they can hold on. All right, so we got. Uh, let's think about this. We got your best bet done. We got Fez's done. Alabama under one thirty-seven. We got AJ's done. done. We got mine, but I got a bonus best bet. Let's go. Okay, so here's my NBA action, and I'm going to give you three separate bets here. So I'd say each one's worth a unit, to be honest. But they're all kind of part of a narrative. And to me, the narrative is that we've got two major MVP candidates and, and Giannis. And let's be honest, you can't forget about Giannis. Giannis Antetoko Umpo. That's pronouncing, AJ, by the way. That's how our, a professional broadcaster would oh say. Oh, my God. And the, and the tenderness in her voice. <laughs> so Giannis right now is 4-1. to one. The Joker, amazingly, somehow is down to plus 250, and then is minus 190. Now, we're not getting too involved, any involved, really, at these prices, but I think we know that the Joker's made a point to say he doesn't care about these MVPs. And there is an element of too cool for school with the Joker. So my sense is he's going to make a real effort to not look like he's trying too hard. Mm. All right? I also know Embiid's the direct opposite of that. <laughs> we know that. So I also uncovered, because I was digging into this Denver stuff. Because I actually, Faz, I started doing this because of your theory about how t- Denver and Utah is worse in the playoffs because there's a certain number of games that are back-to-back. 
Yes, right? where the team makes business decisions. Ah, we'll mail this one in and Denver. And Denver gets those wins at the altitude. With margin, big margins, good for the you know points per game stat. So imagine if there was like four games a year thrown by where the where Denver paid the other team off to lose big. Yep. That would skew their numbers, right? It's, exactly. Kind of. It's not nefarious, but uh, there's never going to be back-to-back in the playoffs, right? So yep. Okay. So I started digging into that. Then I saw, you know something? Denver, when they're off a win and they won on Sunday and they play a team below 500, road or home, they, they tend to not do well. They coast. There's something about them being over 500, playing a team worse than 500, and they just won, so they got some cushion. Well, we know they've been coasting. So tomorrow, or I guess it's going to be today, or it matters when you listen, thank you, is it's going to be, uh, uh, I guess it's Wednesday's games, and it's going to be first bat, Washington, plus six and a half right now against Denver. That's pick number one for Wednesday. Now, on Monday, so six days from now, five days from now, there is a 76ers against the Nuggets in Denver. And Bede cares, we're betting him over. Whatever, but do it at the open. Points I, over. Points, points over. over. Do it at the open if you can. And then we got, we're going to go Joker under. Now, there is one other element to that. Of the two, I actually like Joker under more because Philly with Embiid has played Denver in the last three years. Because Joker, once he started doing the MVPs, it's like, all right, this guy's gone to another level. In that time, there's been one game missed by the Joker, and then he's averaged, he's had like three games where he's had like 12 or 14 points. He'll have these intermittent games that he only shoots like eight times. Then he'll shoot 30 times. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy, because I got all his stats. Yeah, because he jumps up, he taps the ball, it hits off the rim, he grabs it again. He's like, he he gets like three, two rebounds and three shots and two points in one possession. And you know something, thinking about this, I think we bet the Joker later and and Embiid at the at the release or as soon as possible. Right, because the, the perception mm-hmm. the public's like, oh, both these guys want a big game here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I gotta say, Fez, we might want to look because you said, hey, DraftKings fan, do different uh, paper heads or whatever have this, but in Vegas, there's not a ton of NBA props. This is gonna be one of the biggest games of the year. You gotta figure the, the circle or whatever might open some stuff up. You know, it might be worth asking your buddies down there. You say, listen, I just gave you 50 dimes. Is there any chance you could have a, a prop bet up? If, if I've, I already got my request in for a Compton or an Andiamo, so why not? <laughs> yes. No, but what I'm saying is I do think it's going to be a big game. I actually like the Embiid. Oh, I'm sorry. I like the Joker under more. Because yes. Embiid, sometimes you can try and never know. Right? Is um, We know he's going to be. I feel pretty good he's not going to be. A- a- active on both sides of the court in this game. Yes. Plus, even if he does try really hard. Joker, I think he'll try to fill up the box score and accentuate his rebounds and his assists, not so much accentuate his points because that's really not his mm-hmm. main thing. Like he's an all-around player. The yes. point. So I like that a little better. But all three bets, what do you think? I like it. I they they all make sense. And and this this trend on the uh, playing a team after a win that's below five hundred. Couple tighteners on it is like six and twenty six. I mean, it's an extreme mm. thing. All right, boys. Anything to close? Next week, Final Four, baseball extravaganza. We got nothing to say except Fez. Take us out. Hey, hey. <laughs> Let's be careful out there. He's vibrating the metal. Hey.